This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing in my den. Mikazi now, he's not okay, so, so Mikazi, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy, he's a later. man. He's, he's, he's man, man Mikazi. Are you right? He got PWS Superstar by him. <laughs> and he was gone in two So it's in go for Nollies. In or Nobles. In go Nobles. You're missing a B there, but that's okay. There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. <laughs> oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Mary, 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 Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. Give me a name. Like who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Eight years. You know that? Eight years. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one that gets depressed about it. Unbelievable. Maybe not. To, no, I'm not depressed anymore. Now, now I've reached now. I think maybe eight is the year where I've reached like, my God, eight years. That's unbelievable. That like, I, I never, I never would have thought we'd be around that long, given where we started and given where we were a year, two years later. Or you know the turmoil that happened in all the other years prior. Like it now we've kind of it, it's it's now kind of settled into like a, hey you know what this is kind of cool. Like we figured out how to you know create a perfectly curated timeline so we don't have a bunch of shit being thrown at us on Twitter all the time. Yeah, the camps have sort of you know the the because it just it'd be like an all out throwdown like every day on that goddamn we'd release an episode and it would just be like just a storm of shit and everything that like we said would get broken down and manipulated and, and targeted. And it was just like, it got exhausting for there for a while there. But now I'm like, now I'm actually kind of happy with where we're at. Cause you know, we got, we got loyal fans. We got people that really like us really, you know, listen to us uh, devoted listeners, Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. You know, the camps have, have sort of the weirdos have kind of gone into their own little subset or we've blocked them and we don't hear what they say, which is nice too. So even if they're, you know they're probably still listening. Hello, hi. But you know it it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as argumentative. I don't I don't know the correct word, but it doesn't feel like it's a, just a throwdown every single week. 
when we do the show anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've never lost listeners in, in totality. I mean, I don't know if it's the same people necessarily because both of those things don't have to be true. But I mean, it's not like the show ever has negative growth, but you're right in that a lot of the different uh, Twitter camps in particular have sort of retreated into their own camps, you know, and including our own little camps. People just don't fight as much anymore um, as much as they used to four or five, six years ago, at least in our little bubble, because people are just in their own camps doing their own things. And for the most part, interacting with each other. And like you're saying, that bleeds into, like you're saying, we would put an episode of the flagship up. You know, we'd have the, the deep pearl geeks mad at us over something every week. We'd have the WWE fans mad at us. We'd have the indie fans mad at us. Basically, we just have everybody mad at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, depend, it, it just depended what part of the podcast they got to. Because we've always, yeah. you know, from the minute we did this, was always like, we cover everything. We cover all, and, and like... And the thing that, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that we created that podcast genre or whatever, but you see a lot more of that now where, like, podcasts just cover everything. They cover all wrestling. They call cover Japan and Indies and America and all that sort of stuff. And that was kind of our weird thing that we did when we first started is, like, hey, look, let's just cover it all. Like, let's just cover everything that, that, that happens in the world of wrestling. I mean, we'll have to watch it all. We'll have to kind of study it all. We'll have to become experts of it all. But, like, that's fine. We're going to do that. That will be what we do. That's how we differentiate from any other number of podcasts that were out there eight years ago, which were mostly focused on WWE, covering WWE, covering Raw, covering SmackDown, covering the pay-per-views, or covering TNA, or doing that sort of stuff, or Retro. Like, that was it. That, those were the two podcasts at the time, really, when we started. And, and I think, you know, we made it a, a mission to try to cover everything. And as a result, though, like you said, it would be, you know, if we talked about, you know, Noah in the first hour, everybody that would, you know, would get upset about Noah. And then the next hour, we talk about WWE, and then everybody gets it. Like, because we, we got, every, like, whereas, you know, if you're just at a podcast that covers, you know, raw every single week you're only gonna have one camp of fans that are really mad at you but it was like an all-out like every minute of the day it was like from every corner of the internet it's like oh we're mad at you like women's wrestling fans mad at us men's wrestling fans mad at us pearl mad at us WWE mad at us you know ring of honor mad at like it was just a constant stream of fans yeah oh my god the impact fans i forget they've they've just completely caught up there's no there's nothing left i mean if we're being honest but they would yeah they would just they would never relent they would go on for days an hour at, at a certain point like they uh, of everybody that will argue with you, those impact don't fuck with the impact fans though, because they will. I mean, they I tapped out many times against them. They're relentless because yeah. it's like, all right, you know what? Fine, <laughs> you know, hardcore justice is the greatest pay per view ever. I don't care. I don't care anymore. You know, like, and they argue in such a way where it's pointless to argue with them because a lot of their arguments are just they just come off completely delusional. But um. Yeah, I mean, I think someone said this, and I never remember who it was, and I never give them proper credit. Uh, but they said if you listen to the flagship long enough, Joe and Rich are going to destroy something that you love. It's going to happen. And it's true. At some point, we're going to kill something that you really like. And I think everyone listening can probably relate to that. Um, because when we don't like something or we're critical of something, we don't hold back and we're, we're you know, we, we let them have it. Um, but I think on the same token, when we really like something, we really like it. And the enthusiasm shows. And, you know, one of the best, the two best things that people say about the show are what I just said. You know, eventually they're going to, 
whatever it is you like about wrestling, eventually they're going to bury it if you listen long enough. And I think that's a compliment. And the other thing I like that people uh, say about the show is, and we get this all the time, thank you guys for exposing me to X because now I'm a huge fan of X. Right, right. Or thank you for reinvigorating my enthusiasm for wrestling because I just wasn't watching anything, but I listened to you guys and now I'm really into whatever the fuck. Dragon Gate, New Japan, AEW, whatever it is. Um, th- that, that is a big compliment. And it's, it's, you know, the negativity is easy for people to point out. And it's the stuff, the negativity is what makes people angry when we're negative on something. But I do think it's mostly balanced. And, and I mean, people have gotten mad at our positivity plenty of times too i mean anything we like we're cheerleaders that's what people say oh they're new japan cheerleaders oh they're co-opted by aew they're co-opted by new japan they're you know you know it's like so that end of it you get some of it but it's always the negative stuff that really irritates people and that's where you get that uh you know feedback but like like you said it's i think also people have just twitter isn't new anymore and I think that as a whole, people have learned – it's still a cesspool, don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of people have learned how to use the app better in that it's not – you can't use it like the old message board days. You can't use it for casual conversation. Casual – that was always my mistake for years. You cannot make casual flippant comments on Twitter like you would on this podcast or in a conversation with a friend. Because everything is misread and interpreted uh, differently on Twitter because it's just written word. And people don't know you or your personality. Or your tone. Is or your tone. Too. Yeah. So it's like and, – and, and I am someone – if you listen to this show, people – I like to speak flippantly and, and just throw things – and you can't treat Twitter that way. So I have learned how to use the tool better as well. And I think as more people – on quote-unquote wrestling Twitter, which is something that doesn't exist, but I'll use it for the sake of this argument. Because wrestling Twitter is so many different camps and bubbles that you can't really just call anything wrestling Twitter. But I think, at least our corner of wrestling Twitter, people have mellowed out, they've learned how to use the app better, and they, they understand that a lot of the old arguments and debates were just pointless. And it made people angry at each other for no reason, uh, or for stupid reasons. And people are just going to like what they like. And Twitter can't be treated like the old message boards where you can post a wall of text, and then someone else posts a wall of text, and you have a real deep intellectual conversation, and maybe you can understand where the other person's coming from, even if they don't change your mind. No, you cannot do that on Twitter, as we've seen in any, you know, whether it's politics or sports or wrestling or anything, Twitter is just a fucking set. You know what Twitter is for? Memes, fart jokes, and and just uh, and and publicizing something you do to make money. That's outside of that. If you're trying to have like meaningful conversations, and I know that's their goal, you're nuts. You're not going to have it. You know, you could have meaningful. You could have uh, sir, you could have some decent conversations with people you know on Twitter. I do believe that. And I have, I have, we have a lot of great interactions with people Absolutely. that that we know, that understand our tone, 
that get what we do and understand who we are and what we're saying and aren't looking to be in bad faith or aren't just misinterpreting, you know, but you cannot, I, I think it's very hard on Twitter to have a meaningful conversation with a collection of strangers, which is like what the people who run Twitter will tell you their goal is and they're out of their fucking minds. It's never going to happen. But, um, and obviously, you know, we're talking about the anniversary of our show. Twitter, for better or worse, has been an important part of the show. At times, we definitely overrate its significance. And at times, we definitely talked about it too much over the years. Um, but there's no question it's been an important part of the growth, too. And it's be, be silly to completely ignore it. Um, but I think that uh, we use it smarter now. And I think a lot of people use it smarter now. And that speaks to your point that there's just less... Believe it or not, it sounds weird to say, but there, it, there is seems to be less negativity in our corner of wrestling Twitter over the last year, two years or so than there used to be. Where, like you said, it was a battlefield every day, and you were being attacked by all sides, and it was a blood war. But if you don't let yourself get, you know, dragged into that stuff, you know, I think we've all learned better how to how to deal with the app. Absolutely. And, and the reason why we're you know talking about this as our anniversary show is is we don't have the exact date of when our first show together was. Um, we know it was sometime late February, early March, because the topic of the show was the Wrestling Observer Awards. And as the show's going on, we're refreshing the Observer website to, to see because the award issue is supposed to momentarily drop. So when it drops, we will ta- we'll talk about it. It'll probably be the third hour of the show. Uh, but that's kind of why we're to celebrate. We don't know the exact date. It may have been February 21st. It may have been March 5th. We're not sure. We can't find. I did exhaustive research to try to figure it out. I'm I'm at a loss, and that you know that's what I mean too. Like when when we talk about you know that that I'm just amazed that it lasted eight years is because it was so it was so kind of haphazardly thrown together. Like I had this website that that I had came out with and didn't really do much with, and it kind of failed. And you and I were just talking at a message board, and we just happened to be talking you know wrestling and sports and all that sort of stuff for years and years and years. And I don't know what I I, I still to this day have no idea what possessed us to just say you know what fuck it let's just record a podcast about wrestling like i i, I still to this day have no idea i think maybe that that site that we were on was launching some sort of podcast network or they had some sort of I, I again i still to this day have no clue how or why we decided to do it and again like it's so haphazardly that i have no record of i have no emails i have no notes i have i have nothing cataloging like when we exactly started the show I have I have notes as you know when we started getting going with you know our big time interviews the ones that really put us on the map we had Gabe Sapolsky very early on I think like April of 2012 we had Gabe on there May of 2012 we had Booker T like those two really got us and, that, and that's what the show was for a while it was you know we got together the one time talked about the Observer Awards talked about wrestling to like three people that would listen and then from that point forward we decided ah you know what we got to do interviews that's you know that's where the money's at the interview and that's what wrestling podcasts in a lot of ways were at that time too. There were not many analysis podcasts. Like, you know, nowadays everybody's got that. Every, every website has it. It's like guys talk about wrestling or, or, or people talk about whatever wrestling, like that just like most people do interviews or they would recap a show that that's what you had. You didn't have people sit down to talk about wrestling. And so we thought we had to do interviews. We had to talk to Gabe Sapolsky. We had to talk to Brooker T. And we got really good connections right off the bat to talk to those guys and talk to many other people, uh, you know, in the wrestling world really early on. And, and I have records of those and then somewhere along the line, and I'm trying to, you, you kind of try to follow it as well, but I think it was, we basically just didn't have an interview or somebody canceled on us. And we just said, you know what, let's just talk about wrestling for a little bit. And we went back and we just talked about wrestling for an hour or two. 
and we come to find that that was our most popular episode ever. It had, I don't know, 15 listens as opposed to 11. You know what I mean? Like, you know, these, these, you know, ridiculously low numbers. And then we just kind of said, ah, you know what? Let's try it again. And we just did it again. And then, okay, wait, we doubled our numbers. Wait, more people. And then it just kind of went from there. And then we just decided, okay, well, this is what we do now. We just talk about shit. We just get on here and talk about shit. And yeah. it seems, it seems like, yeah, well, of course, yeah, that's what everybody, but like, Go back to 2013. Think of podcasts that were around in 2012, 2013. There was very few dudes get on a microphone and talk about shit podcasts. They just no, weren't around. The, the, the wrestling genre, like you said, was interviews. That was huge. And raw reviews. And the raw review thing became a meme. No one's even doing raw review shows anymore, but everyone used to do raw reviews. That was the staple. That and interviews. And, uh, we made it our thing early on. We're never reviewing raw just because everyone's doing it. And we don't want to do that anyway. Um, the big four interviews early were Sapolsky, Booker T, um, uh, Lance Archer and TJ Perkins. Those were the four key ones um, that, that, that seemed to get the most attention. Cibernetico Jr. Are you kidding? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, he was a nice guy. Well, I wasn't even on that one. No, that you, you left me to high and dry. Like you're like, yeah, hey, we got Cibernetico Jr. I, I can handle it. He's, you know, he's got some Texas connections. I'll do stuff. And something yeah. happened and you couldn't do it. So I I'm couldn't just do like, it. Yeah. Hey, uh, arena Mexico. That's a cool venue, huh? <laughs> like, you know. Well, that, that therein lies the problem with interviews, trying to get three people on the same schedule. Was right, a pain right. in the balls. I mean, I did a bunch myself. You did a bunch yourself. I think, I did Darren Corbin by myself. I did Ricky Starks by myself. I did Rob I, Conway by myself. I do remember you that did one. Rob Conway. Yeah, yeah. His his agent. He, that's really the one where that broke us because his agent <laughs> was such a pain in the ass that oh, we were right. like, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. We can't do this. It wasn't Rob. The, not Rob Conway was fine. I mean, at least you know you said he was fine. The interview sounded fine to me because um, you did that one alone. But it was his agent that was just such a pain in the ass, and it's like. And and DDP's agent, we didn't even do that interview because it was like their demands were ridiculous. I mean, they were like, "Yeah, you could have DDP, but you can't talk about wrestling. You got to talk about the yoga." And we're like, "Well, <laughs> we don't want him then. I I, don't, I have no interest. You know, I, I don't want to talk about yoga. There's not a yoga show." Um. So then we're like, "It's too hard to schedule these things. Either you or me, we're missing half of them, and it's like can't." And then and then like you said. The shows where we just bantered about wrestling, we're doing twice as many downloads. And we're like, well, they like us better than they like the guests, which surprised us because, again, the game at that time eight years ago was you got to do interviews. You know, and I was real surprised. The Booker T interview, I remember when it cracked 100 downloads, I was like, oh, my God. We're the most successful podcast. Ever. <laughs> right, right. We did a hundred downloads, you know, and it's like, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's, that's, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you do that accidentally now. I mean, but it's like, um, and it's crazy because it's like we had no business getting the guests that we got that early on. You know, why is Booker T doing a podcast that's going to do a hundred downloads? I mean, you know, we just we just hustled and somehow made the right connections, and you know, um, but those four were the to me the big four early on um, that got a little bit of attention in different circles or whatnot. But um, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't like it is today where there's the, the wrestling podcast thing blew up. And there's a lot of podcasts now doing analysis. And it really there really wasn't then. 
You know, and I'm not saying we were the first or anything like that. There were definitely knockoffs early on. There were, I, I remember them. I'm not going to say who they were, but there were knockoffs and it annoyed me, but they quickly fell by the wayside. Um, and there, I think there are shows today that, I, this may come off arrogance, but Rich, when am I have not been one to come no, off of arrogance? Course, no, times. and today is the day to do it. Eight years, you know? Hey, go ahead. But, you know, at the risk of sounding arrogance in all seriousness, I also do think that there are shows that exist today that are actually doing pretty well that are clearly influenced by this show. Uh, you know, and again, people might be rolling their eyes or I might get subtweeted on that or people might. But, but I, you know, I, I think that's the case. And I'm not I'm not insulted by that. I'm flattered by that. I do think I find that flattering. What bothered me is when people who sucked at this tried to copy us. That bothered me. You know, we didn't need the market flooded with a bunch of people doing a second-rate impression of Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza. That sucked. Um, you know, people who just weren't compelling and didn't have anything good to say and just weren't interesting, and they're just copying us and copying our bits and copying our tone. That never, and, and, and for good reason, those shows all fell by the wayside. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that we've we we do have have had some influence, and um, you know I I, I do f- think that's uh, flattering. I'm not I don't want to lump some of those shows in with some of the ones that I thought you know deserved to fail. Right. I'm going and reading our uh, <laughs> Gabe. So, so the 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 way we got to Gabe, uh, uh, it's fascinating. To this was brilliant. Me. We took advantage of his of his classic anger. Yes. Yes. Yes and no. So we <laughs> so initially you jumped in on the DG USA contact form on their website, which is incredible. So well, yeah, me, yeah. But but our angle to talk him into doing it was was totally taking advantage of his temper. Yes, because at the time there was rumors that he had asked for his job back in Ring of Honor. Yes. And and you were like, hey, just want to, you know, we have a podcast on this network. It's like very nice. It's the most professional email I've ever seen from Joel Lanza. You've obviously, you were a much more professional man in June of 2012. But uh, um, you're like, oh, we're, we're very flexible and I'm very happy to have you. It's very, uh, very by the numbers, by the book here uh, from Joe. But yeah, you were like, oh, you know, there's been some recent rumors and recent, you know, kind of rumblings about you and Ring of Honor. Uh, and we'd love to have, you know, give you the platform to clear air. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, you know, five minutes later, he's like, yeah, sure. What time's good for you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I remember telling you, I'm like, because that was that whole thing where Dave reported in the Observer that Gabe had asked for his job back in Ring of Honor. And that clearly Dave was only getting the cornet side of it. And Gabe was hot. So I figured if we jump on him now, we can get him to do, I know he'll do this because he's going to want to get his side out. And that's exactly what happened. Like you said, he responded like instantly. He's like, yeah, when can I do this? So it's like taking advantage of the classic Gabe temper. You see the tone of that email. People should read our interactions now with with Gabe and compare. <laughs> you know, we kid. You know, we get along with him for the most part. There's no yes, sir. Uh, thank you, sir. Okay, uh, appreciate it. We're big fans. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Like, yeah. That's, no, it's it's we're shooting it, the shit now. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking call me. I don't care. It's two a.m. Like that's what it is. Now. <laughs> right, right. But um, yeah, th- that I thought that was a great. Um, way I, I thought for sure he'd do it and he did and he came on our dopey little show with no listeners and and he gave his side of the story and then we were like peppering him with other questions and i remember he was like man you guys really you guys really dig deep 
And I remember, I will always remember him saying that because to me, that was a huge compliment. Like, he probably thought he was coming on his dopey little show to just give his side of the story and then get the typical bullshit questions. But we were asking, asking him like legitimate tough questions that he was not comfortable answering. And we were getting non-answers. But when we were doing interviews, my thing was always, I don't care if we get a non-answer, but my listeners are not going to hear me ask dopey questions. You're getting good questions from me. If the guest doesn't answer them, that's on them. And I'll push them as much as I can without being a dick about it. But my job is just to ask the good questions. You know, and then if the guest doesn't answer, it'll reflect on them, not me. You know, my listeners need to know that I'm on top of things. So that was kind of a – I'll always remember that from the uh, from the first time we – we had Gabe on like two or three more times since yeah, I think. Right. But uh, that, was the, that was the first time. I mean, yeah. we were hammering them. We were like, why aren't – yeah, so uh, uh, Jimmy Susumu was announced for uh, – and then you pulled him from that. Why aren't the Dragon Gate guys coming over anymore? <laughs> yeah, he, he thought he was getting like the most bomb in the barrel, like, hey, tell us about Brian Danielson or whatever. And we yeah, were yeah, – yeah, yeah. No. no, we were like, hey, tell us about Mochizuki and when you're bringing him over. Like, <laughs> and he quickly went into to, to promoter plug mode because he wanted, he wanted out once he saw that we were um, – you know, asking some trickier questions, but it was great of him to come on when we were mm-hmm. literally nobody. I mean, literally no one. Yeah, and uh, and I always remember the Booker one as well because that that like you said, similar to the Gabe thing where he was like, "Wow, you guys go pretty deep." Is is you know when I when I started the interview with Booker, I, I don't were you? It was both of us, right? Or was it just me? People, I don't remember. People did that one, yeah. So I remember when when we got on the call, I think it was either him or his, his publicist or whoever was with us. And we're like, "All right, how much time do we have you for?" And I believe they were like, "Ah, eh, twenty minutes or whatever." And we're like, "All right, cool. It's it's not a lot, but we'll we'll make that work or whatever." So we're at like nineteen minutes, and I kind of take a quick little break. I I kind of let a little bit of silence go, and I'm like. Hey, uh, you know, so we're at 19 minutes, so you want us to wrap this up? And the publicist was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Booker cuts the publicist off and goes, no, 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 we're having fun. Let's keep going. Yeah. And I always remember being like, oh, holy shit, that's awesome. Because he, you know, we started, he, you know, he at, answered the questions very basically at first. Like, you know, okay, here's the stock answers. And then I think we started getting a little deeper into stuff, deeper into stuff, deeper into stuff. And and something clicked in him and said, you know what? These guys are pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. Like, we got him to enjoy. And you could hear him opening up as the conversation goes up. He's, his answers get longer. He starts kind of, you know getting out of his comfort zone a little bit, having some fun. And, and yeah, I'll never forget me saying, okay, we'll, we'll get ready to wrap up. And him saying, no, let's go longer. And being like, oh, all right, <laughs> like, cool. All right, sweet. And they went like 40 minutes with him. And, and it was incredible. And when he was done, he went, oh, that was, you know, that was awesome, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You know, I haven't had a good conversation about wrestling in a while. And I was always like, okay, well, maybe we are good at this thing. <laughs> maybe we're, we're doing this pretty okay. Because that was back-to-back interviews. I remember Gabe and, and Booker back-to-back where it was like, all right, you know, both times the people that we were interviewing who had no business talking to us could have easily just bounced after five minutes or bounced after 10 minutes, but wanted to keep going and, 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 and keep talking. And that, to me, that always rang, you know, that always kind of stuck with me as Booker cutting off his publicist and saying, no, let's keep going. Yeah, very guarded at first. And then he's like, oh, well, these guys aren't dopes. You know, they're not asking me dumb shit. This is a, this is a good conversation. And the other one, too, was um, Justin Bissonette would come on. Like he he must have done the show. How many times did he do the show? Six, seven. I mean, God, our first year it was like five times. It was every other week we were just like anarchy championship wrestling, you know, PR basically. And then when Inspire started up, right, right. Then when Inspire started up, it's like because he'd save our ass because we didn't we wouldn't have anyone lined up, you know, and and but he never would say no and uh, was so good to us early on, also hooking us up with guests, you know. And again, who the fuck are we? You know, we're, we're no one, you know, and it's like, um, but, but who knows where we'd be without that too. 
you know, just um, him coming on and, and building that base of Texas listeners and then also opening up doors for guests and things as well. So uh, that was very key early on, um, you know, during the interview days. But um, yeah, you, you talk about Booker's publicist, and but uh, a sharp contrast to Velvet Sky's publicist oh, saying, Lord, yeah. "Hey, let's wrap it up." And me and you were like, "Yep, got to wrap it up." <laughs> you know what? Good idea. We're getting pretty close to fifteen yep. minutes. We should wrap this up in eleven minutes. Like, we, we yep, should yep, really we hear you. We should really let you go. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't want to hold you up, Velvet. Uh, that was horrendous. That was My bad. God, I think it was- Christopher Daniels. I, I remember he. I think it was the same. I believe it was the same publicist because that was when we were working with TNA's publicist at that time. Yeah. And I think the same thing happened where that publicist said, okay, we got to go. And Daniels was like, no, fuck that. We're going to keep going. <laughs> I remember that. I, I think you did that show or maybe I, I don't know if I was at work or something like that happened. But didn't he say he wanted to keep going as well? I did that one. He gave me two more. Yeah. He, he, the, the publicist, the TNA publicist was very rude. Yes. TNA publicist would jump in in the middle of a sentence. What was and her be name? Like, she sucked. Jen? Was it Jen? We used to, we used to do bits. <laughs> Remember, she we used to do a bit like with her with um, I don't remember her name, but she's long gone. But she would butt in like in the middle of a sentence. She was just rude, and um, yeah, Daniel's. I did that one solo, and he was like, uh, "I was, you know, I was like, well, I have a couple more questions," and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, give the give. I got time." He's like, "Don't worry about it. Give it. You just finish all your questions." He was very nice, one of the nicest people uh, for sure that uh, we dealt with. I can't find. I can't find her name. I think her name was Jen or something. That's like probably that. for the better. I mean, we don't need to be Garrett. Will know. <laughs> we don't need Garrett, to be. I guarantee you, Garrett remembers. You her. think Garrett would know her? He knows everything. He's uh, he a does know everything. Robot. Right? Like he's not gonna know. He's he, he, uh, right now. Wherever he is in this world right now, whatever he's doing, something just, like he just had a tingle, a little something. Just you know, felt like it was running down his, his spine or something like that. He's yeah. he knows. He knows something's up. He knows where you know the bat signal is. <laughs> cast for Garrett to uh, let us know who the TNA publicist was in like 2013 or something like that. She was even rude when I met her. Like, oh I yeah, yeah, because you met her at uh, in in uh, Texas, right? I met her at um, the Alamo uh, Dome. The Alamo yeah, Dome. Yeah, what, what, what show, show was that? Yeah. Oh god, I don't remember. Uh, Impact Wrestling Alamo Dome. Garrett's screaming right now that we don't know what this is. Was uh, uh, was it a lockdown? No, it was um. Trying to think which pay per view it was, which brand lockdown 2013. It, it was lockdown, like. yeah. And we had our uh, a media pass, or may have been wasn't really a media pass, it was just a comp. I think it was just a comp. And I went to pick it up, and it was her. And I, I you know, I was like, oh, I, like she clearly, like, we had dealt with her for a month, you know, back and forth, and spoke with her on the phone and on the show and everything. and she was even rude when she handed me the ticket. Like, she's just, nah. I'm like, what is wrong with this person? You know? I, it, so, um, I mean, I'm glad she moved on, but uh, she was a pain in the ass. But uh, it's not nice. She's not a nice person. And those kind of people are always overly nice. Like, PR people. Like, usually they're, like, fake nice. Right. Like, the current the current impact. The guys at, 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 um, at Access and, and Sean and those guys. I mean, they're, like. They're like annoyingly nice. You're like, all right, is, like I don't need anything and, more. Yeah. Well, Sean Graven, he is genuinely nice. He's yeah. just a nice guy. I mean, you, there's no one I'd rather deal with than him. He's just a, a fucking delightful human being. You know, he helps you out. He's constant. The communication's good. You know, it's, uh, you know, he'll give you his phone number and get, you know, he's just a, a, an exceedingly nice human being. He's, and we should say he works for Axis, which I guess technically is working for Impact now, but, um, 
technically he works for Axis right, right. though. But um yeah, but I mean, yeah, she was the dirt worst. I mean, she was just she was horrible. Like, can you wait for a sentence for me to finish my sentence before you jump in? And what was she sitting there with a stopwatch? Like, I, no, legitimately, yeah. I think we had a joke once that, like, when we were done with the call, we're like, because I, I, I did the same thing, and I was like, man, she was like right at fifteen minutes. Like, okay, we gotta go. Like, we're done here. <laughs> like, I remember once yeah. you were like, so uh, Daniel, like, all right, we gotta go. Like, as loud as humanly possible, too. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like, let us. Like, yeah. Yeah, she Jeez. and then she booked. Um, what was her TNA name? Uh, Tara Victoria. Tara. Yeah. She she booked Victoria when Victoria's not even on the on the show or even scheduled to be in the building. Like she booked someone who wasn't even. So she would fuck up the bookings too, and then we had Victoria apologizing to us for a month. Um, so yeah, sorry, in person I, one oh. time, like that's when right when she opened her uh, her restaurant in Chicago. Yeah. And I, I went there once and there wasn't that many people there. And she's like, oh, how are you doing? Or, and I'm like, I'm like, this is completely, this is kind of weird. But like, I, I host a, a wrestling podcast or whatever. And we were supposed to have you on and, and you've been in our DMs, like apologizing. I just want to say it's not that big of a deal or whatever. And she goes, yeah, that lady, she didn't even tell me that I was actually booked for that podcast. And then like, she's, she was talking about how it was such a disaster dealing with this woman too. Yeah. And I'm like, you're, I'm with you. Like, yeah. I'm with you, Tara. Like she sucks. Like she was garbage. So she was telling us how she was like, had to do these photo shoots. And I got pulled out of a photo shoot. I got pulled into a photo shoot. And then it was like, she was like, yeah, that girl's an idiot. Like if anytime you want to do a podcast, just let me know and I'll do it. So like, I never took her up on that. Cause at that point we were like, fuck interviews. We're done with that shit. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah I remember then she like, was, was like nice to me forever after that every time i came in she went oh hey rich oh my god i'm so sorry again i'm like i, I don't care I've, i'm over it i don't care anymore we just don't do interviews anymore i think that was may have been the impact stuff may have been when we finally decided you know what <laughs> these aren't worth the trouble anymore yeah it was it that the conway's agent um there was just a lot of things where it's just it became too much trouble for not enough return either because again the weeks we didn't have guests, we do these shows and people listen, they, they would get more listens anyway. So we're like, well, they like us better when we don't have an interviewer, when we don't have an interview on. Every now and then we'll have someone on. I mean, well, we have Gabe on a couple months ago. Um, you know, I, I'm not opposed to them. I really like doing them. Yeah, I know. I love them too. It's just it, it, the timing is the biggest issue. That, that's it, It's just trying to get, I mean, just to get you and I scheduled together, like we have pretty much nailed it down at this point. We're, we're pretty yeah. well, like, but sometimes it changes. Like last week, you had to do Tuesday or whatever, you know, like sometimes that changes. Trying to get your schedule, my schedule, and another person's schedule together is just like. Oh, and a pro wrestler schedule. Right, exactly. And, and, and there's very odd lifestyles. It's tricky. We'll let you know. And then like, they're like, hey, can you do it today at like 5 p.m.? And we're like, whoa, okay. Like, they're like, yeah, I'm available now. This is when I can do it. Can you do it now? And like. Sometimes we would accommodate that. At that time, you know, I worked pretty close to home. I could, you know, work from home sometimes. You could work from home sometimes. We were able to do that. But these days, it's it's much more difficult for me just to, you know, jump from work to home and and, and do that. And you obviously have kids to take care of and stuff. So it's not as easy to just get on their schedule. Because a lot of times, yeah, it would be like ACH would say, hey, I'm ready to go now. And we're like, well, okay, all right. Like, so we had to like fumble everything together. And, and, and we would be able to get it together within an hour. But I don't know if the, how realistic that is anymore to do that. So. No, and the impact. Uh- the impact PR, they would always schedule them like one in the afternoon on a work day. Right. Like, so I would, I would, on my lunch hour, I would go home and do them if I could. So it's like, we're just, you know, like we're not fucking CBS sports. We're, uh, you know, we're just two dopes who have day jobs. It's, you know, it, it made it very difficult. Um, but uh, that's it, though. I will try to, I will try to, if I can, get everything together. But it is it's here's what very happened. difficult. So. We did a 100th episode in like 2014 or something. November, November 24, 2014. But that was a work because we it was like around 100 episodes. 
And I remember Rich was like, let's just do a hundredth episode. We'll give this one a hook. And I was like, all right. Uh, it was like, because we didn't, we weren't keeping count, but it was around a hundred, but that was a worked number. Yeah. So now we're counting from that show. And what'd you say you come up with? Three sixty. Uh, right now, three sixty. Uh, this would be the hundred three hundred sixty ninth episode, the one we're doing right now. Sixty nine. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so who knows? It's somewhere around three. So we're gonna just stick with that official. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some work on this. I, I want to at least catalog this a little bit and see. The, the big issue is the original podcast network we were on the the virtual sports network network or whatever. We we're on Podomatic or something. They just like one day just wiped all of our shit. Just didn't tell us. Just one day it was all gone. It wasn't. It wasn't VSN's fault. The, the virtual sports no, network. Podomatic. It was like Podomatic. Just one day, just fucking deleted our shit. We were like emailed them. We're like, hey, uh, you deleted all of our stuff. Never got a response back. Never got anything. Just gone. So the pod, yeah, the Podmatic era shows are all gone. So we don't know how many um, officially there were. Then there was who was between Podmatic and Audio Boom? There, or was it uh, Libsyn? Libsyn was a little bit. Yeah, all these cool. low level ones, and then Audio Boom. Um, from there, the history is pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, we we get we got pretty much all the way from June four thousand fourteen on. We have. It's just yeah, it, the other stuff point, in between is tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once you hit audio boom, then you're doing like a real amount of downloads, getting ads, and it's all that's those shows are up, you know, forever. Um, you know, but yeah, the the stuff before that bouncing around. I mean, like you said, Podmatic, they just disappeared one day and they're gone forever. And it, I mean, you know, um, it, it sounds like you're talking about two cans and a string anyway on some of those. Um, lower level hosts you know not like me over here with my 30 dollar mic plugged <laughs> into my don't get me started seven year old laptop is is the pinnacle of audio quality but uh it was actually worse believe it or not somehow it was yeah because i was also sounding bad at those times too not only yeah. were we both sounding bad but then also the quality was just other shit too so yeah yeah so uh eight years so uh, where will the show be in another eight years god good lord can you even imagine We'll all be dead from coronavirus. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. So we will have well, no more listeners left. So my offer still stands to uh, Sirius XM to go head to head with Busted Open. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. For free. For free. I will go head to head on Busted Open with Bully Ray on, uh, on, on, on Sirius. And if we don't have more listeners after six months, then they don't have to pay us. We'll just go away. But I guarantee I, you put me head to head with that show for six months. I'd be beating them. Oh, God, yes. Are you I, I, I've, there's no question in my mind. I, I am so confident in that. But, uh, you know, that's with a standing their, with offer. Their resources, with their resources, can you imagine the call yeah. banks, the producers? All, oh, yeah. my God, yeah. Are you kidding oh, me? Yeah, yeah. Well, we bring Andrew Rich with us. That's part of the demand. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Would never leave him behind. Um, so, so that's my standing offer that they'll never hear and never <laughs> adhere to. So <laughs> that's just my grants. You know what that is? That's a uh, grandstand. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know that's never. You're like, they're hey. never taking us up on it. Right. That's my grandstand challenge, like wrestlers used to do. Like, you know, someone would challenge. Uh, you like when Bischoff challenged. Yeah, Vince Bischoff challenged Vince. If you have the guts to come to Slamboree, I'll be yeah. there, Vince. Like- yeah. So if SiriusXM has the guts to put <laughs> right. us head to head, you know, we'll be there, and you don't have to pay us. But then if they call us, I'm going to be like, listen, you got to pay me. Yeah, I need, I need like, something, I, man. I, I, gotta, I can't travel all the way to New York or whatever. Right. <laughs> For, you got to pay me. <laughs> right. You know, that's just part of the work. You know, you got you to gotta pay me. But uh, so eight years, I don't know how, which way to look at it. Is it a little bit of, is it like not enough progress in eight years or is it amazing progress in eight years? I, I, would, I, say, I would say pretty amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm positive about it. You? 
yeah, I mean, I enjoy it, you know, and, um, you know, expanding, you know, the subscription stuff. And, um, I mean, I like doing it. I like doing the audio. I mean, some weeks I'm like, ah, fuck, I got to do this fucking show. Right. But then a half hour into it, I'm into it. That's how I am. Yeah. I dread it yeah. all day. It yes. consumes my entire Thursday or Wednesday. And I'm just like, yeah. Fuck, like you know, I never feel like I get enough sleep. I don't eat. I don't. But then, yeah, within, within an hour, I'm like, ah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> this is great. And it gets I'm going. Excited. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Why did I not want to do this? This is great. You know. Um. But there are some weeks where I'm like, ah, fucking Christ, motherfucker, this fucking thing interfering in my life. But I, I, I'm always into it. Within like, I it never lasts more than like a half hour into actually doing it. So, um. I could still say I enjoy it. I mean, I wouldn't be fucking doing it if I didn't enjoy it. I mean, what would be the point? Uh, it's almost like it's just part of my life now. It's so crazy to say that. Yeah, I have no. I, like, I don't know what I would do without it at this point. <laughs> like, I'm addicted to it for some reason. So it's kind of sobering. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just a habit. It's just like every every week I, I just do it. You know? <laughs> Got to get the takes out. Got to get the takes out. You know, I guess it'd be weird if it just stopped and it's like, what am I going to do with my takes? Someone's got to hear my takes. that's the thing i'm gonna be giving takes for the rest of my life i can't live without not giving the takes now right 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 and and i think you and i both have backgrounds in that too because you know i was doing throughout my entire high school years i was doing columns and 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 journalism and stuff like that you know writing for websites writing for newspapers doing all sorts of stuff you you know what people might not know when we were doing this podcast you were actually doing an mma column for bleach report correct yeah 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 i forget i forget what the name of it was or whatever but but yeah you I hand waves. I lost interest in MMA after all the mergers. Um, so I stopped doing MMA stuff. Yeah. Right. But so you were used to already doing takes. We were on the message boards and that was kind of a take fest too. So we've been doing it. I, we've been doing it for a while. So I feel like we would prop, but like now it's like, I, I, I've only known one way to give my takes. So like, yeah, if, if all of a sudden it just all ended, I would, I don't know what I would do. I, I would, someone would just get really annoyed of me hearing me. I don't know what I would do. I, I honestly have no idea. I'm, I'm thinking about it in my head of like, what I would do if I watched a wrestling show and I didn't have this outlet to talk about it these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, like, I don't know what the hell I would do. Like, I I'm addicted to giving the takes and I'm addicted to the feedback from the takes. Like the first 24 hours after you put the flagship up, I'm everywhere looking for the reaction to the takes. I, I fucking need that like a drug. Yeah, this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. I'm thinking, I'm just in my head thinking of like what I would do. Like I can't, and, and we talk about this all the time as well as like, I, I now have a tough time just watching any wrestling without thinking that I need to take notes about it, talk about it, tweet about it. I just don't like watch. You know what I like? Some people can just like turn it on and watch and take away whatever they need to take away from it. But I feel like I got to watch everything. I got to watch every match. And, and, and if I, if I'm watching a match, I have to think about it. I have to rate it. I have to take notes. I have to do a, a Patreon thing about it. Like I just can't, comfortably watch wrestling anymore yeah you get the that happens to me i get guilt if i watch wrestling and i'm not turning it into a take or monetizing it some way like i'll sit down just to watch something on the network and like you i'm like fuck should i be writing things down should i (laughs) should i turn this into like a written review or should i fucking turn it into like and then i'm like that's fucking stupid why am i thinking this way like i should just be able to enjoy some fucking wrestling but um yeah, you just you get that anxiety. Like, oh my god, I why am I wasting this wrestling? Why I need to be telling people what I think of this Jim Duggan Mid South match I'm watching. What a waste! <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, this for episode sure. of Worldwide that I'm watching. No one, no one's, no one yeah. knows about the Gambler. What have I done? Yeah, it, it's 
Um, it is, it is, it is, yeah, it is something, but, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm like, you know, ultimately as, as we kind of wrap this up and, and, and get to the, the takes this week is, um, I do think I'm, I'm kind of proud of where we're at. And I think the big reason why I'm proud of where we're at is that there was, there's always been easier ways to get bigger. And we always talk about that as well. As well. If we, in those early days, reviewed Raw and reviewed SmackDown, we would probably be bigger now than we are. You know, like, maybe yeah. it would have faded out at some point, but we would have reached higher highs, maybe, if we reviewed Raw and SmackDown. If our website was just an amalgamation of, like, tweets from Trish Stratus turned into headlines. You know, Trish Stratus thinks women's revolution is a great thing for wrestling. You, you know, we could do that. We could spit that out every day, and, and we'd probably make more money and have more people at the website, but we've never, we've always kind of stuck with what we are. From the first point that we started this website and, and did everything, we've always kind of said, no, we're not just going to be a news and rumor site. No, we're not just going to be a results website. We're going to do reviews. We're going to do columns. We're going to do really passionate podcasts, long-form podcasts, big types. Like We've always said we were going to do that stuff and that we, we're not going to... We're not just going to be one thing. We're not going to only cover WWE. If someone says, hey, I have a, a column about Dragon Gate, I'm going to say, yeah, sure, let's talk about it. Let's let's put it up on the website. Whereas most websites, if you said, hey, I have a column about Dragon Gate, they're going to tell you, get the fuck out of here and make something about Sasha Banks instead. You know, write a 300-word write a thing about Sasha Banks. Nah, I don't care about your 10,000-word you know, opus about Mad Blanky. Like, get out of here. We don't want that shit. Whereas we have always said, yeah, we'll take that shit, even if it gets 300 views. I don't care, you know? I want people to have an outlet for their passion. And that's what we've always kind of done on this website. So, yeah, there's been multiple opportunities where we probably could have gotten bigger than we are. But I'm glad that we never really relented on what we wanted to be and never really said, you know what, fuck it. Let's go just go make money. Because it, it's easy. It's not that hard. It really, like, honestly, if you want to sit down and, and, and grind at the, on the content game and the aggregation game, it, it, it's difficult. It's tough. But, like, we could have done it. You know, there's, there's numerous websites. There's some that do it way better than others. Some are to, like the thing where you talked about the copycats. With voice wrestling, I'm not throwing every aggregation site into the same thing, but there's a lot of your your bullshit ones that are just yeah the same old stuff regurgitated a thousand times over. But it, it does good clicks, it gets high on Google review, uh, on Google search results and stuff, and that's that's cool. And they probably make a decent amount of money. They maybe make more than us. I don't know, but I've always liked that we've never, you know, even if it's just our little niche, and even if we only cover things that we want to cover, is that we never said no, 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 no we can't cover that because it's not going to make money, or it's not going to get ratings, or it's not going to get you know clicks, or it's not going to get likes. We've never cared about that shit. Yeah. And yeah. maybe we should, you know, maybe, maybe we wouldn't be doing our desk jobs anymore if we did, but you know what? Well, fuck it. I don't care. It, it, you know, the quickest way to increase downloads of the show would be to do WWE wall to wall every week. You know, and I mean, that's, that's what that's going to get people to sample it. And I don't know if those people would stick around because we wouldn't have nice things to say a lot of the time. But I mean, you know, there's, there's weeks where the lead story to our, in our world and to our listeners is going to be something like Dragon Gate. Um, well, you know, that <laughs> Dragon Gate, that's third hour fodder, unfortunately, most of the time. But you get the idea where our lead might be something that isn't going to be, it would never be the lead if we were working for some corporate entity. They would never allow us to lead with some of the things we lead with. Or even just talk about some of the things we talk about. But, you know, we feel like to our listeners, that is the big story of the week, as opposed to Baron Corbin dumps dog food on Roman Reigns on SmackDown, which I don't think our listeners want to hear about that. So you're right. I mean, we could grow faster if we simply did targeted mainstream content, especially in the lead positions. But, uh, you know, we've never done that. 
You know, I mean, a lot of our listeners want to just stop talking about WWE. <laughs> right. We get more of that. Which we also can't do. Right. Um, and I wouldn't want to do anyway. Like, it's like, you know, I, I want to talk about it even if it's bad. I mean, this week's a great example. So. Alrighty, so that that's that. So that's uh, celebrating our eighth year here, the beginning of the eighth year. I think I I don't know, I forget how that would work, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna try to do the episode numbers. Maybe we'll be able to come to a uh, somewhat sort of conclusion, and maybe uh, I don't know, five hundred. I think we we might do something. I'm not gonna do some dopey thing for four hundred. Get this, out of here, four hundred. This yeah, this is the beginning of the ninth year. That, oh my god, Jesus. Okay, yeah. So we've completed eight. We're beginning nine. We okay. did eight years. Oh, right? Man. 13, 14. Oh, now I'm depressed. Now I'm <laughs> yeah, completed eight years. So Jesus. going on a decade. Ugh. Next year will be going on a decade. Ugh. Ten years of this. Yeah, but how many how many wrestling podcasts have lasted a decade? I know. That's wow. There's really not that many. Um the you know, there's a there's a lot of wrestling podcasts. The number really dwindles if you're talking about how many will last 10 years. Unless one of us die, I mean, we're probably going to get to 10. Uh, Jeez. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I mean, yeah, we're, we live in a coronavirus era now. You gotta be- I mean, honestly, if one of us die, we probably will still get to 10. I don't know if I'd stop. Oh, I would definitely do it. Yeah, no, for sure. So <laughs> I think 10 is, I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, 10, I think. And, and how many last 10? Right. You know, it, it's, you know. It, well, just yeah, the fact that you and I haven't just said, fuck you, Joe, I quit, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Like, that—that yeah. that is that is remarkable. The two strong-willed, opinionated men have been able to do something every single week for t- you know, close to a decade. Who never have to look each other in the eye. Which either. probably, which, which, I don't know, does that help or not? I don't that know. That makes it easier because it's easier to tell someone to fuck off if you never have to encounter them again. That's true. And it's like, you know. But but the other thing is, I can honestly say in eight years, I don't think I've ever been mad at you. I no, I, 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 don't I, can't, <laughs> I can't use the word mad. I could use the word like annoyed briefly. Right. Disappointed, annoyed. Well, you're probably even disappointed in me way more than I've been disappointed in That's you. That's absolutely true, yeah. Because I've dragged you into more Twitter bullshit <laughs> than you've dragged me into Twitter bullshit. There's definitely been, like not recently, but definitely... There was, there was, there was like, I remember there was one, I forget what it was. Maybe, no, you know what? I remember exactly what it was. It was something about your Hiroki. You made a Hiroki Goto tweet about intergender wrestling. Yes. And I remember telling Michelle, I was like, you know what? This this guy's a fucking idiot and I'm done with this shit. Like, I was just like, yeah. over Because I just like, my phone blew up. Everybody was mad at us. We hate women. We hate this. We hate. And I was like, you know what? Joe's a fucking idiot. I'm done. And then like an hour later, I was like, ah, no, I'm not done. I'm back in. So, yeah. It's it like, did last. it was just like, I just remember waking up to just a barrage of tweets and being like, I'm fucking done. This is over. Joe's got me into too much bullshit. I'm over it. And then like an hour later, I was like, ah, whatever. No, he's, he's right. He's right. Fuck those dorks. We're going to go to rules. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a five year stretch where I was getting you involved in all kinds of bullshit like that. But like it has, you know, and, and so I can, you've definitely been annoyed with me probably more than I've been annoyed with you. Like sometimes, like I can't even, it's weird. Like sometimes you'll do things like, uh, um, nah, that's too granular. Nobody cares. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> but it's like, um, it's like back end stuff sometimes where I'm like, Rich, pump the brakes. It's not a big deal. Like, but that's the extent of it. You know, I'm never like going to my wife saying, ah, oh, this fucking guy. That has never happened. Right. You know, it's just been more like, ah. I, I just needle you because I care too much. And I like worry about shit that nobody worries about ever. So. You do. And I, sometimes I'm in my head, I'm like, oh, Rich really is, uh, 
This is a mountain out of a molehill if I've ever saw that's one. That's me. <laughs> you know, that's that's the extent of it for me. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. Like, the thing where, okay, I have the perfect one, and it's recent. As people who listen to all the podcasts know, we've finally secured ads for everyone. So all of the – everyone can make a little money now. We got ads going on all the shows. We worked very hard for that, changed podcast hosts, all that, right? So all of our shows on our network are earning ad money now, which is great. And Rich was insistent upon pestering these companies for individual um, – uh, uh, sponsor codes for each show instead of the one blanket use code VOW for your discount or whatever. Rich was like, no, we need codes for every show. And I'm like, <laughs> we do. And I didn't say this, but I was like, I, you know, it's really not that big a deal. Like, like I see where you were coming from. Cause it'd be easier to see which shows were producing and which ones weren't. But at the same time, it's like, it's not that big a deal. And we're just going to end up annoying these people. You know, by pestering them, like every day, Rich sending these, pa- they were getting more and more passive aggressive with each passing day. Hey, where are we? Look, where are we on these individual <laughs> codes? Are we going to get these individual codes? And I'm reading these emails that I'm CC'd on and I'm thinking, you asshole, they're going to get mad at us and stop giving us money if you keep pestering them for these fucking individual codes. Because there's someone on the other end of these emails where that's 10 times as much work for them <laughs> right. because there's 10 shows rather than just giving for us dopey one th- You know, for these fucking, you know, no offense to our shows, but yeah, they're like, you know, okay, let me make you like a Wednesday War Games promo code, you asshole. Like. And finally, I think I said to you, let this one go, Rich. <laughs> it's not a, 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 a battle worth fighting. Let this one go. It's okay. We're going to live with the one. And then you're like, in typical Rich fashion. All right, fine, but they'll see that it would have been better. If they <laughs> well, they will. I mean, yeah. they're going to see. They'll learn their lesson. I'm like, and I'm just patting you on the back at that point. You're absolutely right. You're correct. You know, <laughs> that's what you got to do. Just, yeah. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're correct. But this is not a battle that is uh, worth fighting with uh, thousands of dollars of, uh, of revenue on the line, especially. So, uh, but yeah, that's like the extent that that's other than that, I'm like never like throwing down my headset at the end of the show and like fucking guy i've had enough never again i've never been angry like 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 intense anger or even thought about ah, i gotta throw in the towel on this fucking jerk off it's never been like yeah and that's a long period of time to not have that kind of animosity because you'd figure at some point you would have had some kind of fight right right i don't think we've ever had like what i would consider like a fight where i'm just like you know no i'm not doing a show this week like yeah 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 yeah, no, that 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 I can't say has ever been the case. Which, yeah, is is you know that's rare for any form of media. It's <laughs> you know two people come together and 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 do that for that amount of time. That's I mean, rare yeah. for any form of human interaction. Yeah, right, right. I don't know if how many friends you, I have known for ten years that you never had like a major blowout with. Right, right. You know, I mean that's that's pretty fucking rare. I you know, and I I don't know. I'm not looking for one, but um, there just hasn't been so. You guys are stuck with this dopey thing for like yeah. eight more years, Sorry. probably. Even if one of us dies, so that's right. As as you heard here, Joe officially uh, declared that if one of us dies, we got to keep it alive. So I'll keep going. I mean, you know, I'll I someone's got to op- upload the thing every yeah, week. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Edit it. <laughs> I'll, I'll fucking, listen. I'll put my voice on fucking. On, I'll put my voice down on a fucking recording, but you know that'll happen. All right, let's get to uh, this 
week's uh, topics here. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff in the world of wrestling. We've got AEW Revolution. We're going to touch on that show. Uh, we got a preview of WWE Elimination Chamber. Oh, boy, what a pay-per-view. And, yes, there is a WWE pay-per-view this Sunday. And, yes, it is WWE Elimination Chamber. And, yes, it is horrid. The build has been god-awful. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to do a quick review of WWE Super Showdown as well from the uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, one of Joe's favorite uh, shows of the year, the old Kingdom of Saudi Arabia shows. Uh, and then hopefully Wrestling Observer Awards. I am still refreshing and it is still not popped up. So old, old Chico, when he said uh, momentarily, I don't know what he meant momentarily as because that was two hours ago. So um, that's not how I use momentarily, Joe. I don't know about you, but... Um, well, we're fucked for a third hour. If uh, <laughs> it's gonna be, up. it's gonna be Joe and Rich remember some guys. If if we don't get the observers, I can break down fucking Black Label Pros show last weekend. You know we what? Can. Yes, that's there. It is. Let's get people mad. Let's do a throwback. Get people upset. Well, how do you know I'm gonna say it was bad? I mean, maybe I liked it. Maybe. <laughs> that's the most insincere <sighs> tease I've ever heard in my life. I liked half of it. Okay. How how much did you like the second half? It was one of the biggest pieces of shits I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> Second half of that show was legitimately maybe the worst half of a wrestling show I've seen in, in all of the years I've been watching wrestling. And keep in mind, I just watched Super Showdown a couple days before. That. <laughs> right. Just, just the Super Showdown was better than the show. Second. Yeah. Yeah, it was better than the second half of the BLP show, though. Yeah, it was right. fucking atrocious. So if the um, if the awards don't come out. You'll hear about that. If there the awards is. do come out, you're not going to hear about it. So. <laughs> Great teeth there. Anyway, uh, this uh, review of uh, the AEW Revolution show is brought to you by our friends at Grapple. And we've talked about them many, many times. Many voice wrestling listeners I know have joined uh, Grapple, adding the ratings on there. It's especially awesome during like a night like Revolution where, where they were there updating the matches as they were happening. So I had like half my row, you know. I had buddies that didn't have the app, and I had other random people that were seeing me do this thing, and we're talking about crap. So I get like I I I I contributed at least to ten extra downloads on that night alone in that building uh, in Winchester Arena. So that was kind of cool being there and having you know that sort of conversation with my friends that I don't think I've ever had before with these wrestling fans that were just like, oh, what am I going to rate this match? Oh, and they're they're having a lot of fun doing it, going on the app and doing all that sort of stuff. So yeah, make sure you download uh, Grapple G R A P P L. You want to drop the E from there? G R A P P L. Download the app on either Google Play. Uh, or the Apple App Store, and uh, it's a great way to rate matches, catalog the matches that you rate, keep up with what other people are rating matches, see what other people are rating, see if you're the consensus, see if you deviate from the consensus. You can follow people on the app as well, which is a really cool way to use it. Um, you know, Joe and I have been day one, you know, downloads of it, and we use it every single day. Every time we're watching a wrestling show, uh, I go there and use it. And 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 you've always mentioned this as well, which I think is is an important part of it. It's 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 a vital part of pro wrestling is to catalog this sort of stuff, to catalog our ratings, because for so long in history, there was one person that we had ratings for from Dave Meltzer, or we had you know just sort of random written reviews across the world. And then you know there's stuff like Cage Match, and there's stuff like the Internet Wrestling Database, and there's little stuff like that that has done a pretty good job of rating shows and rating matches and rating this sort of things. But it's better to have as many opinions as possible to these things. So now you can you can look at it like we used it this year during our match of the year, where we went and said, okay, here's what our you know our voters said was the top ten matches of the year, the top 100 matches of the year, whatever. Well, here's what Grapple users had as the top 100. Here's how Grapple users rated this versus how we, you know, uh, how our poll, you know, had it in, in in terms of our top 10 or our top 100, whatever. So that's really cool stuff that we can able to be able to do that and be able to, you know, catalog those ratings and share our ratings and do all that sort of stuff. So I think it's, it's, it's more than anything, it's a fun app and it's, it's an important app. You know, GR, Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L. It's an important app to have. So that's why if you're a wrestling fan and you're listening to this and you don't have Grapple, 
Make sure you download it right now. Participate, follow, put your ratings in there. Join the conversation. Join the community because it's just it's an important thing to have. Yeah, it's important for uh, to me to have uh, resources like that. You know, historically, you know, crowdsourced opinions on this stuff. Yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, you know, not everybody cares about match ratings, but um, if you do, it's it's good to have as many sources as possible uh, to look at. You know, when you're looking at a match from 12 years ago or whatever, to see what people thought in real time. And one of the cool things, too, about Grapple that, that we always say as well is that you can go back in time, too, and rate stuff. I mean, not, not everything from classic pay-per-views is up there, but most classic old WCW, most classic old WWF stuff, a lot of classic old All Japan stuff is up there as well. So it's not like if you're if you're a guy who, ah, I don't really, I'm not watching current wrestling all that much. I'm watching a lot of old school stuff. Well, they have you covered there, too. And that's a cool way, too, to also, if you're, if you're going back and watching a show and you maybe don't want to watch the entire show, okay, what was good from the show? I can kind of find out right right away. So that's another way. It just yeah, it's a super important app to have, and it's a great app. And 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 we uh, have valued their support over this last yeah year or so, yeah year plus uh, at this point. So make sure uh, Google Play App Store G R A P P L G R A P P L to download the Grapple app. So all right, Joe. AW Revolution. So I was there live. You watched on uh, pay per view. Uh, overall thoughts watching on pay-per-view. I, maybe before we kind of go match by match, what do you think of the presentation as well? Because I can maybe give you some of the live thoughts of the presentation, how it sounded, how it looked, you know, how the crowd was, all that sort of stuff. But from you watching it on on, on video or watching on pay-per-view, what was your take on, on the presentation of Revolution? It all came across Major League, and it was a good presentation. Uh, I don't have extensive thoughts, uh, positive or especially negative on it. I think they've come a long way in their short history. You know, their first couple of shows – there were some uh, messy production issues that, you know, it's, it, that's to be expected. You know, these people are all working with each other for the first time. But uh, this all came off big. The one thing is it didn't feel like a dynamite. And that's important. You don't want your pay-per-views to just feel like, uh, you know, an episode of your television show that's an hour longer that we're all paying $50 for. Um, and I think that's what happens a lot of times with some of these WWE pay-per-views now. They don't feel any different than Raw. Uh, you know, we all, you know, they all look the same. They all feel the same. And uh, this, this definitely felt like a major event. There was a, there was a buzz to it. And, uh, and I thought the production was solid. Yeah, you know, from from my live perspective, you know, I went to a Dynamite episode um, in November, and obviously I went to All In, and now I went to Revolution, and seeing the progression from where they've gone, you know, All In doesn't really necessarily count because there was a lot of obviously it's Ring of Honor production, all that sort of stuff. But going from this, you know, from Dynamite to Revolution, a huge step up. A, I think the venue was a lot better. I I, I like Winchester Arena a lot better than I like Sears Center. I think it has a really loud kind of barn atmosphere to it which is cool because like when when people are loud like you can hear it it really vibrates in the arena it's it just yeah to me it, it just had a better sound uh than the sears center had and in terms of like production wise it just seemed like everything was way more tight than it was in november for, for dynamite and and you know the november especially it being a tv taping you know th- there's always those sort of issues especially pretty early into the tv taping run but like everything felt like everything looked better everything sounded better everything just kind of yeah it just kind of felt better felt like a much more professional operation you know, where they were from in November all the way now into, you know, late February, March. It's just, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough about that. I mean, you walk into the building, everything was done well. They had, you know, 
staff members handing out stuff. Everybody got like an LED, you know, wristband. I, I think you saw that on the video as well, where like lights were going on. So you could put this wristband on and then they would turn lights on at certain times. Like just little touches like that that were really kind of cool and really nice. And, and, and the arena looked good. The ramp looked good. The ring looked good. The, the video board looked good. And it's like, all right, yeah, here we go. Like this is, they, they're figuring it out now. They're, they're figuring it out in terms of booking wrestling. We'll talk about that throughout this, this show. They're figuring it out in terms of like how to produce TV wrestling. And they're also figuring out the production as well. So I can't say enough about how, how good this was a production. I mean, this was just every bit as good as any WWE production I've been to, which is saying a lot because those guys, they're the best in the business. I mean, they're, they're, they're one of the best in the world in terms of live event production, you know, WWE, they, nobody does it as well as they do and as polished as they do. And AW, they might not be right there yet and might not be all the way there, right. You know, yet, but, but they're goddamn close. And that, that's saying a lot for a company that's, you know, less than a year old at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The only issue I have with WWE's production is, is I'm tired of this style. It's samey. Yeah. They've had the same stuff now for 15 years. So it's not like they don't do a good job on a, you know, technical level. It's very well produced. You're just tired of the same basic stage and the same basic presentation and all of those things. That's the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's get to uh, the show itself. Um, so the pre-show, uh, I don't have to really mention the pre-show all that much. The dark match, which I believe people saw this week on um, AEW Dark, is Burt Baker and Penelope Ford uh, versus Riho and, and, and Yuka Sakazaki. Pretty good back and forth match. Nothing you really need to uh, care that much about. And then the Dark Order defeated SoCal and Censor. Now, has that appeared anywhere yet, that match? I haven't watched Dark this week, and I didn't watch... The pre-show. This aired. Ah, uh, okay. So that that's the distinction then. So that yeah. the, the Britt Baker penalty that was on that was on dark this week, and then the pre-show, it was kind of the the, the Barker Channel type thing where, where you could watch it. Okay, so that's it. So that aired to everybody. So everybody did see that one. Okay, that's fine. You know, either nothing you're gonna blow, you know, nothing to go out of your way to watch either of those matches. Fine matches, but yeah, nothing <laughs> like you absolutely have to go out of your way to see. Uh so in the pay-per-view started kind of Surprisingly, I thought with Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes leading it off, were you kind of surprised that that was the match that they decided to kick the the show off with? Yes, because I thought Allen and Sammy for sure, right? Absolutely, that was a hundred. People were asking me, "Hey, what's going to be the opener?" I said, well, "There's no question it's going to be Darby and Sammy. These are these are WCW kids. You know, we're talking about Cody and Tony and those guys. Yeah. They know what starts a pay per view. It's it's high flying. It's big stuff. It's bombs. It's that sort of stuff. So I thought a hundred percent it was going to be Darby and Sammy." Well, it's also show. it's also the way they've been starting their TV show for the last month. Right. Hi. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. So, yeah, I, I thought that'd be the opener. Yeah, this was a very surprising opener. But uh, what would you think of, uh, of Hager and Rhodes? Well, Hager's just not very good. No. <laughs> uh, I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's like he was horrible. His indie run was horrendous. Remember? Oh, it was oh I do. Runs. <laughs> yeah, just low effort and just not good. And I thought he would do very well outside WWE. And um, I don't think it was a, maybe an issue of motivation just as much as I still think he's very good. So he's a guy that I wouldn't put in a lot of matches moving forward. I know he wrestled on TV this week and they've got the standing choke. They're trying to get that over as a finish. I get it. But um, I don't know. I think he might be best served just to, in his role as the as the quiet bodyguard. I think it, that that role is fine for him. He's just not very good. So um, I didn't think much of this match. I thought it was. Just an average match. Yeah, I thought it was like fine, but I went like two and three quarters with it. Like I, I, I couldn't in good conscience go any higher than that, really. And I was kind of surprised as well of how long this was because I'm thinking, okay, if Jake Hager is going to be your muscle, your bodyguard, your whatever, then why doesn't he just, you know, why doesn't Dustin get in the ring and just taps him out immediately or, or beats him in a minute or something like that? Or because or, or, I think that might be a better way to use Hager right now because as we saw, you know, a 14 minute match, 
it's not really the best use of him. And I thought Dustin was fine. I think you know, given his age and 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 the mileage on him, I you know, he's obviously slowed down a lot. But but I think he could still go. I think till the end, of, you know, until he's his dying days, he'll be at least a comparable, you know, a, you know, a decent enough pro wrestler that can you know work a pretty good match. But yeah, the the thing that I just couldn't believe is that they kept going and going and going. And it was 14 minutes. I'm like, ah, man, is that really how long you want Jake Hager to go with Dustin Rhodes, or is that how really long that like the muscle of the inner circle needs to go to beat you know this this older guy? And I know that's not really fair to Dustin. But it's like, you know, it's it, it's Dustin. And if, you know, Jake is the guy you are building and you are building him to be this muscle, like, why doesn't he just beat him a lot quicker than, than you know, 14 minutes or whatnot? But, you know, I, I maybe this was a sink or swim type thing where they wanted to see if this guy could really go at this length. And Dustin's a great guy to figure out if he can go at that length. I don't know exactly, you know, what the purpose of it was and what the reason behind it was, you know, the, the, why the match went as long as it did. But, you know, when it was over, I was, you know. I, it wasn't like I thought, oh my god, that match sucked, but it was just like, ah, that wasn't very good. <laughs> it was one of those things where you know you 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 appreciated the effort that that Dustin put in there, but you kind of you you walk away going, ah, Jake, yeah, I don't think he's you know. Well, there's not something they're not unlocking anything in AEW. They they there's not this guy that's been no. under wraps that's ready to you know unleash you know his his skills on the company. Like he he is what we thought he was. Yes, exactly. You don't have to worry about Dustin anymore because I regret to inform you, Rich, that Dustin is canceled. For the forced kiss. Oh, all so, right. Oh, yeah, right. Son is- he is. I regret to inform you he is now canceled. Man, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't like that spot. I have no use for that spot. They should never do that spot again. But at the same time, that is such a thing that Twitter cares about more than, like, the rest of the world does. I mean, the arena popped for it, number nobody one. Cared. Nobody cared live. Nobody and, gave a shit. and nobody cared. The, no one cares. I mean, it's just what now, listen, that's not a value judgment. I'm not saying people shouldn't care. I'm telling you that people don't care. Like, people at large do not give a shit about stuff like that. They cheer because it's funny, because the, the, to, in their eyes, the heel is getting theirs. Right. Do I think it's a cool spot? No. Would I book it? No. Yeah, but, I'd be perfectly fine if that never happened in wrestling. Yeah. Again. It, doesn't, it doesn't bother me one way or another. Yeah. But, but that's one of those things. Where it's like Twitter reality and reality reality. And I'm not even saying the spot's okay. I'm just saying the reality of it is nobody cares. Like on a mainstream, you know, I mean, the, the, the crowd popped. You know, I think it's a shitty spot, but people pop for that. Yeah, so uh, Grapple users, they went uh, 2.56 for uh, Dustin Rhodes and uh, Jake Hager. I, as I said, I went uh, two and three quarters. Where did, uh, where did Joe Lanza land on old Hager and Rhodes? Same thing, two and three. There you go. The objectively best rating that you can get. But yeah, it's not like we're, we're off out to lunch there. 2.5, 6 is the overall rating. Uh, then we move on to Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, which is, uh, you know, officially a five minute match, but probably closer to 10 because the match started off with Darby, you know, going in and doing a suicide dive and taking Sammy out. And then, you know, you had a, a Sammy doing his, you know, 690 or whatever the fuck through a table and all that stuff going on before they actually got in the ring, before the bell actually rang. So it's not quite fair to just call it a five minute match. It's probably more fair to call it about a 10 or so minute match. But uh, I, I like this match a lot. I think maybe I expected a little bit more out of this. Maybe I expected a little bit longer, uh, a little bit more back and forth between these two, maybe a little bit more craziness. But I mean, all told, like I, you know, I'm just just under four stars with it so i mean it's not like i hated it uh whatsoever i'm I'm three and three quarters on this but i thought um more than anything you know being in the building especially too you see that these guys are future stars especially darby there's just an energy when he comes out it's just there's an aura of star and it's like yeah this dude 
and I know they know. I know that they know too. And you could see the way they book them, and you could see the way they put them in events. You could see who they put them with. They're aware of it too. They're just kind of waiting to strike when 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 is the time is right. But man, Darby's a fucking star. And 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 you go to a show and you realize it. There's people. I mean, like, and we talked about it last week in our preview. It's not just the men. It's like the women, the children. They fucking love Darby Allen. Man, he is so over and so great. But uh, what do you think of this match? And what do you think of 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 the presence of both Darby and Sammy? Uh, I thought. I mean, I thought it was a pretty crazy match. I just, you know, they just went, they went short, um, which is fine. I think uh, you said it all about Darby. I mean, he's just, you know, he's connecting with their crowds at, at a low. And then this week on TV, they really made sure to feature him in that main event um, to get that kind of desired re- reaction again as they continue building him. So I'll talk about Sammy a little. I mean, he bumps like a fucking madman, you know, whether it's the super kick on, on Dynamite, um, you know, which was maybe the best super kick spot I've seen in some time. And then just uh, the way he took his bumps in this match. I mean, he just, he's the ultimate heel because he's got the punchable face and he bumps like a madman and he's an annoying little prick. So, you know, Guevara is a guy who I thought was a no brainer to sign to begin with. And it's worked out perfectly because they're utilizing Sammy Guevara exactly the way you should utilize Sammy Guevara. I mean, he's just, he's, he's slotted perfectly. Um, He's a heel troll, and and he and he's great at it, um, and he and he's super talented too. You know, he's a guy that will be a heel most of his career. You know, you won't even think about turning this guy face. No, it's such a punchable face. I mean, how could you? <laughs> you just want to beat the fuck out of him every time you see him. So yeah, not for another decade when he has so much stock with the fans that they don't want to boo him anymore because he's become, you know, uh, just 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 someone who you know they respect, who's had loads of great matches and all. That's when you think about turning someone like this. He's just a tailor-made heel. So yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of this, this show. I mean, it didn't really fill up my notebook from that perspective, but there were a lot of matches that I liked a lot. And, you know, front to back, I thought the show was just a blast to watch. Mm-hmm. No, it was, that, it, was, that, it, was, it was an incredible show live. And, and, and one of my buddies, it's the same guy I went to money in the bank 2011 with, uh, and he turned to me and he said, ah, it's not quite that show. But man, it's close. It's, it, and, and him and I have probably been to thirty wrestling shows at this point in our lives. Like we go to every show together, and 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 he said that same thing. He was like, "It's not quite Money in the Bank, but man, it's it's real close. Like it is, it is fantastic. I mean, and, and it, it was kind of the Rich Crate special in a lot of ways. Where like, no, maybe there wasn't like a ton of match of the year contenders. It wasn't three. It wasn't like a Wrestle Kingdom where where when it's over, you're like, holy fuck! Like there's four or five matches here that are going to be like you know end of the year. But every single match I thought had something to give and some sort of value, and and the matches that weren't very good were, were kept at least relatively short or you forgot about him in short order like Hager and, and, and Rhodes you know by the end of Darby and, and Sammy I had no memories whatsoever of Hager and Rhodes I didn't really give a shit you know what that match was because those guys went out there and did something spectacular and they, they found a good way to pace the show too and I thought you know, we'll talk about it a little bit I mean some people might disagree with the placement of one of the matches but it's like you know when you have six or seven matches and everyone is like very well built, like there's going to be casualties and, and especially when you have tremendous matches like something's going to get in the way and something's going to happen so um yeah, but I thought, yeah, as like an overall show, a you know, show over in three and a half hours or whatever, or whatever it was, uh, total time, like, yeah, you can't ask for a better like wall to wall show than than this one. I thought it was just tremendous from that standpoint. Uh, three point seven five from the grapple users. Three point seven five from Mister JL. Okay, so. yeah. So okay, so we're we're on the same. Are we on the same wavelength so far? Two for two. Let's see where we go with this one. The uh, oh, this is a doozy here. It is the match that really has been the talk of the show, uh, I, you know, in the days leading out of, of it. Uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page 
uh, defeat the Young Bucks to retain the World Tag Team titles. 30 minutes and 5 seconds. Uh, Dave Meltzer, uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, dropped, thankfully. <laughs> so we have third-hour content now. Uh, did drop. Uh, he went six stars on it. He has called it one of the best tag team matches he's ever seen. Uh, maybe the best U.S. tag team match he's ever seen. Joe, where does it rank for you? Is it one of the best things you've ever seen? Is it one of the best matches you've ever seen? Is it your match of the year? Where do you go with this? Because there's been a lot of hyperbole, a lot of big stuff brought out about this match. And where do you kind of stand on it? I think it's a match of the year contender. That's fair. And I think it will be by the end of the year. I sure. think this is a match that, without question, will finish in the top 10. Um, you know, just assuming a normal kind of year. Um, I would go as far as to call it one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. I'm comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable calling it the greatest tag team match I've ever seen. I mean, I'm not prepared to say that. With that said, I can't tell you what the greatest tag team match is that I've ever seen, but I don't, when I was done watching this one, it didn't, I wasn't like, wow, I've never seen a tag team match better than that. Um, but, and, and I don't even think it's, a, I didn't go five stars either. So, but it was great. I mean, make no mistake. It was a great match. Um, it's got everything you want. It had obviously tremendous psychology from the standpoint of not only the callback spots, which were plentiful. Oh, gee, there, there was like, I mean, I, and the cool thing about this match too, and, and I know you're going to kind of talk about this a little bit, the callback spots, like there's like, if you really are a deep fan, there's like 15 of them in the match or whatever. But even if you're a casual fan, there's like two or three. And that's the thing is there's different levels and different layers. If you're a hardcore, I watch being the elite. I know these guys entire careers. I know all the background. I watch them in Japan. I watch them in America, all sort of stuff. Then like it is just filled with these sort of things. But even if you're just a casual fan, there was enough thrown in there where you're like, oh, you know what? That, I do remember that. I do recognize that. And that's that's great for wrestling if you can do that. If you can give different layers and where every different type of fan can enjoy it on a certain different level too. I mean, that's tremendous pro wrestling. Yeah. And I mean, and even if you didn't pick up on any of that stuff, it's still just a great match from a visual perspective so you know you don't need to be super uh deeply connected to all of these stories to enjoy it but all of the callbacks and subtle nods add layers to the enjoyment um if you are up on that stuff and you are picking up on it that's the that's what's so great about it and the other thing about it is while there were a ton of dynamic crazy spots I have I I struggle with people calling this a spot fest. Oh yeah, no, you're out to lunch if you think it's a spot fest. No way. Because of the way it was paced and uh the amount of room the spots were given to breathe. It's like to me a spot fest and a great one was Phoenix versus Nick Jackson on Dynamite about a month or two back. Do you remember that match? Yes, yeah, right, right. It's a spot fest. Oh, absolutely. You know, they, they I loved it. I loved it, but yeah, it was. That's yeah, great spot fest. You know, spot fest can be, I, I like a good spot fest, and that's what that was. Um, they just went from one spot to the other, uh, very minimal selling period, let alone, let, let, you know, let alone long-term selling or, or long-term storytelling in the match. That's spot fest to me, just to give a recent example. This was not, I can't call this a spot fest because of the way the match was paced. And the big spots were given room and given plenty of time to sink in. And, and, and they, I mean, they took Hangman out on the uh, on the uh, what do you call it the um, the rampway, I guess. Yeah, they did the, like the not not the Meltzer driver, the um, whatever the hell the Indy other one. driver, <laughs> Indy taker, Indy, 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 Indy taker, Indy taker, yeah, yeah. 
you know, and, and, you know, he sold forever and you had Matt Jackson's back stuff and, you know, peppered in as well. And, you know, just because the high spots are dynamic doesn't make something a spot fest, right? That's not what a spot fest is. A spot fest is, you know, a match where you're just not registering anything. And this was not a match where things weren't registered and they weren't even going at a hard pace. They really weren't because I rewatched this match and I was actually taken aback by, I thought the pacing was good the first time. And then the second time I watched, I was like, wow, the pacing wasn't good. Pacing was great. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, and that's really, and the other thing is there weren't as many near falls as people think. No, there really wasn't. And that, that kind of surprised me when I did a rewatch as well, because in my head, I kind of watching it live. I kind of thought there, there was a bunch of that, but then I go back and watch it. I'm like, really, honestly, there was like, you know, five or six like important near falls and otherwise there wasn't a lot of other ones there wasn't like they were i don't going even for... know if there was that many big ones i mean there was probably five or six but there might have been two or three that were truly big ones that you bought into right you know but it I wasn't mean? like they were just yeah going it's... you know every time they were doing a big move go for the pinfall near fall and then or yeah, no, the, last, the last 10 minutes of the match wasn't yeah. bomb pin two. Oh no, no bomb pin two. Oh no like you know not like an xt show or whatever so yeah no i, I agree i was kind of taken aback by that too so I think sometimes people get blinded by dynamic spots and conflate that with, oh, this is a spot fest with a million near falls. That's not what this match was. Uh, so it was a well worked, it was an excellently worked match with a good self-contained bell to bell story, you know, with Hangman being taken out and everything. Plus that all the layers, if you were into that, you know, um, it, it just, it had it all. I mean, so I'm really not uncomfortable saying it was, one of the best tag matches I've ever seen. I just, I'm not comfortable going all the way and saying it was the best tag team match I've ever seen. And I'm not even going five stars on it because when it was over, I knew it was great and I knew it was going to be the match at night. And nothing was going to top it, but I didn't have that instant feeling of that's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. I've got to give that five stars. Right. Right. And we always end up doing this when we almost go five on something. You, you have to understand. I thought this was phenomenal, you know, but it's like, Five stars is different. That's just a different kind of match. You know, it's got to be one of the greatest things I've ever seen for whatever reason. It's close. So I went four and three quarters on this. Uh, and really, I can't even describe this as five star fear because I never even, it never crossed my mind to go five. Sometimes you get the five star fear, right? You're like, ah, man, I want to go five on this, but I just, that's the fear. This one, I was just like, when it was over, I'm like, the debate was more between four and a half and four and three quarters, honestly, than it was between four and three quarters and five. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. Cause I, so I, in the building, I went four and a half and I had kind of had to defend that on our uh, semi instant reaction. I did at, at voice wrestling. Imagine but. going four and a half and getting hammered because <laughs> I know I did. you're too low, which is funny because you got hammered later for going too high on something. Exactly. So, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it works. We'll talk way. about that because I'm going to defend you a bit on that, even though, but we'll get to that. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, for sure. But so, so, you know, four and a half in the building. And, and I did mention that one of the big reasons why I, I, I did that is as this, as this match was going on, it was actually the worst fucking match for this to go on. On. There was like a semi fight going on in my section, and I, I can't say that my party didn't. You know, I don't want to say they started it, but they definitely put some fire on it. They added some fuel to the fire. Is there was a so there was a guy in our section. We're in like the third or fourth row or whatever. Um, who, who started standing up in the middle of the match, and we're like, all right, 
you know, there was spots where you definitely stand up and, 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 and you know, whatnot. But this guy's still standing up like nothing's happening. Like they're just kind of in the ring. They're just doing normal work and he's still standing up. And my buddy looks at me and he's like, I gotta, I'm going to fucking tell this guy to sit down. And I was like, hold on. Like, give him a second. Give him a second. Like, I'm, I'm always kind of the I, I'm not a, I'm, a, I'm a lover, Joe, not a fighter. So I'm like, nah, just like, let's let's wait it out. You know, a minute and a half goes by, nothing big's happening. I'm like, all right, tell this asshole to sit down. <laughs> so my buddy goes, hey, fucking sit down, dude. Like, he, he didn't say it in the nicest way possible. And, you know, he doesn't respond. And my guy you know, gets a little bit more angry. Hey, fucking sit down, dude. <laughs> like, you know, does that. So then this guy turns to us and looks at, at, at my buddies and I and goes, tell him to sit down. Because the guy in front of him was standing. Now, the guys in front of him are in the first row. They're in the yeah. first row. They don't need to stand. Yeah. There's no need for them to be standing. So then I was kind of like, all right. I'm not as mad at our original guy as I was initially. He could still probably maybe work his body around and still see it or whatever. But he's saying, well, tell them to stand. Then they turn around and go, well, fuck you. Tell AEW we can't see shit from here or whatever. We're like, oh, dear God. So now there's like three rows yelling at each other. It's just complete madness. And I'm, I'm trying to like the nerd in me is just like, all right, all right, whatever. Like get in a fight. I don't care. Like I'm just telling my buddy, like if you want to go fight the guy, fight the guy. I don't care. I'm trying to watch this match because I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pundit here. I need to give my takes on this match or whatever. And I'm just, and this thing goes on for five minutes of these guys bitching back and forth, bitching back and forth. I forget exactly what happened or how it eventually ended. I think he eventually sat down and just kind of pouted the rest of the night or whatever, or these guys moved or something happened or whatever. But in the moment I was like, man, I feel like I lost a little bit of that match, not watching it. And, and being a little distracted by people fighting and doing all sorts of shit. So I went back and rewatched it. And, that, and that's, I think, why I gave it four and a half. I was like, I don't know. It wasn't quite that good. Or to me, it didn't reach me on that level. And it's probably because I was distracted or something was going on. So I did go back and rewatch it. And I did get an extra appreciation for it. And I really tried to say, okay, is this a five-star match? Is this it? And it just wasn't. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't. So I'm, I'm four and three quarters as well. I bumped it up a little bit, but not enough to go five. So it's it's like, again, you know, it's a tremendous pro wrestling match. It is, yeah. to me, one of the better tag matches I've ever seen in my life. You know, I, I have a list here of, of, of other ones we're going to go through here real quick. But, like, yeah, to just, you know, five stars, we, you know, you and I try to keep that pretty special. That's matches where, and, and we always say, too, if you don't feel it in that exact moment, then it's not it. Then it's not that type of match. It's not a five-star match. Some years I don't have any. Right. I mean, you know, I've gone two, three-year stretches without any. Um, but, I mean, you know, it, 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 I, I'm comfortable saying it's among the best. What are these other matches you have? So, so here you go. So this is uh, via cage match, and they're, the, you know, the cage match inmates and their ratings. Uh, here are the best tag team matches of all time. And I don't think you're going to have much argument with many of these. Uh, the number one uh, is Tawei and Kawada versus Kobashi Masawa from 1995. That's kind of like the default answer for a lot of people. That would be probably the most popular answer among people who have seen all of these. Yeah, that that's it's a no brainer. Yeah, and, and the one that actually the one for me, my favorite tag match of all time, nineteen ninety two, uh, Can Am Express versus Kobachi and Kikuchi. Yeah, that's another one I where fucking you're, love that match. you're gonna get that answer a lot. And actually, to be honest, that was the match mentally I had in my head that I was comparing to this match yeah. in terms of is this the greatest tag team? I can't definitively say that this match was better than that match. So I can't sit here and call this the greatest tag team match of all time. No. Uh, number three, uh, maybe cheating a little bit, but the six man tag match, that's the, uh, the uh, dragon gates, uh, six man at ring of honor, uh, March 31st, let's, let's 2006. That that's, yeah, I, I, that's six man. That's trios. I don't quite figure that out. So, and that's, that's a match where it wasn't, it's so much of what it meant more so than even look, the match was great, but it was just, because it was so different and new to everyone that was there. Right, was the just, context of it was so important. That's a special so. place and time, and it's a different deal. I would throw that out. So, cage match inmates, if we're throwing that one out, number three is this match, Page and Omega versus the uh, the Bucks. I, I mean, keep reading them, because I don't think that's necessarily unfair unless you 
I'm like, oh yeah, those are definitely better. So now there's just got, unfortunately just a bunch of like all Japan nineties matches here. Uh Tawi and Kawada. Also, it's, uh, well, oh, let, let me jump in. Also, we're gonna have some recency bias. It'll probably drop a little. Sure. Oh yeah. The, That's all people in the moment rating it and all people, you know, excited immediately after the show rating it. I will say it has like more ratings than all the matches I mentioned before. Like, you know, Tawe and Kawada versus uh, Kabashi Masawa has 168 votes. The Can-Am versus uh, Kabashi and Kikuchi, that's 128 votes. This one already has 264 votes, so it's it's pretty high in yeah. terms of that. So, well, it, I mean, it's also a, a modern match that happened in real time. Yeah, exactly. Where those other matches, people, you have to go out of your way to go back and rate that because cage match obviously didn't exist when those matches happened. So I understand that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, for sure. But I still think it'll drop a little, you know, um, you know, over the course of time. But anyway, what what else we got? Yeah, here? So we a, any- a, a, just a bunch of random all Japan matches that, like, you know, Tawei and Kawada versus Kobashi Masawa from ninety four, Tawei and Kawada versus Kobashi Masawa from ninety three, uh, Tawei and Kawada versus Akiyama and Masawa from ninety six. Uh, yeah, some of these will bleed together a little as you, you know, because you're talking about matches that are almost thirty years old, and a lot of them have the same participants. So it's like you're reading these. And only one of them jumped out at me as, oh, yeah, I remember that specifically. The right, others, right, I probably right. have to look at the card. And yeah. So, anyway, what else? Uh, so, we moved to WWE here. Best two out of three falls uh, DIY versus uh, The Revival from 2016. Oh, it's a great match. Yeah. Fantastic. That's a that, great fucking match. Yeah. That one's in the top 10, or, or, or honestly, even higher. And what's funny is, I don't even know if that's my favorite NXT tag team match. No, I was going to say, I think my favorite one, as I'm thinking about this, is uh, Revival versus American Alpha. At, I was uh, going to say, the same you were thing. there live. Were you there live, or did you go to that no. show or just watch it? No, no, I didn't go live. Yeah, um, that's fucking, oh my God, that match. That's in my head. I was thinking, okay, that's, to me, that was the match that when it was done, I, I, I forget what I rated it, but I almost, I'm almost positive I went either four and three quarters or five on that one. I remember when it was over, just being like, that. Was tremendous for wrestling, motherfucker. That was NXT. Great. NXT is an all-time great tag team territory. To me, you could put NXT right there with '90s All Japan, um, you know, Mid Atlantic in the late '70s, whatever other great tag team territories you want to talk about. I NXT is right there. Um, Kenta and Ishimori versus Ibushi and Marufuji. That's a tremendous wrestling match as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I don't know if that's the best tag team match I've ever seen, but it might be my favorite if I can make that distinction. I watched that match no less than 40 times in my life. I just, I just, it's a match that's rewatchable. Oh God. I, I probably watched it 20 times as well. I remember the first time you told me to watch it. I forget why you were just like, you've never seen that match. God damn it. Drop everything and watch it. That's probably why, because 10 years ago I was probably like, how have you never seen that? And yet? then I remember watching it just going, Joe, I just remember like all caps. Just being like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Just insanity. And that was really a Bo- Kota Ibushi's um, mainstream break. I say mainstream, but like that kind of put him on the map for people who weren't super uh, deep into the Pearl scene at that time. And remember, it was harder to be deeper into the Pearl scene at that time. Right, right. You know, due to access and stuff. But that was the match which really put people on notice about Kota Ibushi. Uh, this one I don't recall if I've ever actually seen, so I'll have to change that here. Uh, Chris Harris and James Storm versus Christopher Daniels and Primetime Elix Skipper from 2004. Yeah, that I remember. Look, I wouldn't put it at the level of these other matches, but it it that was a, it was a great match. Uh, here's one that uh, definitely stood out to me, and I remember you know from recent uh, March 2018, Omega Nabushi versus the Young Bucks. That's the one from. Uh... That would be San Francisco, San Francisco I want to say. Or, yeah, I forget it was Long Beach or San Francisco. Yeah, it's California. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the match that 
most people have compared this match to for obvious reasons. Um, but I preferred this match, I think. You know the match that I actually was surprised that nobody brought up, which again, another recent one, was uh, December 2018, uh, Tanahashi and Osprey versus Omega and Ibushi. Yeah. That was yeah. fucking great. <laughs> and I think, again, I think I like the AEW match a little better. That's fair. But I think that when you're talking about going back to the other Golden Lovers match, um, it's like when you're when you get a match deeper in the series, because you're going to have all those callbacks and stuff, provided the quality of match is similar, you're always going to go with the one that happened later, right? Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. deeper. It's provided the work is the same, you know, because you're going to have more depth in terms of the callback. And these are guys, these are wrestlers who love to load their matches with this stuff. So, because they're fucking nerds and they love to pack their matches with that kind of history. Uh, and then there was also the TLC match uh, from WrestleMania X7 too, the Dudleys and the Hardys and Christian. Like, yeah, I love those matches, but they're kind of they're hard to like raid on the same level as like the Dragon Gate match. I would throw it out because it's now you're talking about a car crash match and and also the first of its kind and and all of that. That again, like the Dragon Gate match, it's more of a uh, there's a lot of intangibles there that it. it it's just you can't. How can I compare that to these all Japan tags? Right, right, right. I, I can't do it. You know, maybe you can. I can't. Uh, then there's one that I feel like I haven't seen in a while, and I I, I need to change that. Uh, uh, Tenru and Kawada versus Hanson and Gordy. I remember watching it, loving it, but I can't in my. I, I don't remember all of it, and I, I think I need to go back and watch that because I need a date right up my was alley. The, uh, that was December to uh, 1988. So this is before Tenru left uh, to to go to uh, SWS or whatever. So. Versus wait, who is it? Tenru, Kawada. Uh, Tenru, and Kawada versus Hanson and Gordy. I don't remember that. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta change that. I gotta I'm that. not even sure if I saw it. To be completely honest, I don't. It's not ringing a bell. Um, does this ever happen to you? You're like, oh man, I people are talking about this thing. I'm gonna go watch it, and you put it on, and in the first three minutes, you're like, oh, I know this now. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, I'm probably gonna remember this one too because I'm like, right now, I have no recollection of it, but I'm such a big Tenru fan that I'm sure I've watched it and loved it a bunch of times. I just can't in my head think of it. And then oh, you like God. turn it off. You're like, eh, I don't want to. But that, but then sometimes you do that, and you're like, I don't think I ever fucking saw this, you know. And then you fucking discover. That's how you discover shit. So I don't, I don't remember that it's not ringing a bell i do that with a lot of like i'll watch like uh, stand-up comedy on uh, netflix a lot and yeah. what i'll do is like i'm like oh i've never seen this one and then literally like 40 minutes in i'm like fuck i remember this joke <laughs> like god damn it i've seen all this already <laughs> like yeah that's yeah. the worst is you get deep into it and you're, there's like little things where you're like oh that's kind of familiar but now nah, i haven't seen this before and then like deep into it like there's a joke and you're like oh no mm-hmm. <laughs> like i've watched this entire thing already god damn well, it like, the worst part about that is not that you wasted 40 minutes it's that why does my memory suck so bad right right you're like why are the things i do not being retained what's the point of waking up in the morning because i obviously can't remember anything you know that's the part that bothers me and you're even having a lot of existential crisis <laughs> I, I have been same thing, like, if I forget where I left off, if I'm watching a show, and then I forget about it for a couple months, and I go back, it's like, you try to figure out what episode you left off on, or something oh, yeah, like forget that. forget it, yeah. And it's like, I'll put on an episode, and that, what you're talking about will happen. 30 minutes in, I'm like, oh, I did see this one, and then I'm like, well, if I don't remember, does it count? <laughs> right, right, has it, yeah, right. It's... And then I'm like, maybe I should just go back to the beginning of this season, because I don't remember any of this shit. It's all new to me, so so it, so what the fuck is the difference? And then I get depressed. I'm like, well, then what the fuck's the point of watching anything if I'm not going to retain it? The same thing happens with books. People will be like, hey, did you read that book? I'm like, yeah, I read that. And then I'm like, I know I read that, but I don't remember. <laughs> I can tell you one thing about it. Yeah. 
So why did I waste six days reading, you know, fucking whatever the fuck? I don't remember. I didn't retain any of it. I mean, I'm getting depressed now. I'm going to have to go for a walk later because That's I'm... Fine. Well, that, no, hopefully it's not off a, 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 a... What is it? A short pier? What's the terminology that you do? A long walk off a short pier? Don't do that. Nice Jeez. walk. Nice walk around the block. No, I'm just saying take a, you know, take a walk around the block. Yeah. Probably, probably nice weather out there in Texas right now, right? Or is it... Oh, God, it was beautiful today. Oh, man. I'll tell you, Jeremy Sexton, he left at the wrong time. He came here. He was here for like what? Uh, tornadoes and shit. <laughs> yeah. He came. It was like still, it was still like sweatshirt weather and, um, and, and everything. And he left like a couple days ago. And today, I'm rich. It was fucking 79 with a nice breeze. Oh, I'm like, shit, this is gorgeous, you know? And um, he's in, I think they, he went to Florida because I think he's staying there through Mania. But, um, Nice fucking life, right? I was Just gonna say, yeah, all, all winter long to get out of Wisconsin, right? Not bad. Anyway, yeah, grapple, yeah. grapple, yeah. What do they have for this one? Four point seven seven. Mm, okay. It's funny because when I put in my rating, I put in my four point seven five, and I'm like, I just took the rating down. It's kind of fucked up, you know. A match is rated so high, you put in a four point seven five, and you're dragging it down. Um, 753 people have rated that match. Jesus, that's so many. Because people like to rate good matches. You know, you, nobody rates like, I'm going to give you an example. Well, the, ne- the next match that's coming up is, you know. Yeah, two, 210 less people rated the Nyla Rose-Chris Statlander match because it's not fun. It's not as fun to put in a shitty rating, you know. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. I don't think anyone would argue it was good. Um, to me, it's like they were wrestling in quicksand. It was so slow and methodical. Like, not even methodical. Methodical is the wrong word. Because oftentimes, if a match is methodical, it's on purpose. Randy Orton wrestles methodical. Not because he doesn't know what he's doing or he's bad. It's just his style. This was just slow. Because they, it just wasn't good. And it was sloppy. And Nyla Rose almost murdered Statlander on the finish. Um, it was very scary, very dangerous looking. This wasn't good. Didn't work. Um, crowd wasn't into it. And you could argue it's because of what it had to follow. I'm sure that'll be the topic of our conversation more than anything else. I have a lot to say about that. Um, but yeah, this just is not, this is not a good match. It was the worst match on the show. And, um, I don't have anything good to say about it. And also I'd like to add, if you want to make everyone mad. Let's make everyone mad. Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead. Um, Statlander, I'm kind of off the ship. I listen. I when she came, brought her in, I was like, they got to build to her to win the title. You know, she's just different here. It's not the same as on the indies for whatever reason. And I don't think she's ready anymore. And I know people say she had the flu and all that. I don't want to hear it. I've seen enough of her in AEW. It's not just this match. It's it's not like she's bad, but she's not registering the same way she did on the indies. And I don't know why. And I'm not going to try to make up a reason. It's just, she's not working for me. Um, I don't think she's particularly charismatic in this environment. And quite honestly, I don't think, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think her work has been that great. I've seen her do much better work on the indies. So um, I'm not saying I'm giving up on her. That's ridiculous. But I'm saying I'm pumping the brakes a little on my previous thoughts on Chris Statlander. But uh, go ahead. Yeah, so so unfortunately, <laughs> and this might be a topic of conversation as well, I didn't see a second of this match live because 
It wasn't because it was this match. It was because maybe it was, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I mean, this was the, the least built of the matches on the show, and knowing you know what was coming on the show, what we had seen on the show, what the rest of the show was going to be, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, look, if I'm going to go to the bathroom, I'm going to get a drink, or I'm going to do anything else, this is it. This is the last time I can go. So I went and did it, and and my my thought was, okay, the second the tag match was over, I saw them get out of the ring, I saw Paige kind of hint towards maybe doing the buckshot, and then just kind of having Kenny walk out with him or whatever. After that sort of stuff all ended, I said, okay, cool, I'm going to run to the bathroom, and I'll be right back, and I, I won't miss that much of the match. Well, it turns out me and about 11, <laughs> it felt like 5,000 other people had the exact same idea of, hey, let's all leave at the same time and go to the bathrooms, because the lines for the bathrooms and the lines for the concessions were unbelievably large during this, and, and I got up during one of the other matches as well. And there was half the line. I was in and out and I was back in my seat in a minute here. It took me literally, how long was the match? 13 minutes or whatever, 13, 14 minutes. I got up when the second page and, and Omega went through the curtain and I sat down when Nyla Rose got the one, two, three, that took me that long to just go to the bathroom and, and everybody else had the same idea. And you know, some people say, well, they got screwed by the, the match placement, but I mean, it was the least built of the matches. If, if there was a match in this card that you were not as into, that you weren't invested in, that you didn't have any real care for, this is probably it. And that's nothing against those people. It's nothing against them being women. It's nothing against that. It's just like it was the least built part of the match or the least built part of the show. It followed a tremendous match and everything else coming after it was going to be pretty noteworthy as well so it's like all right no like you know yeah it sucks like someone's got to be in that spot though you, you know what i mean if it was darby and sammy i think it would have maybe been somewhat similar maybe not i don't know exactly but like you know we can we can just be honest with our, each other and say you know no it's a match that wasn't built up all that well between two people that aren't super over and it was at a time when you know yeah it it, it made sense for people to to get up go move go do something else because yeah it's it's it wasn't a particularly engaging and important match and then it ended up not being a very good match anyway so if you stayed because, oh, well, I better stay because this is going to be great. Like you weren't rewarded because it wasn't very good. So it's like, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't feel bad. Look, everyone knew the tag match was going to be great and it was going to be a tough act to follow. I mean, you know that coming in. And the fact of the matter is this was the least over match on the show to begin with. It's the least over wrestlers on the show to begin with, period. Um, look, and they're rookies. Chris Statlander's a rookie, okay? Nyla Rose, nobody knew who Nyla Rose was 10 minutes ago. I know she's a little older than Chris, but no one knew who she was 10 minutes ago, and for all intent and purpose, she's a rookie, okay? Why wouldn't they get the shittiest spot on the show? You're going to put Cody in that spot? Hasn't he earned not being in that spot? Okay, you're going to put Pac in that spot? Hasn't he earned not being in that spot? Okay, the only other match you can really argue would be Darby and Sammy. Because they're not, you know, it's not like they're grizzled veterans either. But then it becomes down to, okay, do we want to sacrifice a match with two guys that, you know, we think could be the future and are, and are over right now? Or if we have to sacrifice some, are we going to sacrifice the match that isn't that hot anyway? So my answer to all of this would be, get over. If you get over, they're not going to put you in these shit spots. You know what I mean? It's like, um, get over, and it's like that because that's what these decisions are going to come down to. I mean, if this match and if these two wrestlers were more over than Darby Allen were, then there's a good chance they wouldn't have been in this spot, and Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara would have been in the spot. And you're not going to put veterans in that spot, 
it's disrespectful to the veterans to put them in a spot where it's like the worst spot on the show. You know, that's just the wrestling business and that's paying dues. And, you know, if Chris Statlander was a 15 year veteran, maybe she wouldn't have been in that spot. But these are rookies and they're not over. Right. You've got to eat shit for a while. That's how it works. You know? And it's like, uh, you know, do a better job and get over on TV. It's like, listen, there's a whole locker room full of people who would have ta- gladly taken your spot in that match, even in the shitty spot that you got that weren't on the pay-per-view. Okay? it cut The knife cuts both ways. You guys got over enough to get on the show. You were in the top women's program, so you were on the pay-per-view. But now it's like the competition's harder. Now you're in there with seven other matches with the top, with the biggest stars in the company where now you're in, it's like, it's like moving up for, to the honors classes in high school. Okay, now you're surrounded with the best of the best. Something's got to give. You're the rookies. You're not over. You're going to get the shit spot. The only way to fix that is to get over. You know, it's a tough business sometimes. I have no sympathy. Because someone was going to be in that spot. You know, get over more on TV. They'll keep you out of that spot. Uh, Work harder and find a way to overcome the shitty spot that you're in once you're there. You know, I don't think Darby and Sammy would have had any trouble eventually getting their match over had they been in that spot. You know, maybe not initially, but by the end of their match, come on, man, it's Darby Allen. And that speaks to my point. Get over. It's on you at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's a shitty spot to be in, but let me tell you something. You don't think there's been a point in time over the last couple years where somebody on some fucking shit dick indie show had the fuck Statlander? Of course there was. You're in, you were small fish, big pond. Now you're, you, you, you know, that, now you're the small fish, big pond. Before right, you were right, the big right. fish, small pond. You get what I'm trying to say. It's like, I'm sure that people had to follow Chris Statlander on these indie shows and weren't able to do it. But this, you know, it, 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 this is big time. You're with the big boys and girls now. Okay, so I, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't listen to that stuff. You know, it's it's. There's a whole locker room full of people who weren't even over enough to get on the show to begin with, because there's only so many spots. Right. It's no, a competitive. Jo- no, Joey Janela didn't show. Yeah, Joey wasn't there. Kip was. I mean, yeah, we could go. We could go all day and. You got on the show, and Joey Janela and Kip Sabian got pushed to dark. Okay, so I don't want to hear it. You know, it's like it's competitive. This is major league wrestling now. This is major league wrestling. And you got to, you know, and, and it's, it's, and especially when you're essentially rookies, you got to eat shit sometimes. But getting over fixes everything, Rich. It really does. You know, there's a, uh, there's a, 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 a sports talk show host I listen to. And, and, and when um, he talks about other hosts and people call in and complain about who's on at what time on the, his answer is always get a rating. If you get a rating, it fixes everything. If, you, if your favorite host gets a rating, they won't put him on at 2 a.m. anymore. They'll put him on on drive time when you're driving home from work. But until he can get a rating, it doesn't matter. You know, it's the same thing here. Just get over. And that fixes this. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a tough spot to be in, but my sympathy is very limited. And the match that they had did nothing to overcome the shitty circumstances they were in having to follow that. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. We being, are we being cruel or no? I mean, I think uh, I'm being may, I mean we're being honest, I, and that's some people might get upset about it, but we're being honest. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, being there in the building, me and everybody else kind of realized and thought, okay, look, if we're going to get up and we're going to go to the bathroom, we're going to get our drinks and get ready for the rest of the show. This it's now or never. This is the match, and and yeah, for better force, 
that's what people decided. So, you know, it's like, as I don't know what to tell you. AW, and as a company, they have to decide what match something's going to be hurt to some extent. What do we, what we have to choose something that's going to be hurt? Cause again, it's, it's tough. These are the seven most over matches in the company. Something has to give something's going to be seventh rich. Right. I mean, so, you know, unfortunately, you know, tricky spot granted better days will be ahead for both of them. That's the other thing. Rich is at the end of the world. Is it the end no, of the world that, no that they had a shit this. match that didn't get over? Right. If, I mean, if they ever have, have another good match, no one's going to ever care again. You know, if, if, if yeah, Chris Stanley I mean, has a great pay-per-view match in April or whatever, no one's going to ever give a shit that, you know, she was after the Bucks on that night. Rich, Chris Jericho and John Moxley have had shitty matches that didn't get over in main event spots. It's not the end of the world. It's not a big deal. They'll live. They'll be okay. It's a great learning experience. You know, and it's, 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 you know, every, every veteran on this card was in that spot at one time or another and ate the shit that came along with it. So anyway, uh, I went two and a quarter. What'd you do with this one, Rich? Uh, oh, you I didn't not, see Yeah, it. I never saw it. Yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to go back and rewatch it either. So yes. sorry, but, uh, well, grapple went also went two and a quarter. So that's how you spot on with the consensus tonight. Jeez. We're, we're nailing it. Yeah, here we go. All right. We'll move on now uh, to MJF versus Cody. 24 minutes, 40 seconds. MJF gets the win. And Joe, I was on crack because I thought this match ruled live. I went back and rewatched it and thought, okay, hold on. <laughs> Let me see. You know, people were saying, oh, you're ridiculous. No, this match sucks. No, this match was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this sort of stuff. So I went, okay, yeah, maybe I was in the building. It was hot in the building. I enjoyed it. Me and my friends enjoyed it. We all liked it. I thought it was, you know, I went four and a half. I, I, I went in the building. I had it exactly the same as I had the tag match. Okay. A lot of people said I was nuts or whatever. I go back and rewatch it and I go, okay. Let me get my objective thoughts. And I watched the match. And there were some things I picked up on that I didn't necessarily pick up on live. And there's some things that maybe, you know, hit me a little bit different when I was watching on, 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 you know, video versus watching, you know, live or whatnot. But it was all done, Joe. I'm not changing my rating four and a half still. Stick by your guns, man. I liked it. That was good. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry if it offends you that I thought this match was good. I'm sorry if it offends you that I was into the story. And I, I, I you know, I thought all the complaints I saw and everything that I saw about the match and, oh, this is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. They just didn't really land with me the same way. You know, I, I, I didn't think MJF was out of his league here. I thought he was fine here. I thought he was really good here. He's a great live wrestler, too. He just does the little things so perfectly live as well. I thought Cody had an intensity to him in the entire match where people said, oh, no, he didn't. And and I don't know. I thought it was well worked. I thought all the spots were were, were well done. I thought all the, the stuff with, with Brandy and Arn and Wardlow, all of it was like it wasn't. It was completely, you know, whereas the, the tag match was like one type of great wrestling match. In terms of like thick layers of stories, great moves, smooth work, all that sort of stuff. Whereas this one was a little bit more rugged, a little bit more edge to it, but it felt like a really good, like old, like 1990 WCW match where there's a lot of bells and whistles and stuff, but it could still be a very good wrestling match. So yeah, when I was done, I was like, okay, let me, I really, honestly, I tried to watch it saying, okay, Rich hate this match. Cause everybody hates this match or everybody thinks that you should hate this match or whatever. And when it was over, I said, fuck all of them. I like this match. I don't care Four and a half. Fuck you. Hey, let the man live. Guy liked the match, you know? Um, it connected with you. I think a lot of it, too, and this is always going to be the case with MJF, is people are waiting for him to be something that he's never going to be. It, it, it's just, if you're waiting for these work rate specials, you're never getting them from this guy. That doesn't mean he's not going to improve or that he can't improve, but he's always going to be this kind of match. This is what he was on the indies. You know, MJF wasn't going out there, uh, you know, putting up 
match of the year contenders when, when he was on the Indies. He got over because of his character. And for all the same reasons he's getting over now is how he got over on the Indies and ended up being a main eventer on the Indies scene uh, at a disgustingly quick pace and ending up, uh, you know, in uh, as a major league pro wrestler by the age of 23 and two years into the business. And it's like people dumped on this match like it was the worst thing they've ever seen. And it's like, I didn't like it as much as you did, but at the same time, it was exactly the kind of match I was expecting. So my expectations were what they gave me. Right, right. And that might uh, be the big difference. I didn't expect this to be a very well-worked, smooth, good back-and-forth wrestling match. I expected it to be a fight with a lot of bells and whistles. And I don't know, yes. it was a fight with a lot of bells and whistles. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Now, I've seen a lot of people say, well, I thought it would be like an intense brawl and a fight. And that, I get that. Um, but I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, like you said, a lot of bells and whistles, a lot of... Um, um, you know, just uh, territory style, uh, bordering on overbooked, because um, it came close to annoying me from that mm-hmm. perspective. Oh, for sure, yeah, no doubt. But it didn't cross the line for me. But it came, it, it walked the line, and MJF's matches always do. Um, but this is what MJF is, and and some people are never going to dig his shit, and I get that. Uh, sometimes I don't like his shit, but. You know, it's I, I think he's just uh, so different from everything else on the roster and really so different than a lot of wrestlers in the world period today. And, and I think people still are expecting something that they're not going to get with him. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, now, on the pay-per-view, I saw a lot of people saying that it didn't come across heated and I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I didn't have that thought when I was watching it in real time. It definitely wasn't the case live. It was fucking heated live. I mean, but again, maybe it's because this was the match I was expecting. Uh, I thought the finish was good because it, it. Again, if you pay real close attention to AEW, they did two things with the finish. Number one, a few weeks ago against I believe it was Kip Sabian, Cody used three. Code was he called? What does he call his finish? The the, the crossroads. The crossroads. He used three crossroads to finish Kip Sabian. Do you yeah. remember that? Mm-hmm. Intense anger. You knew he was projecting onto MJF. Three 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 uh, crossroads. So they played off of that because he picked him up and was going to give him the second crossroads. Right. Also, on a few weeks ago on on Dynamite, MJF used the ring to beat. I forget. Was it Jungle Boy? Maybe I forget the opponent. Uh, I believe that's the case. But yeah, doesn't matter. But he used the ring. Right. He established it beforehand. Yes. So when Cody is going for the multiple crossroads, you buy into that and you don't think he's an idiot because, number one, he hates this fucking guy and he really wants to beat him emphatically. Number two, he's done that before when he was trying to prove a point against Kip Sabian to show MJF what was in his future. And then they already established that MJF is a sleazeball who's going to use that ring if necessary. And, uh, you know, so they played off of finishes from Dynamite, which I love that stuff. For years, we complained that WWE doesn't reward you. They punish you for paying attention. Now we have a company that rewards you for it. So the finish got over huge with me. Yeah, yeah. So now I, I watched that video, but I don't know if I, I missed this or not. Did you know that MJF had put the ring on before he hit Cody with it? No, but they, you, it was very clear that he was tucking it back into his tights. Okay, so, so live, and I think that might change the perspective as well. Live, you saw him put it on. 
Oh, and you saw yeah. Cody go for the third crossroads. And that, to me, actually enhanced the match a little bit for me because it was like Cody kind of got, you know, he got too full of himself. Because while MJF is like, all right, look, if you're going to give me this opening, I'm going to fucking take it, man. If you're going to go for what, like, it was one of these weird things where you see him put it on and you see Cody go for the one more crossroads and you're thinking, no, Cody, like, you don't need to do this. Just pin him. Just pin him. Just go. Like, you're you're done. And and it cost him in that way. Where, like, I know, like, I was wondering, because on video, I was watching, I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember him. I don't remember them showing him put the thing on. I just remember, yeah, when he hit him and then put it back in his trunks. It was, so I think it established it even a little bit better live when you know that MJF has this ready to go whenever he wants and that Cody could have beat him, but gave him an opening to hit him with it too so it shows kind of the the flawed hero in that way too where like he could have easily won this match had he not got a little too full with himself not showing so much bravado and mjf always kind of the sly heel the heel that's always kind of thinking ahead is thinking ahead and is ready to go and and when cody showed his ass and and, and maybe went for a little bit too much mjf then knocked him out and and, and took the win so that's a, i think again another reason why i think it was enhanced live versus watching it on tv so i was i was curious if they had shown that and i just missed it or not so I may have not picked up on it. That's no, I really don't. Problem. I tried to make. I tried to like be aware of it, and I didn't notice it. So no, I I think that is the case. Well, and that, some, that, trains, that changes it a lot. I think it, it does. There's something later on that I didn't pick up on, on though that I still haven't picked up on, and I need you to explain to me in one of these other matches. But I'm going to save that when we get to it. But um, yeah, I mean MJF was a bloody mess. I, it, the thing is, it's like I don't know. Maybe it. I, I was. This was a, the exact match I was expecting, and they gave it to me. And I'm a full star lower than you. I went three and a half on it, and uh, you know you went the four and a half. Uh, ra- the the grapple users three point two nine. Ah, they're wrong. You are undoubtedly the high man here. <laughs> I guess so. That's fine. Sometimes you're the high man. What can you do? You know, listen. I'd rather irrationally enjoy something than a lot of these people who just irrationally hate everything. I'd rather be the guy that just fucking likes this shit. I'm scanning through now. I see one four. Yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing the same thing too. <laughs> I'm really out of I'm really out of my own. No, you're the high man. I mean, yeah. no one. That's all right. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm very I'm very rarely the highest on a match ever. So you know how? No, you so. you normally skew a little lower. I do. To be honest. So this is this is uh, uh, interesting territory for me. So so anyone giving you a hard time? I mean, they let a man live. Jeez, <laughs> right. cranky Kreech over here. Cheap with the stars. I mean, for once he enjoyed something in his miserable life. Yeah, you know, give the guy Jeez. a break. You know, for God's sake. Um, so Orange Cassidy versus Tupac. Uh, who wants to go first here? To, uh, I don't know. So you didn't I'll listen to my you didn't listen to my instant reaction or semi instant no, reaction because I didn't want to know your thoughts. Yeah, before. and that's and that's fine. I I I didn't expect you to do that, but um, I, I mentioned on the show that so my mom watches Revol- or watches Dynamite every single week. I I don't know why, but she just does. And she she tends to watch it like before I do because like I'm either doing something or I'm doing a podcast or I'm doing whatever. So I'll get like text messages or I'll get calls the next morning. Hey, did you watch Dynamite? I'm like, no, I didn't. I'll watch it later, mom. Like, who cares? Like, but what's always funny is she always calls Pac Pac because she doesn't know Pac. And I always correct her and she goes, no, it's Pac. And like, she gets mad at me that I call him Pac. Because I'll be like, Pac. And she's like, who? She's like, oh, Pac. And I'm like, no, Pac. And she's like, she's technically yeah. right. Yes, but she's also wrong because like I'm like no no I've been calling him back for ten years I'm not changing my <laughs> yeah but she knows Pac Man she knows Pac yeah so that's it like that's yeah she doesn't really care about Tupac like that doesn't mean much to her she knows Pac Man and Pac from uh, AEW she hates Pac by the way in case you're curious least favorite wrestler on the entire show well it's good he's trying to be hated. and that's what I say she goes oh I, he's creepy I don't like him I said that's perfect that's what that's he wants. the idea he's trying to be creepy <laughs> right. you know I talked about this on the on the TV reviews it's like it, it, nobody wants to be 
admit that they're that, that they get worked anymore. When you hate these guys, that then fucking hate them. Right. Oh my god. I, I I noticed that with the MJF stuff too, because people were like, "He's an asshole. Look at his tan. He looks like an idiot. He's a dumb." I'm like, "He's a fucking moron. That's his character." Like, what's he trying to do? I would buy that MJF the character would get a tan that was way too dark. You know, like and 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 own it and be like, "Yeah, whatever. I look great." You know, what I mean? like that's that's what they are. Yeah, like, like your mother saying that 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 Pac is. Uh, what's she call him? She she thinks he's creepy and doesn't like his hair. <laughs> he's trying to get over his creepy. <laughs> right. So that's a good thing. Like, we, you know, it's like, look, I'm not saying that go away heat doesn't exist. And I'm not saying that everyone who hates MJF, um, you know, doesn't hate him for, I'm not saying he doesn't have go away heat with some people. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when, when guys, when wrestlers are hateable for the reasons they're trying to be hateable for, enjoy that. That's good. Yeah, Spend you your that. disbelief and, and root against, I root against MJF every time. And that's and I enjoy his act because I I admire the fuck out of out of out of his work because he's so good at it. But that doesn't mean I root for it. Like I don't like I don't like him when I, once the mat once the bell rings. You know I don't want to see this guy succeed. You know, but it's like I don't know. I guess people just absorb this stuff in different ways. I don't know. But um. So anyway, I guess I'll go first. This is a match where behind the paywall I said was the sleeper match of the night was a potential, you know, before the pay-per-view I said, this is the sleeper match. This could end up being the match of the night in some universe where the bucks and Omega and page just having a bad night. This might be the sleeper match of the night. Even if I'm not the biggest orange Cassidy guy, because orange Cassidy is mega over to live crowds. And I think the dynamic between him and Pac was perfect. Because I didn't think Pac was going to play games with him. And that's exactly how it played out. You know, I was cringing in the early portions when Pac was doing the the shin kicks along with with Orange Cassidy. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no, they're really going to. But then that was just Pac setting up Orange Cassidy because then he just shoved him down with disdain. Right. And, And, you know, in the moment, what he did, too, which I liked, is that his kicks started getting a little bit more furious early on. He did like one or two of the like the fake kicks. Yeah. If you notice his like third and fourth kicks were like pretty hard as in like, okay, okay, okay. Enough of this bullshit. I'm going to kill you now. And but then, then he, he just yeah. pushed him down like a bully. Right, right. You know, which fits his gimmick. And, and, and then the story of the match was really Pac being frustrated because this perceived goofball, he couldn't get the better of. And, and, and when that's the case, it's like, I don't mind Orange Cassidy. What I hate about Orange Cassidy is sometimes on the indies where he has these matches where it's just literally 15 minutes of shtick. Right, right. Where the opponent is participating in the shtick and they're just out there doing a vaudeville routine. I have no interest in that. I think that flat out sucks. And a perfect example is the match he had in Beyond Wrestling with Kylie Ray. Where the, I reviewed it behind the paywall if people want to read my expanded thoughts. One of the written reviews, just use one of the tags or whatever. But it's like, they did 15 minutes of Kylie Ray like doing Orange Cassidy's stick, and it was all cute. And she was putting her hands in her pockets, and she was wearing his sunglasses. And Rich, I don't have time for that shit. I'm I'm here to see a fake fight, fucking fight. Okay, I, I have very low tolerance for a comedy routine taking place in the ring. I, I have no interest. Right? Did you Did you ever see the Brian Alvarez Orange Cassidy match? I haven't. For many a weekend, it, it was kind of worked more like this, where. 
Alvarez just kind of sitting there and he kind of plays, uh, he plays with it for like five minutes and then he's just like, all right, fuck this guy. <laughs> and just stomps on the glasses or whatever. Cassidy eventually beats him, I, I believe. Yeah. But it kind of, it's the same thing where I didn't mind it too much because it was, like you said, it was guy who kind of gets lulled into it for a second and then kind of shakes it out and goes, wait, well, hold on a minute. Fuck off. This is a fight. I'm going to beat your ass right now. So. But yeah. then gets outworked by the other guy anyway. And right, exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and it only works because Orange Cassidy's really good. But it's like, my my analogy for the Kylie Ray match was because everyone's argument to me was yeah but when they started wrestling it was great and i'm like okay even if i <laughs> give you that because i didn't think it was great i just thought it was a average ass match anyway but let's just work under the premise that Joe Lanza thought the serious part of the match was great okay it still at the end of the day sucks because if i go to the movies to watch goodfellas and the first half of Goodfellas is Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. And then all of a sudden, 90 minutes into the movie, it switches over from Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo to Goodfellas. Okay? I'm not going to say, yeah, the first 90 minutes sucked, but my God, the closing stretch was phenomenal. No! I'm going to say this was a shitty, weird, confused movie, which, was, which had two different tones that don't work with one another. So I don't understand. Like, I am not moved by the argument that, oh, well, yeah, but when they when Orange Cassidy wrestles, it's fucking all. Yeah, but I'm already annoyed by the first 10 minutes. And it doesn't make sense that these two people would do a comedy routine together and then all of a sudden fight. It loses me. But this match wasn't that. It was more Pac frustrated that this goofball in his eyes was getting the better of him. So I thought it was a, a nicely told story. Do I think this reinvented wrestling like I saw some people saying? Rich, <laughs> I saw a take. wrestling. Wrestling will never be the same after this match, Joe. I saw a take on Twitter that said, Orange Cassidy and Pac have just changed wrestling forever. <laughs> and I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Can we pump the brakes? Okay, stop it. It was a nice little match with good crowd heat. Went three and a half on it. I think you're pushing it if you go much higher than that. You want to go four on this? Okay. But you want to sit here and tell me that this match has changed wrestling? Come on. It wasn't that special. I'll tell you something else I'm not moved by. Oh, Orange Cassidy. I see non-wrestling fans putting his stuff on TikTok. I see Orange Cassidy. He's got you know celebrities tweeting that their favorite wrestler now is Orange Cassidy. I'm not saying those things are bad because they're not. Any kind of publicity is good, but those things aren't very meaningful either. Right. Because Until they start people, buying tickets and, exactly. and watching the TV show, then it doesn't That's matter. the thing. It's like, look, I'm not going to tell you it's totally meaningless and it's bad. It's not. It's good. It's great if people are putting up silly TikTok videos of silly Orange Cassidy spots. But the thing is, I don't buy that those people are becoming wrestling fans. They're laughing at the Orange Cassidy spot, and they're never thinking about Orange yeah, then Cassidy. Then they're going to check out the next funny TikTok person that they see. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're not flipping on fucking TNT and getting wrapped up in fucking Lucha Brothers matches. That's not happening. Not on a meaningful scale. Okay? He's a gimmicky guy that gets gimmicky attention, and that's fine. And, that's, and look, I advocated signing him, even though I'm not a huge fan. You know, I don't, it's, it's not even like I hate it, because if it's this, it's good. I gave it three and a half. I liked it. But it's like, I advocated signing the guy. I think he's tremendously valuable. And it was a no-brainer. Okay, but, um, you know, this idea that he's going to break through to the mainstream, I, 
that I cannot buy into. I don't think that stuff is all that meaningful. Right. I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong, but yeah, I haven't I haven't seen any evidence of that yet. The the TikTok looking at the ratings, all of a sudden the TikTok people haven't started watching. Uh, yeah, uh, where are they? Yeah, they yeah, haven't started are, watching Dynamite. Where yet, are all these so. fans that he's converting? I mean, it's just it's a nice thing to have, believe me. But it's not like you know. Look, we saw this with the Fiend. You know, because the Fiend is so ridiculous and outlandish. Now, in that case, they were laughing at the Fiend, which wasn't the desired reaction, but they're laughing at Orange Cassidy. It's not all that different. You know, and it's like it hasn't, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that stuff is as meaningful as people make it out. To. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. So I enjoyed the match as well. I went, I went three and three quarters. Very good. Like the best possible Orange Cassidy match, <laughs> I would say. I thought, I thought Pac was tremendous throughout it as well. And yeah, really good back and forth. And, and Cassidy is good when, when he, you know, tries and when he's trying to be a wrestler, he's, he's very good. And that's, that's what makes him stand out. And that's what makes him special. So I, I enjoyed this, but yeah, not, uh, the, the wrestling world will be, you know, I won't, it won't be before this match and after this match. And we'll never forget when the wrestling world changed after, you know, Pac and Orange Cassidy that I've already forgot was a, you know, a, a game changing wrestling match, you know, six days ago or whatever. So yeah. And then we have our main event. Moxley defeats Chris Jericho to win the AEW World Championship. Thoughts on uh, Moxley winning the title? We should note that uh, Grapple Users went 3.82. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Which means that, um, you know, the, the consensus doesn't think that this fucking changed the world <laughs> forever either. Uh, let's be honest here. So, that, like I said, it's a really good match. You know, it's, you know, uh, and so was the main event. I thought the main event was a uh, really good match. I don't think it was a great match. Again, I only have one notebook, quote unquote, notebook match on this show. You know what we need to do, Rich? I was thinking about this. Yeah, what do you got? We need to sell spiral notebooks with our logo on. It's not a bad idea. It's not the worst idea ever. You have to write that down now. <laughs> you, could have a, you could have a literal Voices of Wrestling notebook for your notebook matches. I mean, why aren't we doing that? No, you're right. That that's gonna happen. Mark it up to like Fast. ten bucks too. You know, it takes like eighty cents to print, but we sell them for like ten bucks. Well, that's that's business, though, right? <laughs> no, I know. That's what I'm saying. You know, we gotta. You know, dig into these people's pockets, Rich. What are we doing here? I mean, that's a no-brainer. How have we not thought of that? Before? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's good good call on that. So that's definitely going to happen. That's, so an your, email has been sent to myself. That <laughs> put away ten dollars for the next few <laughs> the next week or so. Get your voices wrestling literal notebook for your notebook matches. Um, so Chris Jericho Moxley uh, sadly did not make the notebook. Just the uh, uh, the tag match from this show did for me. But I went three and three quarters on this. Rich, I need you to explain something to me, and I've intentionally not seeked out help for this all week long because I wanted to save it for the show. I am befuddled by the big twist at the end of this match where Moxley, he could actually see, right? Rich, I don't get it. Like, if you're wearing an eye patch, then you can't see. Well, How is that a big reveal, and how is that pulling one over? I am so confused by this spot. What What was the... If you're wearing an eye patch the whole time, then you're negating <laughs> right, then you, the vision yeah, that right, you say right. you have. Why was this such a brilliant spot, and why was it the game changer in the match? Like when he pulled the eye patch off and revealed that his eye wasn't hurt, I was so confused as to why that mattered. And then my next thought was, why did you spend a month pretending your eye was hurt? What advantage did this give him? He intentionally took away one of his own eyeballs. Am I, what am I missing? Am I an idiot or am I not? Or what am I missing here? No, so, okay. So I don't, I don't think the story is that his eye was always okay. I think the story was that now my eye is okay. What for ma- five seconds of the match? <laughs> I don't, that's, I'm he just wore saying. the eye patch the whole time. I agree. Maybe it was a Cedric Sabalas. 
eye patch where you could see through it. I don't know. Um, I was a little confused as well. I'm, I'm not going to give you clarity. I'm not going to give you an answer to that. I was very confused as well. I think the idea was just that Jericho thinks my eyes hurt, but it's not. It's well enough for me to hit this final move and beat him. Maybe it wasn't good. Like maybe what the story is supposed to be is that maybe it's not the eye. The eye isn't healthy, but it's healthy enough for me to take this fucking eye patch off and and beat this guy and put him in the rear view. No, the idea was he duped Chris Jericho. Right. I'm trying to say what I think I would have done as the you're idea. You're making it work for your head cannon. Right. No, you're right. That the story was, ha, ha, ha my eye's fine. Ha, ha. I yeah, got you know one. what I did for my head cannon? I ignored it all. <laughs> it just said that was fine. Because it doesn't make sense. I don't understand yeah. how it went over. And then Jericho on Dynamite's like, it's unfair because I prepared for a one-eyed man, but you could see the whole time. But Chris, he was wearing an eye patch. He couldn't see the whole time. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, I, I was saving this for the show because I don't fucking get it. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry. I'm not, not going to answer for you. I'm not going to answer for you. I don't either. I don't see anyone else complaining about this. And I'm like, you're all the blind ones because this was dumb. I, I don't understand what he – how did this give him any advantage over Chris Jericho? In what way? I don't understand. I'm, I'm still baffled. I thought you would have my answer, but you don't have my answer. No, I have nothing for you. Yeah, the, the story that I had is like, yeah, like I said, my headcanon is that – you know, he's just saying, "Oh, the eye is fine. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I can put it away and I can, I can beat you and whatnot." But that's, yeah, the story, like you said, so is supposed to be perform- that. Hold on a second. This man can't perform a DDT with one eye. Doesn't hit as well. That's so. the only thing he did with the, with the two eyes. That was- <laughs> it doesn't hit as well. It's like you know, Rich, He wrestled matches for a month with <laughs> did- one eye and won them. He won a U.S. title, right? <laughs> he won them. This man won matches with one eye. Now all of a sudden. He can't do anything until he takes the eye patch off and does the double arm DDT with two eyes. I, I don't I, – I am so confused on this, and maybe I'm just stupid, but I do not understand this. Yeah, maybe someone could let us know because, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm unfortunately not going to have any clarity of this situation for you. I was a little surprised too. In, in the, see, I thought he, he took the – like, you know, watching live, I thought he took the eye patch off just because it was getting in the way and there was too much blood in it or something like that because that's sort of – like he took it off and it was like dripping with blood or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was thinking that maybe he thought, okay, look, if I'm going to put this guy away, I need to get this blood out of my eye and all this sort of stuff, and this is the only way I can win. But I the idea that are, his eye was fine is okay. I think you're right because he's taken off the eye patch, and then like the idea is like he can see during those moments now because he's got the eye patch off, where Jericho thinks he can't see because the eye is so debilitated that it needs to be covered. Right. Is that what you're saying? I think. But here's the thing: he wrestled <laughs> for a month and won matches with the eye. Patch. Well, that the eye was actually hurt. Then the eye is healed. You know, eyes heal. I don't think it's he just idea. got stabbed with a spike, you know, six weeks ago. But that, those eyes heal fast, you know. All right. The bottom line is, fucking. Stupid. <laughs> I agree. I'm hey, with you. Yeah. This is, this is stupid, and I'm not. You got to be fair. I mean, if this was on fucking roadblock into the line, I I drag it the way I'm dragging it now. It's stupid. It doesn't make fucking sense. This is as bad as the exploding monitor against uh, whoever that was against. What was that Seth Rollins? Brock? I believe it was Bray. I believe it was Bray. Actually, Bray. Whatever the fuck. This is all of us dumb. But um, outside of that, I thought it was a nice brawl and a good match and, and had drama. And, and uh, you know, I like, you know, I felt like when he hit the move and he picked up the pin, it got the right kind of pop. And uh, you know, I could have went either way on who the winner would have been. I wouldn't have been upset either way or thought it was a bad decision either way. Um, I went three and three quarters. Would you go on this? Uh, so I went as I unfortunately <laughs> got a text message right as you asked that. Uh, I went. I don't remember what I did in the moment, but um, da, 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 opening right now, I went four stars flat. Yeah, grapple users three point 
0.76. Let me tell you, I'm looking at these. I don't think I deviated from the fucking pack on anything. <laughs> you were right in, right in line, yeah. I mean, right on the number. I don't think that's ever happened. I'm pretty much there except for, yeah, Cody and MJF, which is fine. Just Cody and MJF, yeah. Um, yeah, everything else I was within, like, the closest quarter of a star. Listen, as I've always said, Rich, I'm an accurate star raider. Yeah, so, absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mox is a champion. I guess my overriding thought of that is uh, he's a guy with, with Hangman Page being heated up and Darby Allen coming up and uh, some babyface options down the line. Kenny Omega, of course. It's like th- there's not a ton on the heel side. You've got MJF and not much else. But the thing is, they can turn Moxley at any time. I talked about this behind the paywall. I think if Jericho does have to go away for an extended period to go on a tour or whatever, take a break, um, you could just turn Moxley. And I don't think at this point you miss much of a beat because I think, you know, Paige is heating up. Unproven as a a TV draw, granted. um, But Moxley is a proven TV draw. Uh, You know, and I think you can turn him because I think he can fill the, the top heel role as easily as he fills the face role. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts this title reign as a face, but finishes it as a heel. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I, I think so. Yeah, I think that right now there's a lot of goodwill with him, and I think a lot of it is, oh, he's the guy that came over or whatnot. But yeah, yeah you can just as easily turn him. He can just as easily turn on these fans yeah. for sure. So I, I'm right with you. And he's a guy who I think does pretty well as a heel role as well. So yeah, there, there's, yeah. he's going to do something. He's going to be in the ring with Darby and, and, and drop him with the, the, the dirty deeds or whatever the fuck he calls it, the paradigm shift or whatever. Yeah, it, it won't take much to turn him heel. No, and he's a good enough performer to get over as a heel. And it's like you just made a great point. You couldn't bring him in as a heel because he's going to get cheered for being the guy that quit WWE. Yeah, oh, no, no. He's got a leash now for a little bit. But, yeah, you can you can certainly. In the next four to five to six months, you can absolutely turn him. Eventually, you can turn him, yeah, when you need to. When Jericho goes away, you need another heel on that side. I mean, he's a perfect guy. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a top heel waiting to happen, you know, so uh, – and and you're okay on the face side between Cody and Hangman Page and Kenny Omega and you, just, you got a million faces. Right, that. right, right. So I agree. Yeah, you're you're gonna have to move somebody. Some of the yeah. top, one of the top end faces is after gonna go heel. And I don't think Cody's. I don't think he. No matter what is gonna happen. Like that's just not gonna happen right you now. You can't do that. You can't Darby, do that. there's no way. I mean, that would be an absolute abject <laughs> disaster to turn Darby heel uh, right now. And and yeah, oh. Page, you've already done all this work to to. You thought turn him heel, but it ended up he turned face, so you got to go with that too. So yeah, can't, oh god, yeah, he no, can't. No, he's the biggest star on that show right now. So I would say for sure, yeah, yeah, Moxley probably going heel. Uh, I mean, Omega, you, Omega, you could do, but I don't know if you'd want to. I mean, I think you give him a good face run before you think about turning him. Yeah, yeah. No, he's still got. He's yeah. still have to get his run towards the title at some point. Yeah, and I'm not sure people want to boo Omega at this point. Um, you know, I think they want to see him get a big face push. So yeah, I think Moxley's the obvious one. So I could easily see him turning at some point and I could at this point stage of the game especially if you don't do it for another six months or whatever um I think it would get over I think we're past the point where he's the, the hardcore hero for leaving the evil company I think okay that grace period is starting to, to end he's an AEW guy now right right he's an AEW guy now so but yeah I thought the pay-per-view was a shit ton of fun um it's not gonna be my show of the year or anything but highly enjoyable. I mean, I could live with a match or two that were just okay. Um, as, as long as everything else is, is really fun. I thought the atmosphere was great. And, um, it was three and a half hours that didn't feel like three and a half hours. So I think that's always the key. 
when when four hour shows feel like they're four hours, you're not enjoying yourself. Right, right, exactly. And this one was not that for me. So yeah, I don't know. I liked it. All right, Joe. We are uh, unfortunately somewhat against the clock here, so we have about thirty minutes left to go with a lot to cover. So really, that's all we got. I we talked a lot about the website in our, in our eight years doing it, and a lot about Dynamite. Are you sure you've so. got the clock running properly. Ah, uh, you know what? I don't. You know, hold on. We probably have an about hour. an hour thirty. I think yes. we probably have. An, I think we have at least an hour left. So never mind. I forgot yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> Took the break. My timer, yeah, does not include the break that you guys won't know that ever happened. You try to guess when the break happens. So. Fun little game yeah. to play. There's don't we have an hour? <laughs> don't we have an hour? So what do you want to touch on first? Um, let's run through the Saudi show and run through Elimination Chamber and then get to the awards. Okay, yeah. Do the Saudi show. Like, I watched the top three matches of the Saudi show. You can very quickly talk about the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was like one of the worst pay-per-views of all time, like the Saudi <laughs> shows all are. And it's not even shtick. They're just so bad. They're so bad that it's entertaining. It, they do cross into being entertainingly bad. To the point where it's like, this is so bad, I can't believe how bad it is. That's what all of these Saudi shows are. Uh, just awful. Now, which one am I looking at? Because there's so many super showdowns. I'm trying to pull it up. You're yeah, trying I think to find I'm the last one. I can, I can run you down the matches if you want. I can do a Brian Alvarez here and, and, and let yeah, you Yeah, and I'll just away. give quick pity thoughts. All right. So there was a gauntlet match for the Tuwake Trophy, which looked like the aggro. Do you know the aggro crag from Guts from Nickelodeon? Does that joke land with you at all or no? Uh, a little out of my age range. That's fine. Yeah. Well, there, there are anybody age 33 and under that you, you get that joke. So anyway, the Undertaker won it, even though he wasn't in the match. He came in and beat AJ Styles in a minute. So horrendous. <laughs> yeah, it was a gauntlet match where our truth was like made the surprising run. Uh, you could see that no one was going to have their working shoes on like they never do in Saudi Arabia. That's not true. I'll talk about people. Who yeah, there's one guy who had his way too much working shoes on and he really. There, there's some people who did did work hard, and AJ, uh, you know, they had uh, he had his boys beat up Rey Mysterio in the back. So Rey Mysterio flew to Saudi Arabia and then didn't even appear in front of the crowd. <laughs> um, and then the dong hits, and the Undertaker comes out, doesn't even take off his coat or his hat. <laughs> Tombstones AJ Styles and wins the trophy. He just kind of stares at the trophy like, "Huh, that's a thing I won." And You'll somehow, never see that trophy again. You'll never see that ever again. It no. never left Saudi Arabia. And where's where's Braun Strowman's fucking green belt for wearing the Greatest Royal Rumble? Where's oh, that? Right. Thing? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so now this is supposed to make us excited to see AJ Styles versus Undertaker at WrestleMania somehow. I know they haven't announced that match yet. Um, yeah, grapple users, Rich, one point five one for this uh, atrocity of a. Uh, gauntlet match as we move on god all right so the miz and morrison defeated the new day biggie and kofi to win the tag team titles the smackdown tag team titles now the new day went out there and worked their ass off what was kofi doing i'm seeing the gifts and i'm like what are you doing pal he's doing prosperity flops onto the floor what are you doing don't do that yeah and and people are like oh the miz didn't catch him i don't think the miz was supposed to No, that was not the spot the spot was the miz was gonna get out of the way and kofi was gonna crash and burn Correct. That was a crash and burn spot. So I know people like to get on the Miz, but that's not the Miz's fault in that spot. The, the spot was a Fosbury flop over the top, crash and burn, and crash and burn he did. Fuck. And they uh, they did a title change. They did another one later, but they did a, a two title changes on this fucking show. And these shows are usually very non-canon, so or very you know kind of non-canon. You know, they're just getting their check. Yeah, they weird. They live in a weird pseudo universe where some things you're supposed to remember and then other things you're supposed to forget. So, yeah, this was probably the best match on the show for me, and uh, I think Grapple users agree. 
2.92. Oh. <laughs> so that. almost three star. You round it up. Round it up. So a three star match, which was the best you were going to get on this fucking show. So these Saudi shows are always bad, and somehow they continue to get worse. It's crazy. Like they're progressively worse, which I didn't think was possible. What else we got? Angel Garza versus Humberto Carrillo. You tried it. I tried. I'm not good at it. But... Tried it. Um, this encapsulates all of these Saudi shows. Two guys who you know can go out there and just fart out a three star match, right? Like by accident, no effort. They just <laughs> right, don't yeah. care. They're like, it's 95 degrees. It's windy. I'm scared for my life. <laughs> Nobody cares. I don't want to be here. Yeah, no one knows who we are. Neither one of us got any reaction. So they go out there and just do a perfunctory match, a two-star special. Uh, grapple users, 2.64 for Angel Garza for Humberto Carrillo. All right, then we had a Raw Tag Team title match here. Seth Rollins and Murphy defeating the Street Profits to retain their titles. But don't worry, there's money, much more where that match came from because it happened on Raw. And it's also going to happen on Elimination Chamber. And Joe, this was just the just wet the appetite, I'm sure, to get you ready for Elimination Chamber, correct? Well, honestly, I'm glad they did the title change in Brooklyn instead of doing the title change. Didn't they do it in Brooklyn? Yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. It right. I think so. so. I mean, that's a that's a good move. So, um, this was again. I was fine, aggressively fine, two and a half stars. If I had to rate it, but um, Grapple Users two point seven seven as the champs retained, but then they lost them four days later, and now they're going to have another match at Elimination Chamber Sunday. Mansoor versus Dolph Ziggler and Joe, the upset of the century. Mansoor gets the victory. Can you believe it? Man. Um, no, Mansoor is his name. Mansoor. Yeah. yeah, Mansoor. I know I sound like a broken record, Rich, but it will surprise you to know that Dolph Ziggler didn't work as hard. What? It gets Mansoor in this spot? This in this spot? Um, Unbelievable. To be quite honest, they could have had a great match if they wanted to. I think that the grapple users were way too hard on it. They gave it a 1.82. It was better than that. Uh, not much better. Listen, uh, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, you know. Uh, but I tell you, I saw Mansoor have a much better match against Kurt Stallion at Evolve a couple days later. Yeah, only, only in Evolve. Yeah. Give him credit. Ace flying back from Saudi Arabia and heading to Laboom. Give him credit, okay? Uh, you know, that's uh, not everyone would agree to that. but. Um, you know, they main evented uh, Mansoor and, and Stallion. That wasn't bad. I think I went three and three quarters on that. But it was way better than this match. Then we had, so now I, I've seen everything now uh, to this point here. Brock Lesnar defeats Ricochet in a minute and 30 seconds. You know, you and I, we're, we're pro-Brock people. I enjoy Brock matches. I thought this fucking stunk. Yeah, it was just... Uh, Not even... Uh, this was a 1990s... No. This was a 1990s television squash uninteresting, but not even a good one. No. Like not, not a Jake Roberts squash where he gives the jobber a little something, you know, because Jake Roberts has always been of the belief. If I beat someone who's a nobody, then you're not going to, then what's the big deal. Right. So he'd always give the jobber a little something. Right. And not like Ron Garvin, who would just obliterate jobbers, (laughs) you know, because that's a lot of fun. Like, and I mean, like literally beat the shit out of them. Like, go watch those old Crockett squash. This wasn't like the Road Warriors going in there and just beating the living shit and 
No, this was like a bad, lazy 90s squash. This was Dino Bravo working his third match of the taping, and he just wants to go home. You know, that's what this was. Um, Not interesting at all. Not even a hope spot for Ricochet. Not good. And I'm a Brock guy, too. Not good. And um, it's not even so much that Ricochet lost, and not even so much that he was dominated. It's just the match was boring and dull. You know? Um, and then Ricochet loses to Riddick Moss on Raw. And I think people are being a little hard on that. They're calling it a burial. They're telling a story with Ricochet. Now, are they telling a story I would tell? <laughs> no. But the story of the Riddick Moss hope, match you, was... You have some hope in this uh, Ricochet story, huh? No, I don't. Okay. But I'm going to tell you why it's not a burial. Like, people are saying this match and then losing to Riddick Moss proves that Vince McMahon just wants to bury him. No, no, no. What's happening with the Riddick Moss thing was the story was Ricochet was so beaten up by Brock that he couldn't beat Riddick Moss. That match did nothing for Riddick Moss. It's actually a negative for Riddick Moss because the idea was he beat a guy who couldn't beat anyone. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like Riddick Moss gets nothing from that. Ricochet gets nothing from that. So if they see it through, I think Ricochet will probably lose again next week and then get his bearings and then but the thing is when do losing streak gimmicks ever work that's the problem here so it's not an intentional burial but it'll end up burying him does that make sense yes yeah the the idea is like it could like the idea of the story makes sense but we know what it'll probably we know it's not gonna work right it'll be like the cedric alexander thing where where people are telling us no 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 (laughs) he's gonna beat aj and win the title eventually and we're like ah I don't know about that, but okay. I'm glad yeah. you think that, but no. See, this one, I think Ricochet will eventually start winning and 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 get and they'll attempt to push. The problem is, I think, by doing this, you're telling people then not to believe in him when he gets pushed. Right, exactly. It's, it's, well, the, well, it's, it's just the Brock thing, and it's the way that Vince – I mean, Brock is the biggest star in the company, and, and nobody is anywhere near him. He is in a different pantheon, and that's good and bad. The good of it is you have a character that's protected that way, which is good. The bad is that, like – you know, at the expense of like everybody else, and that nobody else, you know, he can't do that with anybody else. He can only do it with one guy, and, and it's just that he's keeping that aura with that guy and doesn't create it with anybody else, and that that causes some some big issues. But here's the thing: you don't have to put Ricochet on TV the next day or three days later, right? Or how about this? How about you do the Riddick Moss match, but even though he's beaten up and battered and bruised by Brock, he still beats the guy that's not getting pushed. That You know what I mean? It's still like, oh, well, Ricochet is such a fighter. And even though he's all taped up from the Brock match, he was still able to win the 24-7 title. Right. Like, well, there's Vince, a lot Vince of- loves the story of a guy losing. Like, he lo- like he tells the story a lot. And, and it's, it's not like a new playbook thing for him either. He's done that for years and years and years. Is like, he uses losses. He thinks that I think people... Because, I mean, MVP was a great example, too. He had the MVP, you're going to lose for three months straight, and then the people are going to rally behind you. Well, all that happened is everybody said, this guy's fucking garbage, and I don't like him anymore. And he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks it's adding sympathy to the babyface, when exactly. in reality, because of the way they've booked all these years, people just lose faith in the babyface. Right, exactly. And they're like, well, why am I going to get behind him? Because he lost the Riddick Moss. So... It's really a, a, it's like a thin line I'm I'm arguing here. I'm not arguing he's being buried. I'm saying they're not doing it on purpose. I think they think it's working or it's going to work. And it's not. It never does. Losing streaks never work. But um, 
yeah, that was just a total nothing match. And Ricochet is delusional. He's one of these guys who's going to be all positive on social media. And I mean, that's fine if he's a positive guy, but man, he just doesn't understand what's happening here. Oh, I, I think this week he got a little testy, didn't he? He shared he? pictures of him losing. Yeah, he, picked, he shared pictures of him losing in Saudi Arabia and losing in, on Raw. So, well, good for him. Yeah, I mean, I thought the message of that was more. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. Ooh. Cedric Alexander is the one that's getting pissy. He's like tweeting about AEW. And, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> could have told him that, but that's all right. But, hey, you know, but hold on now. Did he resign though? No, I, I think don't he's still on his original at, deal. But yeah, I only get mad at people who resign and then complain. Mm. Like if you're on your original deal uh, and you gave it an offer, I'm a little more lenient. If you if you are on your first deal and, and you gave it an honest go, <laughs> okay, that's fine. My issue is if you sign again, I don't want to hear from you. Oh, I, I agree. Those people are fucking completely. I, I'll give a little leeway to the first time people, but I will also tell you where the fuck have you been for the last decade. Yeah. Particularly someone like at Cedric Alexander on, on many levels. The type of work he, he does, his size. Uh, his here's what I'm, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to give him color a break. his skin is. I'm just going to, I mean, look at the company. There's all know. those things. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why I cut him a break. He got over on his own volition in the cruiserweight classic, right? They didn't mean to push him full sale. Got him over because he got over with those fans and triple right. H came out and shook his hand, signed him to a deal. Right. Then he does well on two Oh five live and gets a push, right? He gets pushed on two Oh five live and earns a call up. His trajectory was good. He gets to the main. Oh, they're giving me U.S. title shots. I'm still, my trajectory is still good. Then he loses the feud to AJ, which we were smart enough to know was going to happen, right? And now he's on main event if he's lucky. So I can understand why a guy like him, who had a good upward trajectory and probably thought, wow, they like me. And now he's just deader than fucking dead. Like he can't even get on main event. That guy, I can give a little pass for being testy. Now, the minute he signs that five-year contract, he, he's dead to me. Now you can't complain ever again. So is that a compelling argument to allow complaining from Cedric Alexander? Maybe, yeah. I'll, I'll buy it a little bit. I still think he's a little uh, soft. He, I he, he should have known what he was going into. I mean, come on. Let's, <laughs> nobody should be surprised that this is what his lot in life is going to be in WWE. But, you know. No, they should not. What's next? Oh, what's next is Roman Reigns versus King Corbin in a steel cage match. They're finally going to settle it in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Joe. Oh, grapple, by the way, for Brock Ricochet, 0.51. Oh, my God. 0.51. So remember that on grapple, Rich, you cannot go lower than a 0.25. Yeah. Can you give a zero yet? Let me see. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. No. No, you cannot. You still so cannot that got, that so it got like the, almost as low as it could possibly go. That's incredible. Well, you know, I think honestly, worse is King Corbin and Roman Reigns having a cage match that got a one point four one. Oh, get out uh, of here! That was, uh, dude. I thought this match was way worse than Brock Lesnar and Ricochet. At least Brock and Ricochet was over in a minute thirty. This was the most boring, nothing happening, dull waste of my fucking life match I've ever seen. What the fuck? Was you can't that? have, you can't have a worse cage match on purpose. It's, <laughs> Especially the week of Cody and Wardlow. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Yeah, this was a like what six days after that or something like yeah. that. Oh my! God. You cannot have a more boring cage match than these two men had in Saudi Arabia. I mean, 
Rich, there was just this is just <laughs> so fucking bad. I, I I don't know. I don't even know what to add. What can we even say to to describe how boring this match was? In a cage. All you gotta do is throw a dude's face into the cage. No, they didn't even do. They didn't even use the cage. They're just having this match, and there's just like you know pinfalls and like near falls happening. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Why is this in a cage? Use the goddamn cage. And like one time, one time Roman hit King Corbin with the cage door, and that was like literally all that the cage was used for. This was horrendous. Well, luckily, up next, Bailey and Naomi changed the world. Historic. First ever, the first ever historic SmackDown Women's Championship match in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So. It's going to be the first ever something every time women wrestle in Saudi Arabia until the end of time. And I, Rich, I just can't take it anymore. You know, they're out there in their t shirts, uh, you know, because they got to be covered from head to toe. And despite the fact they are covered from head to toe, they still got to put. And this was interesting. They weren't even like licensed t-shirts. Did you see the t-shirt Naomi was wearing? Yeah. What was that? It was like a makeshift kind of t-shirt. You get at like a carnival or like at a beach where they just make you a screen. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, and it just said Naomi on it, you know, and it's just so she could fucking wear something, you know, and then they go in there and have a horrible match. And to their credit, they tried to work the fact that they were wearing t-shirts into the finish. And it's like a perfect spot for that old Simpsons meme. You know, at least you tried, but it's not, it doesn't mean that it landed, you know? So I don't know. This is fucking sucks, but listen, you can only have one first ever SmackDown women's title match. In the right. You'll, you'll always Arabia. remember it. You'll always remember it, Joe. You'll never forget it because this was history. It was history. Um, I didn't see, to be fair, fans and people on social media waxing poetic about it like they did the last yeah, time. Yeah, this it, it all did kind of calm down a little bit this time, which yeah. is good. Last time everyone really did like pretend that it was some kind of historic thing when it was just a load of fucking bullshit, um, you know, PR nonsense. Um, don't get woke Joe started again. But um, yeah, this was just garbage. And then we had uh, Grapple Users went 2.02 on this. And then we had Fiend versus Sculper. <laughs> which uh, a fucking horrible show this was. <laughs> So bad. This is like the worst show of the year is wrapped up. Are they having another one this year in Saudi Arabia? Uh, they are. Yeah, I think that was actually just announced. Um, I forget the exact date. But it yeah, was. You're right. So hold that thought. Back. So we might actually. <laughs> Man, it's going to be tough to be worse than this. Though. But um, Grapple Users went .69 Ooh. versus Goldberg. So get into it, Rich. Um, <laughs> you know, what do you say? I mean. I liked it. I don't care. <laughs> Fuck the feed. I'm glad. It's I gotta tell me. you, I didn't hate it. I I mean, was it the prettiest looking jackhammer? Here's what I don't know. Oh, understand. you know what? I don't know if that's on Goldberg that you everyone I hear everyone get mad at Goldberg. I, was just gonna say, I, I don't know. Watch it again. Watch it watch why it. Why are we blaming him when it's the other guy's job to get up? Exactly. This dude was able to fucking jackknife the big show at his you know peak weight you know no no it's not it is not that guy it's it, the guy delivering the jackhammer is not his job to lift you that's not what wrestling is he sandbagged them yeah he did you watch it you watch if you look at the I, I watched this gif like i always like the zapruder film because i really wanted yeah. to like check it out if you see goldberg gets ready to do his little like he kind of leaps up he does like a little jig to kind of say okay now we're gonna go mom only two feet move because bray's feet didn't move at all yeah. So Goldberg deadlifted this asshole and dropped him, and you could tell 
I mean, you could tell the look on Goldberg's face. It's like, fuck, like that hurt a lot. I'm not blaming Goldberg whatsoever for this. People are saying, oh, he's so old. Look how old he is. That No, it takes two to tango. And Bray didn't move. Bray didn't jump. Bray didn't give him anything. Bray didn't leap. He didn't do anything. This fucking nerd who thinks he's smarter than he is was upset about losing the title. Did you see him whining on Twitter too? Hey, because he whined on what Twitter. Fucking dork. Yeah. This fucking nerd who thinks he's some kind of genius and he's not, okay, was upset he was losing the title and he sandbagged Goldberg and it worked because everybody bought into that shit. It's unprofessional. You know, I don't care if the guy's a part-timer dropping in. Okay, they tell you you're losing the, the, the title, a worked title, by the way, that doesn't fucking mean anything. You're not a real champion, buddy. Go in there and you do a professional job. You got a problem with the booking? Show some guts. And he may have done this for all I know. But if you got a problem with the booking, you don't sandbag your opponent. You show some guts and you knock on Vince McMahon's office and you tell him you have a problem with the booking. Show some guts. Be a man. You're a main eventer now. And he may have done that for all we know. But you don't sandbag your opponent, which in essence is sandbagging your WrestleMania main event, by the way. Okay? And then whine on Twitter about it. This guy is so unlikable. It's like he thinks he's some kind of genius, and these characters all stink. They're terrible. Okay? And then he's in there sandbagging the guy and, and sinking the main event of the and, and trying to sink the main event of WrestleMania and everything else. I mean, you can't, it's indefensible. You cannot defend this man. So uh, I had the same takeaway as you. You got to get up for that move. Oh, by the way, he's also 300 pounds or 280 pounds or whatever. He's not a small guy. Okay? He got deadlifted. I thought Goldberg did a pretty good job getting that yeah, guy up. Yeah, he did up. as good as he could. Yeah, for whatever age Goldberg is. 52 or whatever. I'm not getting him up when you're getting sandbagged like that. So now it's like, not only is The Fiend a totally ridiculous and unlikable gimmick and just the dumbest shit, but now, like, the guy is an asshole too, and it's easier to fucking hate it. I mean, what a joke. You know? So, yeah, I don't know. I really didn't mind Goldberg winning. I really didn't mind the match. I didn't really mind him essentially beating him easily. Because I'm not one of these people who thinks The Fiend was especially over or something that was like this great thing that was changing the business. It wasn't. Right, right. Does anyone see the SmackDown ratings graph? He was moved there on day one. 4.7 million people or whatever it was watched proceeded to laugh at The Fiend and were down to 2.2 million viewers a week. So, or 2.3 million viewers or whatever. He doesn't make any difference. No one takes this shit seriously. And you have all these people complaining about the finish and vowing to cancel the network again and vowing to stop watching. And SmackDown's rating went up after, you know, and look, Cena was there. I get it. But put your money where your mouth is. Why'd the rating go up? Why did a half a million more people watch the show? I thought all of you weren't ever going to watch again. God, this fiend is so overrated, Rich. I just can't take it anymore. I mean, if we talked more about WWE, I'd be talking about this every week, how overrated this gimmick is. So, I don't have a problem with it either. I'm way more interested in Goldberg than I am The Fiend. But, you know, maybe that's just us. Yeah. I get the sense it's not, though. I get the sense it's not. I get the sense that Goldberg is going to be a more interesting draw for people come WrestleMania than The Fiend would have been. 
So, oh, absolutely, and that's what they do. Mania season now is that he brings out the old guys, he brings out his old stars, he brings out the people that the fans that don't watch anymore might watch again for one night. I've got the same response to Husky Harris that I have for Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose. Get over. You get over. They're not bringing in fifty-two-year-old right, men they to won't deny you for yeah. WrestleMania. Get over. That's it. That's the answer. Draw three million people every week on Fox. And I guarantee you, Bill Goldberg's not coming in to take your title and take your spot at WrestleMania. Get over. That's the bottom line. Am I wrong here? I mean, you know, a lot of it's the company. I get it. It's hard for anyone to get over, but that's the answer here. So, I, I, you know, fuck that guy. He, he, I'm with you. He's sandbagged. And he's getting a big spot. Here. Come on. He's wrestling John Cena. Yeah. What's he complaining about? He probably doesn't deserve that. So. No. He's lucky to be in that position. You know, quite honestly, I—I I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. Not on this show, anyway. But I mean, I, I mean, okay, fuck it, I'll do it. How long before they're throwing in the towel on the fiend and he's got his next genius idea that doesn't work? Oh, I, I mean, d- how dude, long? three months, three, four months for sure. You think that soon? See, oh, I think yeah. at least a couple of years. Nah, but I, I mean, think so. That thing's gonna burn. That, that's gonna burn. It, it burns bright, and it's gonna it's gonna go out quick too. You know what I mean? Like it's one of these things that like there's gonna come a time where it just gets so goofy and so stupid that even like the most ardent like fiend fans are gonna be like, ah, this is kind of stupid now. So, and what are these like WWE? What are they mad about? The matches all stink. You really want more of that? Guy never has a good match. I, dude, I don't know what I don't know what hardcore WWE fans like or watch anymore. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get, get it, it anymore. Get it. That's like I tweeted out. I was like, I don't understand why you people take this seriously anymore. It's a fucking parody of wrestling. Because I mean, if you like, like the Firefly, if you like the Firefly Funhouse stuff, and you like the Fiend and everything, you're still going to get that every week. But why would you want him at, at on the top of the card when all of the matches are horrendous? This is also we're talking about the main event of a show that took place in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia for, you know, $50 million. And it's like, who fucking cares? It's a joke. The whole company's a fucking yeah. joke. Like it is. The whole company's a joke. An like, why do you, joke. you can't possibly care about this, right? Like, With that said, we will now preview their pay-per-view extravaganza this Sunday. Yes. WWE elimination chamber on the award-winning WWE network. Joe. Uh, yes. There's ready? a preview. You ready? Here we go. Ready? All right. Get into it. Get into I it. Keep the clapping to get in. Andrade defending the United States Championship against Humberto Carrillo. Yeah, so um, Andrade came back. They had a tag match on Raw with Angel Garza and Rey Mysterio Jr. And that's what set this up. So big time one week build for this one. That's not fair. That's not fair. They, it's been, yeah, game. it's been done well. And Andrade got popped. So that kind of derailed it a little bit. So yeah, that's not fair. I can't. This I match can't will be good. Now, the rest of the show, I'm not so sure. Uh, no DQ, Alistair Black versus AJ Styles uh, on paper should be good. The problem is AJ okay. Styles kind of stinks now, and yeah. the no disqualification is just so the, the club can run in and beat up Alistair Black a lot. Correct. And this was literally set up on the one-week build because this all came together on Raw last week um, with, the, with the bad gauntlet match and everything. And You're right. That's why the no DQ is there. So, And AJ Styles, the, 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 dirty, the dirty secret is He's a guy that everyone thinks is great that hasn't been great for like two years. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, have, I don't have high hopes for this. I mean, you see the names, but when you really dig a little deeper, there's no reason to have high hopes for this. Uh, raw tag team titles show you're going to get to see it again. The uh, is it, will this be the uh, will this be the rubber match between these? 
This would be the rubber match, this yes. The, rubber match. the Street Profits, your Raw Tag Team Champions, defend against Seth Rollins and Murphy. I mean, it could be a good match, but the problem is, is Kevin Owens going to get involved again and suck all of the heat away from the Street Profits? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. It's more about Kevin Owens setting up his WrestleMania match with Seth Rollins than it is, you know, because Kevin Owens is the reason the Street Profits won the bout. So, uh, you know, this is like, this is that sneaky thing WWE does where it looks like they're getting behind someone, but really this is all about Kevin Owens. It's not about the Street Profits. So, um, it, it, it's, it makes it easy to be cynical when you're trying to be positive about an act that looked like they were genuinely getting over last week. But I, you know, it's going to probably have a lot of Kevin Owens involvement. Elimination Chamber match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, the much-coveted SmackDown Tag Team titles. Miz and Morrison, uh, who won the titles at uh, Super Showdown, will defend the titles against the New Day, the former champions, as well as the Usos, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, <laughs> and Dolph Ziggler and Robert Rujo. I admit that I am not watching weekly WWE television all that much. Uh, can you let me know what Lindsay Dorado and Grandma Talik did to uh, earn a shot at the WWE SmackDown Tag Team titles in this Elimination Chamber match? Uh, yes, there are two guys that the company thinks can do wild spots off the top of the cage. Yeah. Well, no, who did they beat, Joe? Because, of course, they had to beat a few guys to qualify for this match, I'd imagine. Oh, where are they ranked in the WWE? Yeah, where are they in the rankings? Ranked. Who did they beat? Give me give me the lowdown on this. So, I uh, Yeah, I can't. I can't help you, Rich. Oh. I can't help you with that one. I, I'm not even sure they've ever won a match. That's a tag <laughs> they wrestled? Have they wrestled in months either? Like, I, didn't know. I mean, because it's like this is Lince Dorado and... Mascara Dorada, right? Yes. Oh, oh. Um, what's his name? Grand Metallic. Grand Metallic. This isn't Callisto. Uh, Callisto is not here now. So I don't even know if these two guys specifically have ever won a match teaming together. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. The answer might be no. Um, so you don't think they're winning, or they might win? No, nah, I don't think they're winning. Okay. I gotta tell you, I'm gonna deadpan you the way Meltzer does Alvarez. No, I don't think they're winning. <laughs> right? They're not gonna win, Brian. Um, there was a great one today. Did you hear? Um, uh, Dave said something about um, if Vince McMahon wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, he changes all his plans, right? Oh, right. So Brian said, "Let's move. <laughs> let's move the bed to to a wall so we can only get up on one side." And then Dave went, right. "Well, I don't know where he lives now." <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Vince is living these days because so <laughs> he can't. has a place in New York, but he also has a place in Connecticut and a place in Florida too. So I don't know where he stays these days. <laughs> yeah. So okay. we can't move his bed. And Brian just must be like, dude, I just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, this will be, I, I don't, what do you want me to say? So they, they won, Joe, they won a dark match against uh, Drake Maverick and Drew Gulak on SmackDown. So that must be uh, what got them into this. Oh, well, there you go. It's a big win. Drake Maverick and Gulak. I mean, that's a classic tag team combination. And, and it was a dark match on top of that. So, um, <laughs> At least in the eyes of the that, I can't, I can't find a single tag match that they won. See, that, that's what I mean. It's like, that's not uh, even the... Okay, no, the, the, okay, I did find one. Uh, main event number 363, and I know that was one of your favorite ones. Uh, September 30th, 2019, the Lucha House Party defeated EC3 and Eric Young. So uh, It was this specific combination <laughs> of Lucha think, House Party? Yes, it was, yeah. All right, there you go. Yeah. They won in September. <laughs> they won a dark and match. And it's paid yeah. off now. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and you know, here's the thing. People have the nerve to complain about the AEW ranking system. I know. When you're given something to sink your teeth into, 
and this is the alternative. What else we got? We have a three-on-one handicap match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Braun Strowman, the champion, defending the title against Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. Is this real? Oh, it's real. It's real. The geeks. Three geeks. This isn't real. Three absolute geeks. Yeah. So, Um, okay. So, so, okay. There's a a bunch of different ways this match can go. I did hear your TV reviews, and I, I, I like your idea. That the three guys win the titles and then they have a weird thing where there's like three guys that are a champion. Mm-hmm. I like that because it's a little off the, the the beaten path. It's not something they've done before. You like it in the sense that it sounds like something they would do. It's so fucking terrible and it's something they would do. What's yeah. going to happen though, and I think we all know what's going to happen is, you know, they're going to team up together. Cesaro will do like a big European uppercut and go to pin Braun Strowman and then like Shinsuke will drag him off. And then Sami Zayn will go, no, 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 come on guys. We need to work as a team. Mm. And then Nakamura will do a move, and then he pins him, and then Cesaro pulls him off. And then Sami Zayn goes, no, 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 mm. guys, we got to work as a team. Yeah. And then Braun just beats him up and pins him, and then. Yeah. But I that like your happen. theory better. I, I like your theory better. Happen. I like your theory better, where they just walk around with, like, they all try to wear it at the same time. They, like, put it all around their waists at the same time. <laughs> like, yes. Bump yes. into each other, and it's, like, not big enough to fit around all of them, and. They demand to defend it three versus one each time. Right, right. Or, um, yeah, because it wouldn't be Freebird rules. It'd be three on one every time, right? That's right. Can I propose to you the Austin Aries option C? Ooh, okay. Let's go ahead. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Got good memory, man. Oh, Doing a show a long time. Classic. Oh, God. The uh, pennies. The pennies. All right. <laughs> wet pennies. <laughs> Does it, though? What is he talking about? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, don't. I mean, I'm not like the most vert. I mean, I'm not like you know. Can't say I've you know <laughs> tasted. Oh come on now! Hundreds of them, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine. You know, not hundreds, but you're a man who'll eat a box, right? So it's I, like, they've never tasted like that, so I don't know what he's talking about. Wet pennies? No, I've never encountered wet pennies either. I got to be honest. Um, <laughs> what was that image? I forgot. It's burning it was my a, brain. No, it's like it was a, a, tiger. a tiger. Yeah, it's like tiger <laughs> mask getting like. Oh my god! What the fuck? It was like a tiger man eating a vagina. Right? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what pennies? But you got to remember, it was pennies spelled P E N N Y apostrophe S. What pennies? Yeah. There's some people who have no idea what we're talking about. I know. Hopefully they look it up. Let's leave it that way. I don't want to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up on your own if you want to figure it out. So Yeah, wet pennies. Slim Jims and Kraft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to be honest. I don't have knowing. I haven't knowingly uh, tasted a vagina after eating those specific food combinations. So do we have to give benefit of the doubt here? Would that taste like wet pennies? I don't I don't know. I'll try it. What was it? What was the two foods again? Well, I'll, 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 I can do this. Slim Jim and Kraft macaroni and cheese. Okay, that's not too hard. I can definitely get uh, the. Now you get Michelle that. the. Yeah, right? for sure. That's not far oh. off from her normal diet. So. <laughs> so there you go. So it's like, here's my question. Maybe we should tweet at him. Maybe he'll answer us. Um, did he go down on a lady? And did he like come up and go, poo, fewy, yuck, like the Iron Sheik, right? Like doing the Iron Sheik. And then say, what did you eat? And the lady was like, well, I had some Kraft macaroni and cheese for lunch. And before we met up, I, I, had, a, I had a Slim Jim as a little snack. 
is that how he came up with that? Because maybe he's got knowledge that we don't have about Slim Jim, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, Pootie Tang, Rich. I, I don't know. It's possible. That's yeah. That's I, w- I would say we could reach out to him, but he'd probably just try to sell like some stem cell thing to us. Like, like he's trying I to mean, do AEW, so but fine. He'll quote tweet us and tell us to fuck off and then block us, probably, because he's a very angry man. That's fine. We could do that, uh, though. I mean, do, do we really care if we're blocked by Austin Aries? Not really. I mean, here's the thing, like, and, and a lot of fans can't do this. I don't give I'm I'm a I separate the art from the artist. I don't give a shit that he's a dick. I like watching him wrestle. I think he's really good. It sucks that he's burnt every bridge because he's he's a really good wrestler, you know, but he is a dick. Like he's that I mean, that's just no one can deny that. Um, let's move on from the wet pennies. What were we talking about here? Uh, we were talking about WWE Elimination Chamber. We only have one more match to go, Joe. The big main event for Elimination Chamber, the one that's been publicized the most, the one you're all looking forward to, uh, Elimination Chamber match for the Raw Women's... Wait a minute, sir. Yeah. I never gave you option C. Oh, sorry. Give me option C. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Option C is Braun Strowman just squashes all three of them. Okay. I don't hate now that, that we handle. Now that we handled that important bit of business, we can move on to the main event. The main event here for the yeah. WWE Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania 36, the number one contenders match. Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. Yeah. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. You think, you're, you think your babe's got this? You think Liv's got it? You only live once? I mean, no. Oh. Um, why didn't they just do a men's elimination chamber with Roman and then do Shayna Baszler versus Asuka for the number one contendership. Wouldn't that have made more sense? It would have. <laughs> because Roman doesn't have to do anything no, to good. get to Goldberg, right? Yeah, he's, he's all set. Yeah, he's good to go. Like the other show, I get it because Drew won the Rumble. I have no problem with that story. So Drew McIntyre will face Brock Lesnar. But Roman doesn't even have a match on this show. Like, he just gets the moonwalk in. But why? Like, what did he do? Right? So wouldn't it have made more sense to have Roman go through a chamber and then just do Shayna Baszler versus Asuka? That's the story. Any What are we doing? Right. But you had what are we doing? Somehow you had to, the, the, you're, you're, you're missing the Riot Squad explosion here with Liv, Riot, and Sarah Logan all in there. Well, I mean, considering how shopping at the that, bit to see that. Considering how over that was on Raw, I mean, geez, was there a deader segment in the history of television than Ruby Riot versus uh, Liv with Sarah fucking Sarah Logan as the befuddled referee? <laughs> no one cared. I mean, not a single person in that building cared. And you would think that, like, these wrestlers – forget it. I don't even want to do this. Yeah, let's just move on. <laughs> you, would think that Liv Morgan, you would think that Liv Morgan is like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the way that people talk about her. on And then she has these matches and nobody cares. Not a single person in the building cares about Liv Morgan. Okay? Tremendous glow up, though. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. All-time glow up. God, what an improvement. I know. <laughs> it's, it's worked Oof. for me, too. <laughs> That's going from girl to woman right there. Let me tell I will tell you, uh, the, the nurse is less on the Liv Morgan train now that she found out that she's uh, from New Jersey, though. Sorry to tell you that. What the fuck, man? I'm sorry. You'll have to take it up with her, man. She thought she was Nordic. Great. She thought she was from, like, Norway or something. <laughs> what the sense does that make? She thought she was, like, authentic Swedish or something? Yeah, she thought she was, like, a Swedish or, like, a Norway woman with the blonde hair and the... 
the you weather. Tell her that she's there. not only from New Jersey, but she's an authentic Italian as well. I will tell her that and see. That might that might hurt though. But Gianna Daddio, what yeah, a I name! Sh- I shouldn't have I said that. If someone's name is Gianna Daddio, we t- we had this conversation when she was in NXT. Remember, we said I cannot yeah. believe they changed her name. That is like you're gifted a, a perfect name. Uh, Shopping at gum, just being annoying as fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Remember, circling back to the beginning of the show. Remember, we interviewed Bolt Brady. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The wrestler Bolt Brady. And at the end of the interview, he's plugging his shit. He's like, "Find me at Facebook at Blair Spikes." And you were like, "Hold on a second. Is your name Blair Spikes?" And he's like, "Yeah." And you were like, "Why did you change that?" <laughs> right? That's a great name. That's a great name. It's like the, R- the Ricky Steamboat thing being Richard Blood, and I'm like, "What? <laughs> like, why would you make yeah. Steamboat? Are you kidding?" You did yeah, like, Rick Blood, yeah, and you changed it to Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was uh, in his case, it, it was a gimmick because he looked like Sam Steamboat. So I kind of okay. There's fair. that one's kind of plausible. Like they did the fake uh, family member thing because he looked like him. You know, Blair like Spikes but, rules. That's a great name. What a great name! I mean, Bolt Brady's kind of cool, but Blair Spikes. I mean, you don't need to change anything. You know, and it's not like he was keeping a secret. He publicly plugged it as like his Facebook or whatever the fuck, whatever. I don't know if it was Facebook. You get the idea. But um, yeah, anyway, Gianna Daddio. I mean, it's a great name, but. Okay. I mean, I guess Shayna Baszler's winning, right? I mean, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, you're kidding. So <laughs> I've had enough of this. Let's, let's move on. Okay. That's Elimination Chamber. How now much we'll... I've talked about this behind the I know. I can't believe it. you've talked so much about it. Please stop. Yeah. I'm a hard worker. It's a hard worker. Yeah. Patreon.com slash voice of wrestling as well, too. Uh, listen to all So the Observer time. Awards did, in fact, drop as we were they doing did. the show. We, they did. Yeah. I was a little worried there because Brian Alvarez said momentarily they're going to drop, and then two and a half hours later, they dropped. So. I uh, might have some, uh, might take him up with, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what his uh, definition of uh, momentarily is. So we are, we, I don't know if we have a ton of time to go like deep, deep into this. So maybe we can either try to do this on another week or, or, or whatnot, but there'll be an option. Maybe, uh, we'll uh, do some. maybe we'll do some and then do, how much time do we have here? Uh, let's, uh, let's go about 15, 20. You don't know, do you? you I don't mark, know. I have no fucking You didn't clue. mark the break, did you? You didn't mark the break. I didn't. You didn't mark the break. Okay, so here's the gimmick. I don't know any of these results. Rich knows the results. So do the category, and let's see if any of these surprise me. All right, we'll start here with the Wrestler of the Year, the Luthez Ric Flair Award. Uh, this is a Category A award here. Chris Jericho is your winner. Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. I, I really didn't know... I thought maybe this was one because there was no real strong contender that maybe Willow Spray could sneak in and steal both because I'm assuming he's most outstanding or he should be or, or there should be a criminal investigation if he's not most outstanding. But um, I have no problem with Jericho. I mean, biz- proven business mover and all that and uh, you know matches that got over and good matches and stuff. Do you have any problem with this? I have no problem. With I don't this. at all. Yeah, and by the way, uh, F4WOnline.com, WrestlingObserver.com if you want to follow along with these as well. No, I have no issues with Jericho whatsoever. He uh, just barely beat Okada, number two, uh, only a few uh, hundred points behind uh, Jericho. Number three was Will Ospreay. Number four was Cody. Uh, number five was Adam Cole, rounding out the top five there. So, uh, no, I got no I, issues you know with what? Jericho. So. That's a solid top five. I really – look, Okada had his years. I don't think this was an Okada year. I mean, the thing about the Okada this year was 
it's kind of like Michael Jordan. You probably could have given it to him. Right, but it's boring. But yeah, you just give it to Carl Malone. You know, <laughs> let Malone have his one year, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or Barkley in 93, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, change it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, Jericho did enough to me to where it's like, okay, you can give it to Jericho this year, and it doesn't look stupid. When realistically, if you're looking at Gates and really digging in, maybe you you know you probably should have given it to Okada, but I have no problem with this. Right, I had the same thing. When I was time. when I was doing my votes, like I had Okada, and I was like, ah, it's boring. I'll just move somebody else. And I think I put I either put Will up there or I put Jericho. I forget now. I'd have to look back at it, but yeah, I put one of those two only because like Okada was my pick. But I'm like, ah, it's boring. Let me move somebody else up there. So right or wrong, you know. Yeah. Will Ospreay's wrestling was so good, he got in the top five. Cody, you understand why he's in the top five? And Adam Cole, I get that one too. I yeah, really don't choose with that. Yeah, you know, uh, give the other five real quick. Okay, the other five, yeah, real, real fast here. Uh, Ken, number six, uh, number six, Kento Miyahara, number seven, Kota Ibushi, number eight, John Moxley, number nine, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and number 10, Kenny Omega. No, no lucha, no lucha. Honorable mention, Becky Lynch. It's a terrible pick. <laughs> Only one honorable mention, yeah. The fuck is Becky Lynch getting a vote for? I have no clue. Wait a minute, what am I missing here? <laughs> I guess she main evented WrestleMania, but that match stunk. Yeah, and we all know nothing Ronda. since then. <laughs> right. I mean, the problem with Becky Lynch is her hot period ran from the end of one year into the beginning of another, which screws right, you right, in the right. So that kind of like you get beat based on the arbitrary time periods, you know, because she didn't really have a good 2019 overall. I mean, give me a break. She was dead by the time she got beat at WrestleMania, and then she's just been a person on the show ever since then. Um. Yeah. Okay. I don't have a problem with that category. I guess they're, you know, you you want to get uh, you know, uh, the 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 triple A clown in there somewhere. Is that egregious? I mean, yeah, no, psycho uh, clown. Yeah, he doesn't show up anywhere. Is psycho so. clown in there? I mean, you think he'd be ahead of some of these guys? Is Kento Miyahara a little low? I don't know. Um, you know, is the big deal if he finishes sixth instead of third? Does that bother you? I mean, I'm looking for an angle here, Rich. You got one or no? Not really. No, I'm kind of okay with that top five. <laughs> Everything. Like, I guess maybe no Lucha, uh, but you'll you'll find out later when I go over some awards that uh, the people voting for these probably not very well-versed in uh, Lucha these days. So yeah. wait, till, see- wait till you see this one. There's a tease coming. That's gonna okay, so Psycho Clown belonged in that top ten somewhere. We're agreeing on that. I, I think so, but yeah, you'll, you'll see why he wasn't on that top five or top ten. Okay, let's move it along. Uh, most outstanding, uh, number five, Tomohiro Ishii, number four, Shingo Takagi, number three, Kotobushi, number two, Okada, and number one, no doubter, Will Ospreay. Yeah, he was going to clean up on that. Where'd Pac finish? Uh, Pac, not listed. And he didn't finish in the Flair Thez either. He did not, no. So he was not That's, he, Okay, now I'm mad. Now I'm mad. He's got to get on one of them. Lit. I mean, I would have him top three for Flair Thez. I mean... Well, no, not Flair Thez for uh, this. Most outstanding, most outstanding. Yeah, Yeah, I would have had Will, Pac, Will number one, and then Pac and Shingo in some order with Kento Miyahara, a really tough cut. I mean, you know, that would have been mine. Where's Miyahara? He finished eighth. He finished eighth. Who, Miyahara? Yes. I mean, that's a joke, but considering the voting base probably didn't watch a ton of his matches, it's, it's, it's. It's not no. You know what? That's bad. I'm not going to make any qualif. That's bad. He was there's no way he was only the eighth best wrestler this year. Who are some of the people ahead of him? So Ray Phoenix and Johnny Gargano were ahead of him, and I love Phoenix, but not no. <sighs> Phoenix didn't do enough this year to, to Gargano. Play. I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Um, Phoenix, 
I don't know. He's really fucking good. I like him. He's good. Who were the top him. five again? I might have him ahead of some of those. Uh, Will, Okada, Ibushi, uh, Shingo, and Ishii. So all yeah, these Japan guys. All these Japan guys. I would have him ahead of Okada and Ibushi. Ibushi would be my number five. Because Ibushi had a great year. Um, look, okay. The category's tougher than I thought, but... There's a lot of good wrestlers this year. <laughs> Honorable mentions real quick. Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Takashita from DDT, Daniel Bryan, and Valter. Daniel Bryan? <laughs> well, you know, hey. Daniel Bryan? Hey. Really? <laughs> I guess. I mean, uh, I'm complaining about, like, six, number 16 finisher, but... Um, it's a bad pick. I, I guess there's some people who just watch WWE and AEW. And, and he's good if you just do Bryan. that. Yeah, if you just, if you just yeah, watch if WWE, you have, he's good. Or, because I mean, really, who would you take for? Well, I don't know. With NXT in the mix, I don't even know if I'd have him third. If I'm just doing W, I don't know. But um, did you give me the rest of the? Who was nine and ten? I don't think you told me. Who uh, nine and ten. I thought I did. Nine was Adam Cole. And number ten was Kenny Omega. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm annoyed that Pac's not, not there, but uh, I don't. I feel like Pac needed to be on one of these lists. Yeah, he should have been a somewhere, for sure. And I feel like he's not on any of them now because these were the two that he had a chance. But uh, a, a, a spray win by like 9,000 oh, points. Oh, yeah, he like doubled. The- he almost doubled or tripled Okada. <laughs> so, yeah, he was. Okay. it wasn't even close. Like nobody's vote was going to make or break that whatsoever. So, Tag okay. team What's of that? the year. So... I don't the even young, know where I would have went, to be honest. So the I young guess Bucks the Bucks won in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, yeah. and 2018. And Joe, your tag team of the year in 2019, were- Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Okay, so the, I was going to say, I guess the Bucks would have won again because I don't know where people were going to go with it. But I'm problem with that. I mean, um, well, okay, give me the, the rest of the top five. And I'll okay, you. you'll see very quickly people ran out of good teams. <laughs> And just named teams because it's a tough it's a tough category yeah issue. so you'll see the top five is like i have no issue with the top five and then it's just like hey who are tag teams let me write them down uh so you have right. phoenix and pentagon number one uh the bucks yeah. number two uh fish and o'reilly number three i have no issues with any of those orders uh no. santana and ortiz number four suwama and suji ishikawa fifth you ready for this yeah number six gorillas of destiny Okay, I mean, no, that's just like I got to think of names that people said. This is what people did. They said they were tag team champs basically all year in the second biggest promotion, so they voted for them. I mean, look, I would not vote for them, but I'm not surprised people did. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, Shiozaki and Nakajima came in in seventh. Uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky came in eighth. Ninth (laughs) behind Kazarian and Scorpio Sky uh, was Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, and number ten was Mark. Uh, and Jay Briscoe. This will make you more upset when I mention the honorable mentions because there is one team that is missing and should not be missing at all. They're obviously not voice wrestling okay. listeners. Uh, Viking Raiders honorable mention, Show and Yo, New Day, and then Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express. No Ishimori and LP. Yeah, I they mean. They should be on there somewhere. I'm t- you know. I mean, here's the Kazarian thing. Kazarian and Sky, like, really? Here's the thing. Eagles and Willow Spray making the top 10 is very impressive when you consider they basically just had one four-match feud with the team you just named. And they still managed to make the top 10. And they would have been my number three or something, probably, which is impressive. They just didn't put the other team in the feud, which is interesting. 
Um, I think Eagles and Osprey were the better team of the two, but it's kind of weird that they made the top 10 and the only, and the, their opponents in that feud didn't make it at all. I, I could see what you're saying there. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, so Axis finished seventh? Yes. Okay, so people are going to gripe about that one. But the thing is, I know they were a lot of people's picks, and I thought they were a good team. I didn't think – I thought they had a bunch of good matches, but no real great ones. So I don't really don't have a big problem with that. I don't think I would have had them in my top three. I probably would have had them in my top five, but not my top three. Um, but I, you know what? I don't know. I really don't know what I would have done with this category. Honestly, I probably would have voted for the Bucks for business reasons. Is probably what I would have done, right? Right. Because the matches obvious. The matches were obvious enough, and the bit and they're they're the they're the best drawing tag team in the world. That's indisputable. So I probably would have voted for them. It's weird. The Bucks finally lose, and this might have been the year they deserved it the most. <laughs> right, I agree. Right. It's it's like potentially their most important year they've ever had. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they probably won some years on the backs of really great matches and, and all that. I get it, and it's like, but this year they may have deserved the award the most, and it's the year they didn't win it. But I can't gripe with the winners. Those two guys are great, and they had great matches with the Bucks and everybody else. All right, we'll move on to uh, what do we got here? Uh, uh, best on interviews. Uh, Chris Jericho was the winner. Pretty big lead over number two, Cody. Uh, MJF, John Moxley, Zach Sabre Jr. rounded out your top five. Uh, also listed Nick Aldis, Becky Lynch, Daniel Bryan, David Starr, and Samoa Joe were your top ten. Those are all good promos. You skipped all the MMA guys, I assume? Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, No, actually, there weren't any MMA guys in the uh, best on interviews. <sighs> Connor didn't make it this year. Huh? No, I was surprised. Yeah, I was, I was definitely surprised. All those guys you named and girls are great promos. And um, obviously, I have zero problem with Chris Jericho winning. No, that. he'd my, he'd be my pick, runaway for sure. MJF was second. Uh, MJF was third. Cody was second. Oh, Cody was second. MJF's gonna win a bunch of those, you know. Oh, for sure. No, he's that's gonna he's gonna win that award for like five years straight. He's, down the line. he's gonna win a bunch of those. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was any kind of dark horse guy that might have, but uh, Samoa Joe would have been it. But I see that he's on there. Yeah, he got the top ten. Honorable mention was Jay White, Paul Heyman, Bray Wyatt. Ugh. Uh, Will Osprey, Kevin Owens, and Tim Storm. Tim Storm, honorable mention. I like that. I don't mind. I, I could see Vaughn. He's a great, great promo. If you're, if you're talking about a promo getting you emotionally invested in what the wrestler is doing, he might not have made my ballot, but I could see why he'd make someone's ballot because his promos succeed in what they're trying to achieve. I mean, why would any, why would anyone else care about Tim Storm at this point? It's his promos. He wins people over with his promos all the time. That's cool to see. That's really cool to see that he made that list. All right. Uh, promotion of the year uh, wasn't really close. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling won uh, pretty handily. Number two, All Elite Wrestling. Number three, WWE. Number four, NWA. Uh, we'll skip UFC, which was number five. Then it was Dragon Gate, Stardom, DDT, AAA, OTT, and then the rounding out the top ten, All Japan Pro Wrestling. So AAA finished behind who? Let me hear this. Uh, finish behind WWE, All Elite Wrestling, New Japan, Dragon Gate, Stardom. Uh, did I say DDT yet? Yes, DDT. Okay, AAA shouldn't have finished behind most, if not all, of those promotions. Keep, keep, keep your outrage. Just keep it for a sec. Hold on, hold on a second. AAA finished behind Stardom. Joe, hold it. I'm telling. There's it, something coming it, later that will make w- you more w- upset. W- I'm telling you. Just hold on a sec. What place did they finish again? They finished. Eighth. You can call gonna... UFC in this. That's fine. It's a finish what? 
They finished eighth. Well, if you move, if you take UFC out, they finished seventh. But yeah. So they finished eighth. And Dragon Gate, I can't, I love Dragon Gate. How did Dragon, and they had a nice no. bounce back here. I'm telling you, wait. Don't, don't get on your rant yet. Triple does business. And I, uh, what was nine and 10? <laughs> Just wait for it. Just wait. Uh, nine and 10 was uh, OTT and All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, it's good to see OTT on the list. Good to see the OTT on the list. What did they do? Honorable mention here? No. Now we're just uh, they did, but yeah, it was just like yeah. At this point, it's just name like Impact and Game Changer uh, were, were you know I, I like no, Game, Game Changer. Game Changer should be on the top ten for sure. Yeah, come on now, Game Changer. But then who do you knock off? I guess look, Game Changer had a better year in Stardom. For yeah, God's sorry. Sake. Well, OTT. I'm sorry. I like OTT, but I think Game Changer probably. I, I don't know OTT. They did the big shows early part of the year that you might be forgetting about. Um, that's probably a decent comparison. But Game Changer, um, uh, man, I don't know. I, I I would think there'd be room for them on the top 10. Um, okay, so what's what am I going to be outraged about here? You just want me to skip to it right now? I guess stardom, though, on the back of uh, match quality, you think? Right, right, right. Because people I mean, really love that shit. The you match want to skip right to the, the, the one that you're going to be upset about? You, you really want to tell me something here. What's okay, going on? Right, what is it? Let's, let's do this here. Okay. Because the stardom people are going to get mad at me, but it, it, they, it's probably due to the match quality. But I just, when I think of promotion of the year, I I put heavy weight on the side of it. Worst promotion of the year, Joe. It's not it's not AAA, but they're they're uh, WWE one Runaway. Uh, number two, okay. Ring of Honor. Number three, Impact Wrestling. Number four, CMLL. Number five, AAA. That's bad. That's bad. And I'm not even the biggest AAA cheerleader, but they are not the fifth worst. They they don't belong on any list of the worst promotions of the year. That's bad. It's not good. It's not good. The other four, no problem. WWE, obvious. Uh, Ring of Honor, horrendous year. Impact, always a contender. <laughs> Who's the other one? CMLL. Uh, yeah, tremendous, bad terrible year. year too, yeah. No one would argue with that. Number five, that's a bad job. Does this go 10 deep? Uh, it goes 7 deep, because number 6 is progress, and number 7, get these edgelords, AEW, they stink. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible vote, but um, <laughs> progress, I can understand getting votes. Though. For sure. Yeah. But um, AAA doesn't belong on that list, and neither does AEW. That's, But AAA, I mean, AEW probably just got a few scattered votes that were probably one of the meaningful numbers. like number, 10 votes, yeah, they were like 10 votes. Didn't matter what that doesn't mean votes. anything. But AAA being on that list in the top five is a disgrace. That's not, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah, you're just not watching. You're just voting No, because I don't know what you're, you're voting saying. based on funny tweets about Triple Mania or something. You know, Vampiro farting. Was that this year or last year? I think it was last year even. Yeah, I don't, even this year's Triple Mania wasn't even like that crazy. No, it, it was, was good. Yeah. It was like a fine wrestling show. It was yeah, no, that's that's a disgrace. Yeah, yeah, that you can't have that. That's bad. That's a bad job for the voters. Bad job. All right, so we will have to go a little quick through some of these other ones here. A best weekly TV show, uh, Dynamite won. Dynamite had the win. Yeah, NXT, NWA Power, uh, New Japan on Access, and Being the Elite was a uh, top five. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have any problem with any of that. Uh, what do you think about sixty-six people voting for uh, NXT UK? Or it got sixty-six points. I don't know how. Uh, I mean, NXT UK isn't terrible. It's just kind of boring. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's very boring. <laughs> like kind every of couple of weeks, there's a great match on it that no one talks about because no one watches. But I mean, I you, listen, would I rather watch NXT UK? If you told me you have to watch one of these shows all 52 weeks next year, 
NXT UK or Raw. I'd pick NXT UK. Oh, no. Goddamn. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so you know, it's like, I don't know if it's like uh, what point I'm trying to prove there, but I guess <laughs> it's not the worst wrestling show on TV. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Uh, crossing match of the year, exactly the same as ours. Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi uh, were your number one. Number two was Tanahashi and Omega, which I believe is ours as well. Number three, Cody and Dustin. So the top three, exactly the same as ours. Wow. So interesting <laughs> there. And uh, I- I'm going to do an exact, like uh, when we have a little bit more time, I'm going to, I'll do a, a comparison of the, our, our top 10 versus their top 10. Okay, so we'll go deeper ours. on this one. Yeah, we'll time. do that another day. Cause yeah, we've, we've done enough match of the year coverage and there's so many other awards I wanted to get to. Um, so we got that. Uh, move on to these ones here. Uh, U.S. Canada MVP Chris Jericho won in a runaway uh, for U.S. Canada MVP. Well, if he's the overall MVP, it would stand the reason that he's the MVP in his region. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even close. Other guys were Cody, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Nick Gage was uh, your top five. So, uh, good for Gage. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's a good spot for him. I, yeah, I had no problem with that. I mean, where else are you going to go? You're not giving it to a Ring of Honor guy. Um, You've got the WWE. Rep- maybe what main roster? W- you want to yeah, get like Brock Seth in Rollins there? got votes and stuff, but it's like, yeah, I'd rather give it to fucking Nick Gage than Seth. You know, Rollins, I mean, so. at least Gage. I mean, he's drawing coast to coast. At least you know, and it, 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 good for. It, I'm, I'm I'm glad that happened. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, Japanese MVP Okada in a blowaway. Uh, number two was Will Ospreay. Number three, Kenta Miyahara. Number four, Kota Bushi. Number five, Tetsuya Naito. Your top five for. Argue. MVP, uh, Mexico MVP, Ray Phoenix, number one. Gonna probably make some people mad. Number two, Arush. Number three, LA Park. Number four, uh, Pentagon Jr. And then number five, Dragon Lee. Where's the clown? The clown is seventh. Psycho clown number seven. Don't love it. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't love it either. This is gonna make some people real upset. Can you make it got 13 votes? I mean, I don't know. I know, I know. I'm just saying, can you, I know that there's tweets right now screenshotting and, and getting upset about it. I'm just, I'm just saying. So, I mean, it's not terrible. He didn't threaten to win the damn thing. And he, he was, he did good things in Mexico this year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, not, I'm not on board with that one. What else? Uh, Europe MVP, uh, Valter won uh, in a blowaway. Will Ospreay, number two. David Starr, number three. Zach Sabre Jr., number four. Uh, and Jordan Devlin, number five. Yeah, you can mix and match that those five, I would say. Yeah, I'm fine with those numbers. Like, I may have said Star, but I someone could have said Devlin. I'd be fine with Yeah, I, I have no issue with what, any of that order. So, yeah. Uh, women's Wrestling MVP, Becky Lynch, blew away the uh, competition. She was number one. Number two, Tessa Blanchard. Number three, Shayna Baszler. Number four, Ronda Rousey. Uh, number five, Io Shirai. <sighs> I really don't want to go Lynch there, but I don't know where else I'm going to go. Um, I mean, honestly, I think Ronda Rousey was more valuable than Lynch, but at the same time, Rousey was gone three months into the year and Lynch was there all year. Um, I guess it's fine. Yeah, I have no, I don't know. There's no standout. It's fine. I'm trying to go another way and I can't. So. Uh, best, best box office draw. My least favorite category of the year. Chris Jericho won in a blowaway. Number two was Brock Lesnar. Uh, number three was John Jones. But we're going to skip him. Uh, so the wrestling number three was Okada. The wrestling number four was Kenny Omega. And the wrestling number five was Cody. So I don't know if I'd go with Jericho. No, I, I mean, wouldn't either. He but, moves ratings, but 
Um, Stupid award. <laughs> I don't want to talk don't about it. Build those buildings. I see. I don't mind this award. I think there's. Uh, I think it's it, it's always kind of fun to debate what you value. Uh, it's the television ratings, the buildings, who drew, who who truly were the draws in the building. I don't know. I get into it, but uh, I don't know. I don't, have, I don't have a strong feeling about. It. I have to look at it closer. Uh, feud of the year: Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano was your winner. Uh, number two, Jericho and Cody. Number three, Bucks and uh, Pentagon and Phoenix. Number four, Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. Number five. Jushin Liger and Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, I always struggle with feud of the year. No, Star Devlin would definitely be in my top five. It was sixth. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I always stare at my fucking sheet and I never know what to put. The feuds, feuds just don't move me like they used to. And it's like there's in ring bell to bell feuds that I like, but when I think feud, I think people who hate each other. I don't think who's the better wrestler and they had five matches this year, you know, something like Naito versus Abushi or something doesn't move me as like a few, the word feud implies hate. I want hate. And, um, I struggle with what I'm going to pick every year, uh, when it comes to that, but I could see why Gargano and Cole would win in a poll like this. Uh, most improved. You'll find this one pretty interesting. Lance Archer or uh, voice wrestling ebook. Forward writer, Lance Archer, uh, wins this one. Number two, John Moxley. Number three, Jungle Boy. Number four, Rhea Ripley. And number five, Taichi. Jungle Boy. Okay. Um, I don't know that any of those people drastically improved. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, Jungle Boy, like, what did he wrestle, like, eight times before this year? <laughs> like, I guess, yeah, I guess improved. I mean, yeah, Lance I Archer got a singles push, so people saw that he could Yeah, go. I don't think he got better. I think he just got more opportunities to be show what he could do. That's always the issue with these kind of awards, because it's it comes down to um, what Jungle Boy? Jungle Boy? He hasn't been impressive at all. <sighs> um, I don't get the Jungle Boy thing. Um, I don't know, but then see if I'm going to complain, I've got to give you an op. I've got to give you, you know, a different option, and I can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I bet I could come up with one though if we had more time. That would be better than any of those five. Um, how about Nao and Nomura? Yeah, I, I could buy that. How about Ben K? Mm, yeah, I don't mind that one either. I thought he's been he's been good, I think, for a while. But no, I, I don't mind that. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm just trying to come up with some. Yeah, well, uh, now we're just wasting time. So I feel like there's obvious ones I'm not thinking of, but I just I'm not I'm not in love with those five as far as most improved go. Maybe yeah, Rhea Ripley is the best one on that list. Yeah, I would say she she drastically improved uh, this year. So. But I'm not in love with those others. I feel like some are just product of a push. I mean, did John Moxley figure out how to wrestle this year? I don't no, buy I mean, that. God, I mean, he just wasn't used well. That's just not. He just wasn't used well. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I. I don't know. Let's move on. All right, we'll uh, just move on to a few more of these here. Most most charismatic, Chris Jericho, number one. Number two, Cody. Number three, Naito. Uh, number four, Tanahashi. Number five, uh, MJF. Got no issues with any yeah, of those. That's that's uh, Brian Danielson Award, the best technical wrestler. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. won in just like a fucking ungodly blowout. 
As well, he should. He had 895 points. Number two, Daniel Bryan had 97. So yeah, he had 800 point, more points. Any of the boring grapple fuckers get on uh, there? Well, I don't want to get in trouble here. Uh, Jonathan Gresham had uh, 32. He was fifth. Uh, and Timothy Thatcher finished seventh. So Why would you get in trouble? Well, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't find Jonathan Gresham boring. Uh, Timothy Thatcher, I find boring as fuck. So I, don't, I like Gresham, too. Yeah. I just, but people know what we mean when we say that. Yeah, just, right, right. You know, where's, uh, where's, uh, all-time great. Oh, Hideki Suzuki, not. Yeah, I don't see him on here. So Now I didn't make the list. I'm yeah. surprised. Surprised. All, right. All those exciting matches, I'm surprised he didn't crack the list. Uh, best Brawler, the Bruiser, uh, the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award. Uh, Tomoru Ishii won uh, 474 points. John Moxley, number two. Shingo Takagi, number three. Minoru Suzuki, number four. And Valter, number five. I would have went Moxley over Ishii this year. For sure. Oh, for Brawler, of course. Yeah, he was a Brawler this year. That's yeah. His wrestling style is Brawl. Like, you watch that Revolution main event. He did, like, three moves. He did clotheslines, elbow drops, and punches. Was all he did that entire match. Where's Gage? Uh, Gage is number eight. Yeah, I mean, I would have went Moxley, Gage. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I would have went Gage. I, I think his matches kind of stink. But um, I get why people would vote for him. And I don't know if I consider, like, death matches and, and plunder matches. I don't I don't know. I, I don't know if I consider that brawling, necessarily. That's a conversation for another day. For sure. Um, best flying wrestler, Will Ospreay won pretty handedly. Ray Phoenix, uh, number two, Dragon Lee. Uh, Vikingo number four and Ricochet number five. So I, I would have voted Vikingo, but I have no issue with Will Ospreay. That makes all sense in the world. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, I don't know if he's the most dynamic. He's not the guy who's creating new dynamic moves anymore. But in terms of a guy who works the flying into his matches in a logical and cohesive way, and uh, yeah, there, you can't complain. You really can't complain about that. Unless you're just going to vote for who you think was the most dynamic breathtaking kind of flyer and that's an okay way to do it too then you might go in a different direction but yeah yeah i don't really have a problem with that i think ray i think phoenix to me is he's the guy who takes my breath away the most in terms of what the f- just do and how did he do it so there's a lot of different ways you can go there all right we're gonna do, i guess we're gonna do a throwback for our episode here we haven't done one of these in a while but uh I don't know how you want to handle this because we are very, very much out of time. It's still have a bunch more uh, of these to go. So I, 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 we can't do an overrun tonight. So I don't know what you want to do. Do you want to just blow through this and go? Just run through them. Just run through Let's them. There's not that many left. Uh, most overrated. King Corbin in an absolute fucking blow away knockout bl- TKO against everybody yeah. else. Number two was Seth Rollins. Number three, Bray Wyatt. Number four, Lacey Evans. Number five, uh, Shane McMahon. I agree with all five of those in that order. They're fantastic. Yeah, it's a perfect top five there. All uh, five of those in that order. Bray Wyatt, I may have p- put a little higher, but Corbin is just no. There's no question. I mean, he should have won. A, he he should have been everyone's number one vote, and nobody else. Seth Rollins is a great pick. He was a total flop. I mean, yeah, that I agree with that entire order. Um, most underrated. This is always a fun one, sir. The most underpushed, technically. Number one, Shorty G. And a pretty uh, pretty big win too for him, and I I, I tend to agree with that. So I'm down there. Uh, Matt Riddle number two. Oh, sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off. Uh, number ahead. two, number Matt two. Riddle. Number three, Toa Hinare. Number four, Ricochet. Number five, Tomohiro Ishii. See, I think guys like Ricochet and Matt Riddle will probably be better picks because I think they have more upside than a uh, Chad Gable. Uh, so I probably would have put them a little higher, and that th- those make a lot of sense. Um. Ishii made that list. 
He did, yeah, and I was kind of surprised by that. I will, yeah. I will tell you, one, one of the, uh, the honorable mentions would have been my number one pick, and that's Tyler Bate. A guy yeah. who, I mean, he should yeah, be he the man. Bit. He should be a huge star, and he's just fucking wrestles 10 times he, a year now. So. Yeah. yeah, he did nothing. That's a real good point. Uh, move on here to Rookie of the Year, Jungle Boy. Uh, won pretty uh, convincingly. Uh, Carl Fredericks, number two. Number three for wrestler. Well, God, I guess number three for wrestlers was Cain Velasquez. I wanted to skip Cain Velasquez, but he no, no, yeah. he's a wrestler. So number four, Clark Connors. And number five, Chris Statlander. Yeah, this is interesting because for the first time in like eight years, we did not send Dave a crowdsourced list of rookies and with their qualifications based on his criteria. And I was interesting who he would count and who he wouldn't count. Um, there's a lot of arguments that should say Jungle Boy and Carl Fredericks, neither of which should have counted. Um, but he decided to count them. So there they are on the list. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just a matter of who you're going to count and who you're not going to count. I think people are going to get real fired up about Jungle Boy beating Carl Fredericks. Um, do I think Jungle Boy is better than Carl Fredericks? No. Not even close. No, in two years' time, that's going to be laughable, but yeah, it's fine for now. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's close. I think that Carl Fredericks is leaps and bounds a better professional wrestler than Jungle Boy. Um, but I'm lower on Jungle Boy than most. I mean, I just I don't see the upside everyone else sees. And that award isn't about upside. That award is about what they did in their rookie year. Right. And if you're going to sit here and tell me with a straight face that Jungle Boy had a better year than Carl Fredericks, I mean, I'm, I disagree. Am I fired up and angry about it? No. Because I don't think either one of those guys are rookies. So I don't even think either one of them should have been on the list. Carl Fredericks has been wrestling since like 2015 or something like that. He's not a rookie. Um, Jungle Boy, I don't know. Maybe you can make a better case for him. But uh, I don't think either one of those guys um, are rookies to begin with. Who was third? Uh, third was Ken Velasquez. Which... Eh, I don't know. He's fine. He's fine. Was he? I uh, don't think he was that good. Statlander might be the closest thing to an actual rookie who was good enough to win. I'd have to check Jungle Boy's records. I, I Carl Fredericks is not a rookie, though. I know. I know he. It's his first time in a major league promotion, but when you've been wrestling years, yeah. that long, <laughs> right. it should disqualify you, and it has in the past disqualified people. So. I don't know. I think people thought we were going to go crazy about that one. I, I don't Yeah, whatever. I don't have strong emotions on it. Uh, best non-wrestler, Paul Heyman won, convincingly. Number two, Zelina Vega. Number three, Selena De La Renta from MLW. Number four, Gato. And number five, Tully Blanchard. I don't know about that number five, but that's all right. Blanchard is not... <laughs> Good. And Heyman, I don't even know if Heyman should be number one there. Did Lord Gideon Gray pop up anywhere? Lord Gideon Gray did not pop up anywhere. That is an absolute fucking travesty. This guy is so good. And, um, I mean, I know no one's watching Rev Pro in comparison to some of these other places, but, um, I mean, he's so good, I'd consider signing him. I mean, I, I think he's that good as a manager. I might be out to lunch, but surprised he didn't get any support whatsoever. Uh, move on here to uh, best television announcer, Kevin Kelly won. Um, far and away the winner, which is a good pick for me. Uh, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, Marvin Ronaldo, and Nigel McGuinness rounded out your top five. So Where's Riccoboni? Uh, Ian Riccoboni not listed, which is a complete travesty. Oh, come on. Now I'm upset. I agree. Who's ahead of him? Um, Chris Charlton, Don Callis, Hugo Savinovich, 
Jim Ross, Jim Cornette, Nigel McGuinness, Mar Ronaldo, Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, Kevin Kelly. I'm going to leave Savinovich out of this. I don't understand the language. Okay. I think that's silly when people vote for the Japanese guys if you don't speak Japanese. Same thing. You're like, I don't understand the language. I don't know if he's good. Um, some of those names, though, I mean, I'm taking Riccoboni over at least half of those names. Absolutely. That's, that, that's a fucking disgrace. I, that, I might be more mad about that than anything I've heard so far. That he didn't even get his name on the list. Ah, come on. Ah, give me a break. I mean, there's people on that list who wouldn't put themselves over Ian Riccoboni. Don't like it. I don't mind Kelly winning, but I don't like that. I, that, that upsets me. He better not be on the next list. <laughs> he's not i don't think so um oh god i lost my place where were we oh god i was i was looking ahead to see where we were okay uh we're cv announcer Corey graves one uh number two michael cole number three beth phoenix number four renee young number five jim ross yeah all those people kind of stink to varying degrees i don't even have a problem with the order no nah, it's fine it's perfect yeah i would have put morrow a little higher he's he was sixth but that's all right Morrow is now the guy who gets votes for best and worst. There's right. always a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see Matt Striker. Remember, you get votes oh, for yeah, best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll move on to uh, best major show of the year. AEW Double or Nothing was the winner there. Uh, number two, Wrestle Kingdom. Number three, a Takeover New York. G1 Final and the Best of the Super Juniors Final were your uh, top five. Takeover New York, G1 Final, Super Junior Final. Okay. All right. Yeah. Those are all reasonable choices. That's fine. Uh, the worst major wrestling show of the year, which I think may have to become the Saudi Arabia Memorial Award. Yeah. Uh, Super Showdown from uh, 6 7. Uh, that one. Number two was Hell in the Cell. Number three was Crown Jewel. Number four was TLC. And number five was WrestleMania. All well earned. <laughs> God. Remember how all the WWE guys were like, WrestleMania was great this year. You fucking, they were, you nuts. Stunk. It stunk. The people have spoken. Uh, most disgusting promotional tactic here. WWE continuing to do business in Saudi Arabia with 920 points. Yeah. Number two was USADA's handling of John Jones, which had 21. So, yeah. All uh, right. ROH using Edzo and Cass at MSG without telling New Japan was uh, second among pro wrestling. Uh, right. The Mike and Maria pregnancy angle was third among wrestling shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE using Roman Reigns' cancer to draw a raw rating. Rounds out your. Ah. Uh, uh. Yeah, I'm not touching that one with yep. a 10 <laughs> I'm just going to scroll down. I'm not touching that one with it. People get real antsy about that one. Uh, but I'm scrolling down. Worst television show. Worst TV show, Raw, number one. SmackDown, number two. Ring of Honor, number three. Impact, and then NWA Power. All fair. Yeah, Raw's won like nine I, years in a row or so. You know what I mean? Like it's like whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, SmackDown wasn't terrible for a lot of the year. Um Power, I could see why people hate it if they hate it. And Impact is yeah, I mean Impact wasn't horrible either, but that gets a lot of reputation votes, I think. For sure. But uh yeah. worst match of the year, uh the Fiend versus Seth Rollins. Oh, yeah. the that was a blowaway winner. Yeah. Not How many Fiend blowaway. matches made this list? Uh let's see. Uh, actually, only we that one. That only that honest. one. Yeah, only that one. Really, there's no one's gonna vote for Brian. They don't right, like voting right, for right, Brian. Right, for right. It's, you know what was uh, uh Taker top. Goldberg, Braun Strowman, Tyson Fury, uh, Dalius versus Metallic at uh in Mexico City, uh, Bully Ray, Shane Taylor, and Silas Young versus Flip Gordon, Juice Robinson, and Mark Haskins at the uh, <laughs> Super Card of Honor. That match did fucking stink. Uh, and then Shane McMahon, Roman Reigns. Uh, 
was, it was oh crazy. yeah yeah it was a yeah. terrible match uh worst feud of the year i mean just absolute blow away here seth rollins and the fiend oh yeah uh, you'll like this one too so the top five uh, yeah. great. we should never lost yeah exactly uh rusev and bobby lashley is number two roman yeah. reigns king corbin number three seth rollins baron corbin number four baron corbin versus shorty g number five seth rollins and becky lynch versus baron corbin and and, and lacey evans number six wow screenshot that and send it to corbin <laughs> yeah, it's so now, cool. you know he's gonna quote tweet us but i don't care yeah. i want i want uh, him to see that. yeah he's gonna uh just put thoughts at Baron Corbin. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's do it right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, let's save that right now. And okay. Yeah, we'll get that out. That's out right now. Okay. Uh, worst promotion of the year, WWE. I mean, it wasn't even close to the other ones. Um, oh, we mentioned those. We already went through those. Yeah, you did that. Uh, best Booker, Gato, and just like an absolute fucking <laughs> decimation of everybody else. Tony Khan, number three. Mid-South Tony coming in number third. Mm. Who's two? Uh, Paul Levesque, sir. Okay. Did no Sawa out of the question? Sneak uh, <laughs> no Sawa out of the question was not listed. No. Oh, shameful. Tragic, Maybe this yeah. year. Uh, promoter of the year, Tony Khan beat uh, Harold May and Kadani, Polovec, Shinshiro Takagi, and William Patrick Corbin at Billy. Khan earned it. He's the best promoter this year. He started up a promotion from nothing and they were profitable within three months. Um, you know, they're, they're doing great on television. That's well earned. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you know, do you remember? Do you know Corbin's? Uh, are we already blocked by Baron Corbin? Are we? <laughs> I might not be able to add him. It's not showing up. Let me. Okay, one Baron. It's King Corbin now. Corbin, maybe Twitter. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Baron Corbin WWE. Let's see if I can tag him. Okay, I swore I typed that in and it didn't come up. But Cor- okay, there it is. Okay. So Baron Cor- at Baron Corbin WWE. Or do you want me to do thoughts? Yeah, I, I, yeah. There we go. Baron Corbin. Yeah. Cool. There we go. All right. That should get us blocked or quote tweeted pretty soon. Perfect. All right. Uh, best gimmick, The Fiend. Joe, The Fiend was the best gimmick of the year. God. Uh, also listed Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy, MJF, and Darby Allen. So. Okay. Worst gimmick, Shorty G. Did The Fiend come up on that? The Fiend was third in worst gimmick. So it was very, very polarizing. Shorty G might be worse. I got no. Be Shorty G is way worse than the feed. Shorty G is an all time <laughs> bad. Like I cannot wait. In ten years, we go back and and discuss Shorty G existing at any point. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So that's 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 uh, best pro wrestling book, Joe. You've been waiting for this one. Crown us. I'm ready. There were no major books this year. There were no major books. Number nine, Strong Style by Scott Norton. Get the fuck out of here. You lost, Scott. Eat shit, Scott Norton. (laughs) Vicious and delicious. Get the fuck out of here. Japan, the Ricky Dozan years. Uh, Haru uh, Yamaguchi. I don't know who you are, but fuck off, dude. Nobody cares about Ricky Dozan. What's that? (laughs) He's dead. He got stabbed. Fuck off. That's right. Uh, Behind the Curtain by James E. Cornette. Listen, Cornette's a loser. Nobody likes him anymore. Yeah, he can't even keep a job. And for very good reason, he finished below the true number one book of the year. What else we got? Brute Power by Bugsy McGraw. Listen, Bugsy. Did you I know that hated book existed? I got to send you that book. I got to find that book and send it to you. I hated watching him wrestle with a passion, and I take great pleasure in defeating Bugsy McGraw for book of the year. There you go. All right. Number five, the Mid-Atlantic Championship by Dick Bourne. 
Ah, oh, come on. What a dry read that must be. It's boring as fuck, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Storytellers by Greg Oliver and Steve Johnson. Uh, you know what? No story time. Okay, our book is all about facts. What's next? Mayor Kane by Glenn Jacobs. The fucking mayor of Knoxville County, whatever the fuck Tennessee can't even win. This as much Lord. glee as I took in defeating Bugsy McGraw, I take twice as much glee in stomping a mud hole in Kane. God, that's satisfying. <laughs> Do we get sent something in the mail for winning this? Or I how does think this we work? get a plaque. Yeah, we, I'm sure we get a plaque. Um, All right, let's go. Oh, hold on a minute. Number two. Yeah. Voices of Wrestling, New Japan Year in Review 2018. What? The fuck? How do we not win? Number one, 100 Things a WWE Fan Should Know or Do Before They Die by Brian Chico Alvarez. Oh, come on. He shouldn't even be eligible. <laughs> I agree. He co-owns the site. Get out of here. What a joke. Did I'm taking this as a win. I'm taking this as a win. Yeah, there, you can't take it. absolutely screw jobs here. Ah, oh, come on. How many votes did we We got by? 32 votes. He had 240. Ah, oh, come on. I call horseshit. I call this horseshit. Is, this is horseshit. He even wants the site. This would be like us running awards and awarding ourselves. <laughs> right. I would never. Be honest, I'd probably do that. But I'm an egomaniac. This is ridiculous. I think we can claim victory here. I'm going to. Yeah. So eat shit, Glenn Jacobs. Fuck off, Bugsy. Who cares about yeah. Ricky Dozan? <laughs> That's probably a good read. <laughs> the Ricky Nobody. Dozan. Not me. That's for sure. And fucking Scott Norton. Get fucked, dude. Get, get out of here. Uh, and then our final award, best pro wrestling documentary, Dark Side of the Ring one. Um, you know, for Christ's sake, Rich. We're not going to win next year either because that dopey Young Bucks book is coming out. Oh, we're done. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> the Young Bucks book. I'm going to finish second forever. There's some, there's some dope-ass garbage bullshit Jim Ross book coming out this year too. So where he talks about you know, the I wanna business beat him. or something. <laughs> I want to beat him. I think, we could, I think we might be able to beat him. We, we're going to we're gonna have to actually try to win this award next year. If we beat him, I can tell him he should have had me ghostwrite for him again. <laughs> I want to beat him. Yeah, we're, we're going to we're gonna have to. We're going to have to. We're going to we're gonna have to try to win this next year for sure. Because it can be tough. We've we've, we've always kind of laid back and let it happen as we it never happens. Lobby. We should lobby, but we got to lobby never next lobby. year. If we're going to beat the Bucks, we got to lobby, and we might not beat. I want to. I want to be an observer award winner. Yeah, I do. I want to do it. Oh, I, we I we talk about it all that. the time. Yeah, we definitely like we brag about it all. It's the time, so. something to mill. I mean, I would I would introduce myself as that constantly in any situation. Hi, I'm an Observer Award winner, Joe Lanza. I mean, I think we could just do that. What, you just want to do that? It's not unfair because we got screwed. I really don't agree with this. The man owns the site. How can he win? I agree. Dave doesn't nominate himself for anything. Mm-hmm. Ah, what are you going to do? <laughs> Number two. Not bad, though. Not bad. Pretty good for our little dumb little book that we do. And then uh, I said best processing documentary was uh, Dark Side of the Ring. And that is it, Joe. We are done here. Capping, beginning our nine years of Voices of Wrestling. So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. VoicesWrestling.com, VoicesWrestling.com slash Discord, at Voices Wrestling, and also, of course, Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling for all of our bonus content. And don't forget to support our sponsor, Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L. Go and download that app right now. Get the app, do your ratings, do all that fun stuff. Join us, follow us, join the community, all that other good stuff. Anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll see you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.